Listening to Sunglasses at Night podcast. The year is 2015. It sure is. This is the podcast where we put in our magic time ray bands and travel back to a year in the past and look at what was going on in the charts, the ARIA charts specifically, uh, what was hitting the number ones in Australia and, you know, how it influenced the world. That's a new bit that I added at the end there. I think it went well. So, yeah, 2015 in this case. Absolutely. Yeah, I think. Um you're right, influencing the world, sort of, as we've seen with a lot of material, I'm talking, um, you know, seminal hits such as uh, Wheatus, Teenage Dirtbag, mm. they hit number one in Australia first, yeah, and then that sort of <laughs> spread out to the rest of the world. So we're sort True. of like a test market in many ways, Tom. People will True. drop their hot material here, we'll send it to number one, and then the rest of the world will, will sort yeah, of take I notice mean, of what's going on down under. We made Good Charlotte famous. For we instance. did make Good Charlotte famous, um, and the Madden Brothers offshoot, the Madden Brothers <laughs> famous as well. So um, LMAFAO, those guys, um, Red Foo, all sort of <laughs> Sorry about hit that. big down here and then sort of... So yeah, I think you're right. We do influence the world, Tom. Um Cool. What was happening in 2015? We're getting closer to the current day, so it's sort we of. I don't know if you're back. In, you know, sort of what was going on in '97. I can't remember, <laughs> but when you sort of say what's going on in 2015, it's a mere mm. seven years ago. Yeah, there's a lot of me looking at stuff, going, "Fucking hell, was that seven years ago already?" <laughs> yeah. Uh, world, yeah. Uh, around the world, China's uh, 35-year-old one-child policy finally came to an end ah. with the Steve Jobsian launch of the exciting two-child policy. Good. Uh, reviews were excellent, although some critics did point out that at this rate it would be 2041 before China could produce a functioning Hanson. Oh, really? You know? <laughs> so, yeah, look out for the three-child policy there. Yeah, that's a shame. Mm, mm. Uh, in Paris, uh, 195 countries signed on to reduce global carbon emission totals by fill this part in later, you promised, remember, seriously, you guys. Uh, French hippies are so excited that a new range of patchouli-flavoured camembert is launched to universal horror and disgust. Yes. Uh, in movie news, the biggest films of the year were six sequels, a book, a live-action cartoon remake, a Pixar movie, and a biopic about a racist soldier starring Bradley Cooper and a rubber baby. Good. Weirdly, none of those movies produced any chart hits except for Seven Fast, Seven Furious, oh, which yeah. we'll get to. We will. And of course, Kid Rock's controversial pro-slavery ballad, Wiggity Jeez Cannon, <laughs> featured in American Sniper, starring Bradley Cooper and Fantastic. Rubber Baby. Fantastic. Uh, in all seriousness, my best movie music of the year vote would probably be for the Straight Out of Compton soundtrack or Junkie XL's Fury Road score. But no chart hits on those, sadly. Also, there were actually a few old-school 80s-style movie breakout number ones this year, oh, just yeah. not from the top ten movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Straight out of Compton and Fury Road 2015, were they? Wow. Yeah, but I mean, Some not... time ago. They don't count because they're not... One's a score and one's music just, not just written specifically. Just using some NWA tracks out of there. So, do, yeah. you think, um, do you think Dr. Dre... 
um, try if you pretend to get nominated for a Grammy and went, oh, I wrote this for this film last week, and they're like, this is, this is like twenty years old. Try to pull a Stevie Wonder fake sort of. I wrote this just for the film, and it's like, dude, this is on an album from nineteen eighty nine. Well, I mean, can you rip yourself off? Oh, can look, you I interpolate you your own music? And just change <laughs> the name and say, no, this is a new song. I just. I tell you what, there's a lot of that shit happening these days from other artists. So, uh, Garrett, yeah, you probably can do it to yourself. Yeah. I, I'd completely forgotten this one. But in the music news, uh, terrorists attacked an Eagles of Death metal show at the famed Bataclan in Paris, probably pronouncing that wrong, killing 89 people and injuring 100 more. There's really nothing funny about that. I just felt guilty that it happened seven years ago and I already forgot about it. I mean, look, it has been a busy seven years. That's all I can say, but fucking hell. But sometimes you forget about these big stories. I mean, last week, 2014, we forgot to mention the infamous uh, Beyonce, Jay-Z and Solange elevator oh, fight oh that's right I mean, they had a fight in an elevator that was the biggest news of 2014 just slipped my mind it was like did that really happen eight years ago so mm. I just completely forgot about that couldn't have happened to a nice guy no exactly did you were you in Australia when that the Eagles of Death Metal thing happened yes yeah you were back here by I was yep. Yep, I, yep. I can't remember why it happened was that Muslim extremists doing it just anti-westerners or some people who really didn't like Josh Homme's side proof. <laughs> Look, the details are so vague. Like, I've forgotten already, you're right. Um, Did I think, you ever go to the Bataclan? I've never been to the Bataclan, no. Um, I I think it might have been, yeah, probably some sort of anti-Western music bullshit. I don't know, oh, okay. but I haven't, I haven't, I can't recall. There but was yeah, a fair bit of that going it was around at the time. Obviously, yeah, very, very bad to sort of think about. Um, that sort of stuff happening, having but not been to that venue, but obviously we've been to yeah. many venues. Um, so yeah, no, it seems pretty, seems pretty horrific. It's the worst one I'd heard of since that one where fucking Great White accidentally set the ceiling on fire in a bar with their own pyrotechnics and burnt what, twenty people to death oh, or okay. something in that small town. That happened in the nineties. I think that was the previous title holder for most horrible yeah things that are gig yeah, thing definitely know, non-soccer related mass crowd death not thing. including just red food concerts time no <laughs> true no um, I mean that's music dying uh, certainly it's true the dreams of children dying not so much the absolutely <laughs> sure. absolutely alright let's get on with the actual music fantastic alright Tom so straight off the bat 5th of Jan for another 3 weeks it's Uptown Funk Mark Ronson featuring Bruno Mars we talked about this last week sure it was in, the, in there for a bit at 2014 mm. back in again for 2015 you got anything else to say about this well as as I said, I prefer the Midtown Funk myself. Oh, you know, um, it's yeah. closer to the airport and parking's much better. Yeah. Uptown Funk's full of Range Rovers dropping their kids off at private funk school. Yeah, I'm down. I'm, I'm, downtown I'm, Funk's, that's clearly a vagina metaphor and I'll leave that to Megan Trainers next time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Megan Trainers probably, yeah, you're right. <laughs> she should cover that, really. I think she should, absolutely. So, three weeks of that. So, 26th of Jan, um, first new song of the year. Mm-hmm. It is uh, cheerleader Felix Jan remix by Omi. Omi or OMI? OMI, yeah. I honestly don't know. OMI, Omi, yeah. Do you have any who idea who the, the fuck Omi was? 
before no. doing any re- before I assume you've done some research for this episode Tom as you usually do you <laughs> obviously very very no you know, this good was in the research, straight but... off the bat this was my song that I had not heard before I, no. like, I don't know who this is and I don't think I ever heard this or you know no idea who Omi is or haven't heard nah, or don't know who any of them are so look um, listening to this song though I can say that if you don't know who Omi is the listener out there that He's an off-brand Shaggy. Is that a fair assessment? <laughs> we seem to get one every couple of years. Yeah. Off-brand Shaggy seems to be a subgenre. It of does sort of pop reggae yeah. unto itself. So this song was purportedly written in 2008. Oh, um, that's right. And then yeah. recorded and released in 2012 to little fanfare, very yep. very little fanfare. <laughs> but then the president of Ultra Music, which isn't a, a right-wing extreme sort of <laughs> group, as one you know doing sort of uh, right-wing music as you might have thought, the Ultra guy. Um, it's a dance label, Tom, and oh, okay. they heard this song uh, that the head of Ultra Music and thought, if I can put one of the world's finest DJs on task of remixing this, then I think we have ourselves a hit. So enter Felix Yarn. We I, I still don't know Let's how to say it's Yarn. Let's say Yarn. So um, and of course everyone knows him from this. <laughs> and, not, and I don't even sure. know him from this. Absolutely so nothing. So they, they probably you might know him from this. You probably don't. Um, and apart from this, he also did a remix of the Phil Collins song "Another Day in Paradise." Oh, good. So you probably know him from that. That was yep. if you don't know him from this. <laughs> no, you don't. You don't know him from that. Oh, you'd know him um, from the song "Sicko." Featuring Gashy and Fangs, you know, you know, you know oh, that one. No? Gashy, sure. Oh, yeah. Gashy and Fangs, no. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know him. You, no one knows this guy. Let's face it. So, um, look, he released the album in 2015. Um, this song mm-hmm. came from a couple of singles since then, which haven't troubled the charts. And pretty much the same for Felix. He released an album in 2018 um, and another late last year, a few singles, but mm. haven't heard of either of them since no. but then admittedly I hadn't heard of them in the first place no I mean it's always a good sign for a song when it takes seven years for anyone to see that it has any value Absolutely. and involves multiple remixes you know to make it palatable for anybody oh agreed but hey I mean it is three weeks at number one so yeah. somebody clearly liked it yeah look definitely so we don't know much about Omi we don't know much about Felix but clearly the uh, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts on this one Tom because yeah. when the two come together they're able to create the magic that is cheerleader yeah well it did I mean it did uh, get to number one in 20 countries did it including the United States, the UK, Australia, Canada, France, Mexico, Ireland, Sweden, and Germany. So it wasn't just one of those ones where wasn't Australia ho- puts its hand up and goes, yeah, we'll take some of that action. wasn't a hocus-pocus, here's Johnny. <laughs> no, no. We, we loved so much. Sometimes that happens with the dance music, like it just catches on in one place, like, you know, or DJs pass it around in some clubs in a big city and then it just, you know, it yep. gets to the top. But clearly Cheerleader had something going for it that, you know, other people did. I mean, I'm assuming you could isolate what it was but uh... oh Tom I can isolate what it was um, the song starts with a trumpet it sure does um, and then it goes steadily downhill from there <laughs> no. there's not a lot else to like about you it go, hmm, that's interesting and then that's the last Felix time Yarn's that. work on this is uh, look to, to put it kindly minimal yeah. um, he adds the weaker shit beat uh, the trumpet's more prominent in the remix than the original but 
is this even a dance track? I mean, the I head mean, of Ultra Music, they're a dance label and they've got this guy on it. Oh, no. Fucking hell. Apparently, the original was 100 BPMs and Felix knocked this up to 118 BPMs. Yeah. That's what he's done. Now, Tom, we're Eurobeats, you know, aficionados and this needs to be at least 140. Oh, 150. Yeah. No, I, I mean, 120 BPM minimum that's or GTFO. weak as fuck. I mean, that's only two beats a second. That's like, weak. Yeah, yeah. which may, maybe that's why this was on the radio, because it's more of a sort of lazy house car sort of listen song than an actual dance song. But yeah. I mean, did you listen to the original version? I did. I, I prefer the older one, I yeah. thought. It's a bit slower. It's more of a pop reggae soul type of thing. Yeah. But it's got the real studio horns, not samples, a yeah. sax break, and the auto-tune is the sort of pretending it doesn't exist kind instead of the 12 years out of date shithouse T-Pain kind, yeah. which is what's in this version. I think the, the original Tom, I imagine that if I went on a holiday to uh, the Bahamas and I was sitting down at the beach sipping yeah. you know, a cocktail... I might hear the original. The remix, I feel like, is if I went to a shit Bahamas-themed pub yeah. uh, in Coburg <laughs> and some guy was serving up $30 um, cocktails that consisted of him just pouring a pre-mixed cocktail into a glass. And putting a paper umbrella yeah, on the top. Exactly, yeah. and there was some fake grass out the back in like a tiki hut or some shit. That's where I imagine hearing the remix. Yeah. Well, similarly, there are two music videos. Oh, good. Um, weirdly, the new one doesn't look any fancier than the old one. In fact, the old one, even though the direction is a bit crappier, is way more ambitious and tells a searing Tarantino-esque tale of love, deception yep. and victory that ends with OMI throwing large sums of fake money out of a convertible BMW. Good. Whereas the new one's just some fucks dancing around the beach, as far as I can see. Yeah, the, the last one, I think... Oh, and for what it's worth, neither video features any no, cheerleaders. Exactly. Not one. No, exactly <laughs> right. It's, it's, it's bullshit, yeah. I um, mean, I know it's a metaphorical <laughs> cheerleader, but still, I mean, talk about a wasted opportunity. Fucking I think, um, as we've learned, Tom, even if something is metaphorical in song lyrics, those, <laughs> those directors of the video clips are quite happy to use it extremely literally. So, <laughs> Absolutely. Um, look, I think T-Pain would have co-signed on that earlier video clip with the money being thing. Yeah, he would yeah. Have enjoyed that's that what it looks like. It looks like a sort of Derulo-ish type <laughs> exactly. video. And if know. Derulo's on board, I'm on board. But I don't think they would have either of them would have liked the latter. Yeah, now, the new one's just um, You've probably got some lyrical highlights, Tom. Um, but before oh, you sure. get to... I assume you do. You might not because uh, I can't say. Um, Go for it. But no, please. I did like that uh, Omi rhymed, she walks like a model with... Grants my wishes like a genie in a bottle. <laughs> sure. So rhyme model with bottle there, which is good. Um, the genie in the bottle, is this a Christina Aguilera reference? Ooh, could be. Perhaps. Um, uh, what kind of wish is the genie in the bottle granting? <laughs> if this was a flow rider track, we know that it would be a blowjob. Mm. That would sort of be where he would be going with that sort of grants my wish like a genie in a bottle. Has flow rider ever used his namesake um, for one of his patented blowjob metaphors do you think <laughs> and the reason that I ask is because the most most famous you know, you know f- rider is flow rider sure he's number one in terms of that mm-hmm. so you know flow rider um, followed by Winona rider yes and <laughs> Winona uh, rhymes with Bona. Sure. So I would have thought, and maybe have you combed <laughs> through all of Flo Rida's lyrics? Maybe you haven't. I know I haven't. As at any stage, is sort of flow like flow. I'm Flo Rida. Another writer's Winona. 
I'm gonna bone her. So, you know, I'm, they're not obviously not the, the actual lyrics I'm mm. singing because T Pain. Sorry, not T T is obviously good as well, but Flo Rider is obviously a lyrical genius, and I'm sure that sure. he could concoct the elements that I've given him into a sort of better type <laughs> thing. But I was just wondering if he's ever sort of used anything like that. Not that not that I'm aware of. Well, I digress. I'm talking about I'm Flo Rider now. In the song uh, Cock Mobster. MC Paul Barnum does rhyme Winona Ryder with going insider. Does he? Not to mention I would jizz early with inside of Liz Hurley. So, you know, someone has drawn that conclusion. Ryder and insider. Because I said Winona and Boner, but (laughs) Ryder and insider. So, yeah. I mean, I was wondering, I mean, if Flo Ryder hasn't used insider. um, Flo Ryder, I'm deep up insider. Yeah, I Mm. I imagine he probably He So, I feel like his videos have yet to explore the uh, famous, you know, famously well-known thing too that the shape of florida you know yep. obviously looks like a semi-flaccid penis <laughs> uh you know and given that he's used the flow rider iconography very heavily i feel like he's kind of missing out on a <laughs> trick there with he you is. know some sort of shape of florida slash winona rider type video clip well he might have that tattoo tom we don't know we know that he <laughs> does have a lot of a lot of tattoos so it's quite possible absolutely yeah. look all, all i know is that hopefully flow rider pops up again and <laughs> Between now and the next time he pops up, I'll do a bit more research and see if I can dig deep in those lyrics. So, absolutely. I'm sure he'll pop up again. I'm uh, sure he's got more blood. I hope, I hope so. Absolutely. <laughs> so, what about the lyrics? Um, outside of um, bottle and model, <laughs> rhyming that. Well, yeah. Um, they do. Put, uh, seven years in the making, Ben. Seven yep. years. Uh, <laughs> older than your first child. Uh, so, Omi or OMI has had a lot of time to polish this gym. Yeah. Uh, Oh, I think that I found myself a cheerleader. She's always right here when I need her. She walks like a model. She grants my wishes like a genie in a bottle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I'm the wizard of love and I got the magic wand. The yeah. wizard of love? Mm. And I've got the magic wand. Yeah, I know. He's broken with his rhyme scheme <laughs> there. Yes. I know we just got back from that feminist poetry convergence and Wiccan magic circle in Yibbon. Yeah. So I won't bother underlining the awesome gender politics happening in this song from the title on down. But I will say that, sure, any man who grew up watching I Dream of Jeannie and or listening to Christina Aguilera, as you mentioned, has daydreamed about having a girlfriend who is like a genie in a bottle, yeah. Yep. But if you had a magical girlfriend, mm. as he suggests in this song, then why would you need to be the wizard of love? Yeah, exactly. Like, that leads to my question. Did he get the genie in the bottle, then wish for the title of Wizard of Love? Like, yeah. was that wish number one? Yeah. Make me Wizard of Love. Wish number two, magic wand, yeah. meaning my cock. I want a magical cock. Yeah. Wish number three, belated chart success with the remix version of a piss week <laughs> dance floor filler from some reggae guy no one's heard of. <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah. Look, well, but you're looking at it from that angle, Tom. The other angle is that he was the Wizard of Love and that's how uh, he was able to get the genie in the bottle sure. in the first place. So. And we haven't even touched on, so to speak, the fact that in the song Genie in a Bottle by Christina Aguilera, if this is referring to that, yep. the genie in the bottle, as far as I can tell, is her vagina. Yeah, I think so. So there's quite a lot of... Uh, you got to rub me the right way. H.R. Geiger-style imagery going on <laughs> in these two songs. <laughs> A lot of biomechanical genital mutilations happening here, so, you know. Yeah. I think, in hindsight, getting a child to sing, you got to rub me the right way, is <laughs> probably not what should have occurred. Um, but look, I won't judge. I mean, was that Max it's, Martin? It's pro probably... foreplay, so yeah. that's a plus. Yeah, that's true. You know, she wasn't giving it away easy, but yeah, there was a lot of... Uh, 
not particularly um, well <laughs> well veiled genital. That's okay. There'll never on. be another teenager involved in pop music again, no, Tom. I think they're no. safe for now. So oh, she was very heavily clothed by today's standards. Certainly. Absolutely. What else all you right. got for me on Omi? Ah, uh, nothing. That's that's all all I've got. How's he doing on the old? Um... Oh, look. The thing about Omi is Tom, um, and this is something that I think. <laughs> Is it fucking OMI or OMI? I can't tell now. I've I don't written know. it two different ways. Um, it was written OMI on the thing I downloaded, but they might have got it wrong too. Yeah, so surprisingly, Tom, and I say surprisingly because I was very surprised at these figures, uh, he has almost 6 million monthly listeners on Fuck. Spotify. Maybe he's got a hometown like Jamaican following that we don't know about, sort of, you know. Yeah. Like uh, that might... other guy that we had, Sean, was it Sean Paul? Who was that dude? Sean Paul, yeah, maybe. Some of these guys, and they've got massive figures, and you're like, oh, they must have a, you know, like in the Caribbean, they're well-known. Absolutely. Look, I'd say that um, he must have a few other hits squirreled away somewhere. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah, maybe he is just big um, in sort of his homeland rather than here, I guess. But look, I... What about Bobo Yarn? Um, this is gonna, and you can get this for you can get this for three bucks, three dollars and ten cents. That's as cheap as you're gonna get it. So look, that's That's pretty cheap. Yeah, that is pretty cheap compared to the recent weeks, Tom, where some of these figures have been through the fucking roof. So um, that's actually pretty pretty decent um, money in terms of uh, you know you can get it and still afford you know a sandwich, whereas (laughs) a lot of the other can't. Um, Felix Yarn, Tom, he's got 16 million monthly listeners. I guess fucked. So, I'm telling you, it's these dance guys. I reckon there's something to do with the, the way that the songs are tabulated that, that interfaces with the dance music genre that means that they appear high, more highly represented. Yeah. I think also um, Jan appears to be one of those remix guys that just comes in and takes uh, old songs and just like jat- puts it puts a new sheen on them. Yep. So he's probably got a lot of listeners from um, songs you know, he didn't write, you know, just, just like that Phil Collins yeah. one, etc. So, I mean, sixteen million—that's fucking that's, that's a lot. Yeah, definitely. So if you're a youngster out there, just get into being a DJ <laughs> and throw some speed speed <laughs> a song up. 20% and you could, that's all they yeah. do on this one so. man if you can start a dance craze based on a dance that you can't do and don't know what it looks like then knock yourself out yeah cool alright should we move on uh, yes alright so up next Tom uh, 16th of February for uh, I think just, the, just the, the solitary week it's uh, 4 or 5 seconds and this is by Rihanna Kanye West and Sir Paul McCartney. Fucking hell. I mean, it's 2015 at this point, Ben. These might be the three biggest musical artists in the world at this point. Absolutely. So I can only imagine that they've come together for some incredibly important global cause here. Well, that's what's interesting, Tom. (laughs) I just assume that, you know, this is when you see those big names together, you think, is this a charity single? Mm, But it's not. Surely it must be. Yeah. But then they must have something important to say, though. Well, know, that's debatable. A, a really as well. high, you know, an innovative, exciting song that they need to deliver <laughs> to the world. Because well, why else would they have joined together? Well, Tom, it's a fair question. But look, I guess the question for me is what happens when you take one of the most respected songwriters of his generation, mm. Paul McCartney, 
team him up with one of the most respected rappers and producers <laughs> of his generation. Yeah, there's an asterisk there as well. Uh, and the biggest pop star of modern <laughs> times. I think we can agree on that. Um, turns out you get a dog shit acoustic ballad, Tom. That's what you, you actually get. Yeah. Um, this is pretty bland. It is. Not a lot happening with this. People must have streamed this because of the people involved, I would suggest. Um, not the quality of the music. They probably yeah. said, oh, what's going what's gonna to happen when Kanye and Rihanna yeah. team up with Paul McCartney? Let's give that a listen. Yeah. Well, the and then fact they went, that's that, fucking awful. The but. fact that even Australia gave this only one week compared to three weeks for that last bollocks that we just talked about yeah. goes to show that even, even despite that novelty factor of going, oh, I wonder what that sounds like. I mean, yeah, for what it's worth, this might be the most stripped-back song we've had at number one since we started this podcast. Like, Pretty it damn really, stripped-back. It back. sounds like a beer garden sing-along, almost. Yeah, you know, Davo's brought the acoustic, Coronas are on sale at happy hour, and everyone's trying to cover a Beyonce song with one guy strumming, you know, joining in when they can remember the words. That's yeah. really what it sounds like. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. There's not a lot happening here. Look, the only thing more boring than the song is the black and white video, <laughs> Tom. It's just yeah. them sitting around. It, it looks like I spent about $5 boring. on it. Now, this is a uh, quote. Kanye come out, came up with the idea of just doing some real street denim, all-American type look because they're all wearing denim. Oh, God, I didn't a, even know that. Because he's a fashionista, Tom. He's a genius, not just as a songwriter, mm. also in the fashion sense. So Kanye came up with the idea of doing some real denim, real street denim all-American type shit, Rihanna said. Denim never goes out of style. It's classic. It's iconic. Just like the fucking Beatles. Mm. Well, now, if there's one thing black and white film comes brings across really well, it's blue jeans. Yeah, so, no doubt. So I didn't even notice that they're wearing fucking they're wearing, denim. It's, it's, they're wearing <laughs> denim in this one, Tom. See, because it's an all Amer- it's all American. Because <laughs> sure. all of them are American, apart mm. from Paul McCartney, who's from England, so, and apart from Rihanna, who's who's from Barbados. What, so, what percentage of denim on the human body? Uh, goes from where's the line where the percentage of denim goes from all American to all Canadian? Oh, jeez. Where do you cross over into full Canadian? Is that triple denim or yeah. double denim? Is double denim still all American? I think that's. I think double <laughs> denim's all American. Triple denim. Yeah. Canadian tuxedo. I, I, it is the Cana- it is the Canadian tuxedo. Trip- well, triple denim, yeah. I think you're right. I think you've got to go triple. So it's all American, but only up to seventy five percent. Then you correct. Think Canadian. Okay, correct. Just correct. making sure. So, so if you if you watch the video clip again, Tom, you'll notice that they're all wearing it one to two pieces of denim. Sure. So. Yeah. Um, but look, it raised a lot of questions. Um, <laughs> you know, sure Rihanna's <laughs> quote about Kanye's genius in um, obviously the all American denim type look, mm. but also it's iconic just like the Beatles would never go out of style now the question for me is will there be a time when denim or the Beatles go out of style mm. will there be a generation of kids one day you know maybe not today Tom maybe not tomorrow but one day who just think you know what hey Jude garbage don't care for it and you know fuck denim I'm only wearing parachute pants well, is that time going to come or will <laughs> the Beatles and will denim live on yeah, forever valid question I mean they'll definitely fade in and out right now uh, people the age of the music buying, you know, the, the, the pop buying public when I was younger, e.g. teenagers, seem to be dressing in the very worst aspects of 90s fashion from when I was a kid, including terrible pants made of not denim. So, you know, who who knows? Parachute pants, 
but whether they hate the Beatles, I don't know. You'd have to ask them about that. I'm sure they've got plenty of political opinions about various members of the Beatles. Oh, look, no doubt. Who knows? Like, I, I really, I have mixed feelings about this song. I've got to say, on the one hand, it is boring, like you say. Oh, yeah, it sucks. After but... I listened to this on YouTube, I got an autoplay for the next song for Rihanna and Eminem's Monster from 2013, oh, which good, we yeah. covered. And I was immediately struck by how sonically diverse and sort of off-kilter that song is compared to this kind of tedious strumathon. Yeah. You know? On the other hand, there is something almost perversely kind of admirable about bringing the three biggest musicians in the world together for no particular reason and then just getting them to record an acoustic campfire twang fest about fuck all. (laughs) It's almost... I mean, like, it may be boring, but it's not going to date... Like like the denim, it's not interesting at all, but this will sound the same in 20 years' time yeah. as it does. There's no shitty auto-tune, there's no wiki-wiki scratching, there's no strange EDM yeah. shit. It's, it'll sound like a kind of... Did you look into the origins of how the song came about, Tom? Did you, did you... Um, oh, I, I had a quote from <laughs> Sir Paul. Oh, yeah, yeah. What is it? Yeah, go. What oh, you got sure. Um, we had two or three afternoons where we just hung out together in a Beverly Hills hotel on the bungalows out the back, and uh, he had his engineer and was set up with a couple of microphones in case anything happened. I think he's talking about Kanye. Yep. Uh, I was tootling around on guitar and Kanye spent a lot of time just looking at pictures of Kim Kardashian on his computer. <laughs> Preview of what's to come there. Uh, I'm thinking, are we ever going to get around to writing? But it turns out he was writing. Uh. That's his muse. He was listening to this riff I was doing and he obviously knew in his mind that he could use that. So he took it, sped it up, and then somehow he got Rihanna to sing on it. I'm guessing by offering her fuckloads of money. Yeah. Uh, pity Kim wasn't banging Pete Davidson at that point or we might have got a song with some actual bollocks to it, you know. <laughs> what a great influence that woman has had on the Western psyche, Ben, you know. I mean, yes. people complain about Yoko Ono, but at least her career wasn't built on a sex tape pimped out by her own mother. Yeah. Yeah, look, you know... Kanye's, Kanye gets better every day. He's he obviously does. in a psychologically good place, but at this time he was still sane enough to hang around with Paul McCartney and neither of them have to worry about the press covering it. <laughs> indeed, <laughs> so. indeed. Look, there's one interesting thing about this song. Probably mm. the only interesting thing about this song. Sure, Tom. I couldn't find one. Um, and that's that Kanye West enlisted uh, Wilson Phillips oh. to provide backing vocals for the track. Now, Hold On um, by Wilson Phillips is a banger back then. Still a banger today and always will be. Um, Way better than this song. And look, I guess just there's a question, Tom. Will there be a day when a generation of kids one day, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but one day uh, who just think Wilson Phillips (laughs) are better than the Beatles? (laughs) When's that day going to come? Are people all of a sudden the kids are sitting around and they're listening to Hold On and they go, "That's fucking better than Hey Jude. That's way better than Strawberry Fields Forever. That's what's going to happen." So, I don't know. We'd have to draw that line of Beatles popularity, Wilson mm. Phillips popularity, and you know, I assume that there's some people that can crunch the numbers, crunch the data, and see at which point the two figures will overlap and we'll get Wilson Phillips Where do as you the think, new Beatles. What do you think inspired Kanye to pick Wilson Phillips? Of all the backing vocalists he could pick, um, to pick, did he just watch Bridesmaids recently or something? That was the last time I saw Wilson Phillips, I yeah. think. Yeah. 
I don't really know what happened there, <laughs> why, but... Were they walking down the street past the studio or yeah, something? Yeah, but look, Kanye reached out to them, got them yeah, in, they did sure. the backing vocals, and it's, it's... To be honest, I didn't even notice this, this song had backing vocals, but... It did, sure. it's Wilson Phillip, hold okay. on for one more day. Um, <laughs> I'd you... rather listen to that than yeah, this song, look, sure. I don't know. Are you buying the dynamic here, Tom, of Rihanna... Out and about, like sorry, the, what the songs? Are, I'm talking about what the oh, songs okay, about. Sure, the content of the song, the content of the song. So, mm. the dynamic here is that um, Rihanna, um, she's out and about, you know, banging dudes, uh, probably with her strap-on dildo. Sure, from her and, own dildo yep. range. And Kanye, stuff. he's at home. He's the jealous boyfriend. <laughs> oh, That's the sure. dynamic in the song. So she's out and about, partying and having fun, and he's at home, like, oh, you know, what are you, what are you doing? Do you, do you sort of see that? You know, do you think that Kanye and Rihanna, they, do they have that rapport in the song? Do you feel that sort of emotional tension? Not really. That's no. the thing. It's like that. That like that monster. You know. I mean, if that if that emotional tension was in the song, it would be way more interesting than this. Yeah. Because they're both pretty, you know, aggressive personalities. It could be quite interesting. But yeah, yeah. Just Kanye does say that um, I'm about to spaz because <laughs> Rihanna is four or five mm. seconds from Wilden. Sure. Now, you're not allowed to use spaz these days without getting cancelled, so I assume that when Kanye performs this live, he changes those lyrics up a bit to something about stabbing Jews or something. That's what he seems to be on board yeah. with. So. I was going to say, if he said, I'm about to spaz in an interview tomorrow, it would probably be the least crazy thing you did that <laughs> would be. It would be a thing. nice distraction from the rest of the time. For sure. That's... I think the last time I saw a photo of him, he was dressed like a homeless alcoholic yep. wearing a boxing mouth guard for a sport he doesn't play yep. with a White Lives Matter hoodie and most unforgivably of all, black socks with thongs. Yeah, I know. black socks with thongs. He's meant man. to be a. Fuck- Won't somebody he's- step in here? Well, he's for meant to. He's meant sake. to be a fashionista, and he just looks like fucking garbage. I mean, not slides. I mean, like yeah. camper van thongs. Yeah. With- Black socks. Dude, what are you doing? I know. It's, it's crazy. It's oh, crazy. Man. He so. needs help and clearly he's not getting it. But is that, but is, when he wears that, is that because you've focused on his footwear and that detracts from some of the things that he says <laughs> that are uh, sort of, I guess, you know, not... not hey, maybe that's the mouth guard. Maybe his publicist has stuck the mouth guard in, tell them it looks great, hoping that he'll, you know, that maybe it'll make his harder to hear what he's actually saying. <laughs> when he's talking about the Jews running the media he's or whatever the fuck he's talking about Telling him to grow a days, huge so. homeless person beard yeah. and maybe people won't recognise it's Kanye West. Yeah, people, people would just be like, is he saying something real <laughs> racist or weird or something? No, like, I, think I don't think so. He's asking if we've got five cents changed. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, so look... Rihanna, though, she's indicated here that she's only four or five seconds away, Tom. Mm. Four or five seconds uh, from Wilden. What does that mean exactly? (laughs) Because it sounds to me like she's about to go fucking apeshit. Is that what you're getting? (laughs) She's four or five seconds from Wilden. Mm, I think that's what she's saying. Possibly with her strap on, you know. Yeah, so (laughs) exactly. So Kanye's at home going, what are you doing? You're out and about, you're getting crazy. And then mm. she's like, leave me alone. I'm only four or five seconds from wild. And he's like, ah, so yeah. But speaking of that strap on, who out of Paul and Kanye is on the receiving end, do you think, if mm. out of those two? Sure, sure. Well, I mean... Because uh, assuming... Because as a war, before they record this song, she's probably in there singing, you know... She's doing her vocal warm-ups. Come on, rude boy, boy, can you get it up? Take it. So she's singing that <laughs> yep. as a warm-up and then mm. looking do, like very, 
very, very hard eye contact with both Paul and Kanye when she's doing when she says the take it part. She's like really burning into the eyes and sort of they're going, oh, you know. Mm. So I don't know. I think Paul. Yeah, I reckon Paul. I think yep. he's the surprise one. I think Kanye maybe he's jealous because he's at home and he knows that she's yep. four or five seconds away from going from, ham from on. She's yeah. Second of the last two remaining Beatles' ass with a yeah. giant Rihanna Brandon strap on. Yeah, it's the only logical inference I think we can take from this. Yeah, that if if, <laughs> if he was to die in that sort of situation, much like Shane oh. Law Warren may have um, <laughs> when he was overseas, we don't. We will never know. Allegedly, Tom. we will sure. never ever know until the autopsy is done. But. Um, if, if he was to go out like that mm. with the media, would they publicise that or would they try and sweep it <laughs> under the carpet, do you think? It would set a high bar for Ringo Starr to go out with on an, in an interesting way. Yeah, certainly. exactly right. One was one was <laughs> murdered by a crazed fan. Mm, that's one tough just to died of, you know, being old, cancer. Yep. One's been penetrated anally by Rihanna with a strap on dildo and something's Leading happened. Leading to a heart attack. Something's <laughs> happened. <laughs> exactly. What's Ringo going to do? jump a jet ski <laughs> off of fucking Niagara Falls or something I don't know but we'll find out we'll find sure. out now um, this apart from four or five seconds from Wilden and mm. Kanye about to spaz got any lyrical highlights or, or sorry anything else you want to say about this oh sure um, oh, I was just going to say the song peaked at number four on the Billboard Hot 100 becoming Rihanna's 26th top 10 song yeah McCartney's 23rd oh yeah so she's above McCartney but that doesn't count his 34 with the Beatles oh fuck but still I mean I I didn't really think he would have had 23 on his own and does that does that include Wings you know it must be songs he's like written or be kind of yeah because as a performer it's not as not as part of Lennon and McCartney and West's 15th so Rihanna's okay. at the top, really, uh, yep. the solo artist. McCartney now holds the record for longest time between top 10 hits, oh. with 29 years between 4 5 seconds and Spies Like Us, mm-hmm. which charted on February 8th, 1986. But again, that's not counting the Beatles. Yep. If you include the Beatles, God knows what it would be, fucking 50 years or something. So, so 29 years, okay. But right. that's just McCartney. So yep. yeah, so his first top 10 was Spies Like Us, which I don't even remember, but that was in... 86. Was it like from a shit Bond film or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> There's a movie really called Spies Like Us, but I don't know Probably if it that. features that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, we're gonna, I'm going to start a campaign in a year or two to try and get um, Scatman versus the Hatman back into the top ten <laughs> yes. so that Scatman John can sure. have the longest period of time between yeah. uh, his song. Um, or maybe, you know, something to do with uh, MC Scat Cat and the Stray Mob. Maybe we can get one of their songs into the top ten so that yeah. big gap between that. So anyway, I digress, Tom. Lyrics hit me. Oh, yeah, all right. Um, uh, four or five seconds was written by West <coughs> McCartney, Kirby Lorian, Mike Dean, Sign, Dave Longstreth, Dallas Austin, Elon Rootberg, Noah Goldstein, and Rihanna. Somehow, despite the fact that, as we've stated, it just sounds like three people making shit up around a campfire, basically. That uh, many people for this? I know. Jesus Christ. I know. Uh, woke up an optimist, sun was shining, I'm positive, we can run, then I heard you was talking trash. Mm. Now, at this point, uh, Kanye West levelling accusations of talking trash at people Jeez. seems like uh, he's standing in a giant crystal palace-sized glass house. <laughs> uh, 
and is throwing rocks or using a giant catapult to throw boulders, perhaps. Yeah. But yeah. So look, that's no. I think they're really they're again. I mean, all that talent, and that's really the most interesting thing in the song is that Kanye West says, "I'm bound to spaz," which isn't even the nuttiest thing he said that week. No. Look, yeah, pretty it's just, it's pretty just weak. Crazy that it's this dull. Yeah, it's weak know? shit. Weak yeah. shit. Exactly right. It's like a it's like a Wings B side from the least interesting part of Paul McCartney's 80s career and he's just hired two other people to sing along with it. Yeah, know? exactly. And then got Wilson Phillips to do backing vocals for a song they could do a better song then. Like, yeah. yeah, terrible. Yeah. Um, look, so... And look look at this talent, Tom. Rihanna, 55 million on Spotify. Yeah, Okay, but... 55 million. Kanye, 51 million. Mm-hmm. Put those together, we're talking over 100 million on Spotify already, just those two. Paul McCartney, ten million. Yeah, there you it's go. not many. I no. suppose the Beatles. Would yeah, have more I'm than... sure the Beatles have a fuckload. But also the Beatles. Do, do people go on Spotify and listen to the Beatles? It's all old fucking people that have the CDs. Young people probably aren't doing that. Yeah, Paul McCartney, the solo artist, doesn't yep. have a young fan base the way no. these. Wilson you know, Phillips, one point five mil. <laughs> I think they're. I think they're oh, underrated. That's a crime. Yeah. So you add fifty five and fifty one, you get one oh five. Ten more. 115 <laughs> Wilson Phillips 116.5 million Spotify listeners mm. combined with these guys and this is the best they could, oh, they no, could come up with feeble, hey? but I'm not blaming Wilson Phillips they've just come in and Kanye said do some backing box <laughs> on this they probably didn't have a lot of creative Did control Wilson Phillips have another hit not that I'm aware of <laughs> <laughs> sure. okay uh, this, uh, and this is going to cost you on Discogs Thirty-five dollars. Mm. So don't don't not, fuck, don't, I don't do never that. Pay for don't this. do that. Exactly. Sure. Um, all right. What do we got next then? Uh, next time for one, two, three, four, four of the best weeks, I believe, is Ellie Goulding. Love me like you do. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, written by Savan Kotetra, Ilya Selmanzadeh, yeah. Tovalo, Max Martin, and Ali Piami. The last two producing, Goulding just provided the vocals. So, yeah. Great, great. So, so yeah, just to get you into the mood. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good to know. Uh, look, straight off the bat, Ellie recorded this sultry power ballad for the Fifty Shades of Grey movie, she Tom. Did. So, you know it's going to be good even before listening to it. Yeah, I, I thought this was a breakout hit for Ellie Goulding yep. because it's the only thing I've heard of her in, but I was wrong. She'd already had a UK number two from her previous album and a US number two with a different song, Lights, okay. which is much more of a sort of disco club track than this one. Anyway, Love Me Like You Do, as you say, was written for the soundtrack to the year's 17th most successful movie, Fifty Shades of Grey. Yep. Finally, people could take home the musical accompaniment to two fifth-choice actors who hated each other, stiffly pretending to want to fuck using dialogue written by a middle-aged woman called Snow Queen's Ice Dragon for her Jill-off Twilight fanfiction. <laughs> because people had been crying out for that, you know. Absolutely. Look, um, is Fifty Shades of Grey, when you boil it down to the bare essentials, is it the most what-the-fuck success story of the millennium so far? It's fucking up there. Because we were saying that about Twilight before yep. this came along, and Twilight makes this look comparatively sane and normal. Well, Twilight is a, is a, is a book that someone's written. Yes. Um, <laughs> which yes. all books are. About a... <laughs> oh, I don't want to use the term original concept, because um, it's... 
you know, vampires. It's, it's young it's, adult. It's yo- yeah. Yeah. But it's, whereas this is fan fiction of yeah. that, <laughs> which makes no fucking sense. With the names changed. Yeah. And then someone's went, you, you're never going to be able to get a fan fiction released of this. Not just fan just fiction. Just the name. Sorry. It's slash fiction. It's yeah. fucking erotic yeah. cell phone fan fiction. Yeah. <laughs> fucking hell. I mean, you know, but God. She moved some units. I'll tell yeah. you what. And the quality of the text, Tom, I don't know whether you, you read any of them. Oh, a page or two. I know what um, you mean. I, yeah. I read, um, Oof, I read two of the three. Um, a girl that I used to work with gave them to me and went, oh, you know, she. I said, oh, what's it like? She went, look, it's not very good. Um, you don't have a, <laughs> but I have but, read all of I've them. I've heard that from several women. Because you used to be able to, there was a point in time where I think you could get them at Woolworths for like three mm-hmm. for, for 10 bucks. Yeah. Well. Was just like a, so it's like, oh, look, fuck it. Three for 10 bucks or whatever it was. Like not very expensive. That's why everyone had a copy. But um, the text itself was, was so bad. Yes. I couldn't, Believe mm. that someone agreed to publish it. Um, it was at the and the story itself yeah. was so bad as well <laughs> that it's like, okay, cool. So he's really rich, and she's just a regular girl, and mm. they get and he's got an interest in her. That's cool. Oh, and he, and he also has like a bondage room. Great, <laughs> cool. And that's about it. The funny thing is that it actually despite its weird origins, it actually makes more sense if you think of it as being the characters from Twilight. If that guy's a vampire and he's immortal, then his yep. character makes way more sense than it, because they change them to be theoretically yep. real people. Then it's just even dumber. Like, it makes even less sense. Her character makes even less sense and his character makes, you know, no sense. It's fair to say none of it makes any sense. No, so. no, it doesn't. Um, has the author done any <laughs> further work, Tom, or has she just sort of said... Fucking oh, this is just an yeah. unbelievable situation where I have oh. riches beyond my greatest imagination for doing yeah. something pretty shit. I'm just gonna pocket that and just yes. walk away. Well, on the on the minus in the minus column, she did have uh, one follow up, which was just basically the same story, just rebranded as something else. Really, just another S and M fantasy sort of you know uh, thing and that wasn't very successful and was critically reviled although the Fifty Shades of Grey books weren't critically appreciated either obviously because they're terribly no critic (laughs) could appreciate them in the plus column however she seems to have just gone oh well fair enough I'll take my giant amount of money and then I won't for instance go on Twitter and completely spoil my reputation by having a weird transphobic bug up my ass <laughs> in the public eye for 10 years and refuse to let it go uh, JK Rowling style thereby tarnishing my entire legacy such as it is so in some ways she's actually doing better than you know the uh, than some of the other young adult authors that you could name but I comparing mean, her, the, the author of this book to J.K. Rowling is like... <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no. Like, even as you say, like, Twilight's not very well written, but it's, no. it makes this look, you know, yep. this look... Uh, this makes Twilight look pretty great because... Yeah. yeah. Look, um, I don't know, anyway. But I guess the fact that this was a best-selling book says more about us as a society, Tom, than about oh, Ellie Goulding's... <laughs> Yeah. To write a I mean, much or... like as I used to say about Harry Potter, what it really tells you is that 
this is why <coughs> nobody has yet figured out a computer simulation that can predict what the next big fad is going to yeah. be and make the person who programmed it, you know, a billionaire. Yep. It's because it's impossible to predict, even in hindsight, to think, what the f- why would that suddenly be popular? You just, you can't tell what's going to pique people's interest. Yeah, look, I think what's, what is a surefire bet, Tom, is if you want something to be a best-selling, or, you know, if you want to be a best-selling or you want your material to sort of mm-hmm. sell as many copies as possible, you better make it as fucking stupid as possible <laughs> so that morons can read it. The, the, the internet is, oh, the Amazon books is overflowing with, with literary pornography, oh, yeah. including every possible fan fiction and slash fiction iteration that you could possibly imagine. Imagine. Yeah, and you know that's one of the things that Kindles and people reading books online has done is repopularized uh, written erotica because women favor it more highly than visual erotica. Yep. and because now you can read things anonymously without you can buy and read things without people looking at the cover of the book and seeing some tits that show that you're reading. <laughs> You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, like even the cover of Fifty Shades of Grey was just like a tasteful picture of a necktie and stuff. If you didn't know what it was, yeah, you wouldn't yeah. think, oh, that's porn. You know. Yeah. But, yeah. Absolutely. No, I completely agree. You can you can read <laughs> but, all yeah, this stuff. But so what I mean is, why this one thing out of that ocean of written smart? Why this one badly? Well, dare I say, Tom, that it's that sort of snowballing <laughs> effect where it becomes such a, a pop culture a phenomenon thing, that then yeah. just people are like. Oh, I wouldn't usually read this, but fucking, I'm out this. Look at that. Yeah, They're three yeah. for ten. I can get the whole lot for ten bucks, and then I can be part of the conversation by yes. saying that was fucking garbage, <laughs> wasn't it? As most people I've spoken to seem to say. But I guess that's it, isn't it? So, yeah. but that doesn't explain the popularity of the film because if you get the no. books and then read those books and go, that was fucking terrible. Yeah. Well, but there are obviously people that read the books and enjoyed them. I the films were know. diminishing returns. Oh no truly. doubt. I mean, this was the most successful I think by the third one people like by that that's the problem with filming a book by the time these books had come out by the time the film made it to the screen people the fad for the books had been and gone oh absolutely you know and so yeah and as I said the actors were like nobody wanted to play these roles because they're so dumb and it's a pervy film that requires a lot of you know American unfashionable sex scene type stuff and nudity and yeah plus and the actors didn't like each other at all yeah <laughs> frustratingly the film actually has a pretty good soundtrack with uh Beyonce, yes obviously yeah <laughs> 50 shades of grey with beyonce's slowed down sexy remix of crazy in love that was what oh. they used in the trailer that was good but it's also got sia sinatra danny elfman the weekend etc okay uh, probably because it was the first film and not everyone had realized how much they were all obviously going to suck ass yet yeah so they got the bigger names i mean things could have been so different ben if only they'd taken my casting suggestion of azalea banks and jake Busey. you know that's uh. Film. It could have been the erotic masterpiece it was supposed to be. Absolutely know? right. Well, I wanted to get, I wanted to see Chet Hanks in the lead role. So um, who playing opposite who? Chet Hanks playing opposite uh, Megan Trainer. Because um, <laughs> I think that this would have been the perfect opportunity for her to sort of mm. do. To, she could have done this song. Yep. Made it more of a doo-wop sort of a love me like in the world. Yeah. And then she could have been the lead actress. With and Chet dropping with Chet some, Hanks. Uh, Paul McCoy style yeah, raps exactly, in the background. Exactly right. So I think that's who I would have liked to have seen because I think one thing that I've learned from Jaden Smith is that um, you know, you gotta nurture those children, you know. <laughs> if you've got a famous actor with a mm. kid, you really gotta push them into the film. So I'm surprised yeah. Tom 
didn't use his connections to get Chet Hanks into this. Yes, he should have followed the example of uh, Gary Busey and yeah. Jake Busey, you know, <laughs> exactly into the right. five star talent that he used today. Exactly, exactly. Well, what's um isn't isn't um <laughs> one of Arnold Schwarzenegger's songs in uh, uh, Sun? Sorry, in um Grown Ups Two. Patty, Patty Schwarzenegger. <laughs> okay, I haven't seen it. I watched something the other day that had um, Clint Eastwood's son in it. And he, okay. was, he was okay. He's very, very handsome, but acting-wise, I was sort of like, meh. Not great. I don't know. I oh, know he was all right. It's just, all right, yeah. he wasn't a sort of, he didn't have that, you know, screen presence yeah. that his dad had. Yeah. Look, dare I say, Tom, um, this song is the only good thing, and good is obviously a relatively term, relative term here, that this is the only good thing to come out of the whole Fifty Shades universe. Yeah. This I've, song. It's, like I said, this soundtrack. Yeah, the soundtrack, yeah. exactly. I mean, assuming there is a, a Fifty Shades universe. Is there a Fifty Shades universe? <laughs> well, there's three I, fucking movies. I guess there is. Yeah. Um, but if there is a Fifty Shades universe, <laughs> then it's less one-dimensional than just drawing a single straight line, I dare say, Tom. <laughs> mm. What's in the universe? Yeah, Sex- well... Dungeon and a hardware store? Does she work at a hard... I can't even fucking remember. <laughs> no, like you say, it's two-dimensional. Uh, it's a line between two points. The point being, one, a book, and two, a giant bank account. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> they travel the long way line. Absolutely. Look, <laughs> I, I thought the lyrics to this song were, Love Me Like a Dude, the first time I heard it. It does sound a bit like Love she's saying Love Me Like that. a Dude, yeah. which... Um, I was wrong, but I don't think it makes the song less powerful <laughs> if that was the actual lyric. Makes so. as much sense as the other one. Yeah, so. yeah, definitely. So, look, this is Ellie's um, biggest hit in Australia. Um, yeah. No doubt helped by the amount of fucking morons that watched the film off the back of reading the book. Um, <laughs> but as you mentioned, she had a few other hits. Did you mention, was it Burn and On My Mind? Uh, I'm not sure whether you mentioned those ones, but there uh, were some other songs that were top tens, ones, top yeah. tens uh, in Australia. Those Lights two. was her American. Oh, okay, yeah. That was her US hit, but she also had a UK thing. I think she's more of a UK phenomenon, but she was definitely around there before yeah. the year. But yeah, yeah, so she had a couple of other top ten hits in Australia, those ones I mentioned, Burn and On My Mind. They're sort of like a bit of Rihanna light, electro pop yeah. action. Like I said, uh, they're, more dance, they're more dance clubby. Yeah, that Absolutely. Lights isn't terrible either. That's um, just, yeah. yeah, look, I'd probably double back for eggs in the supermarket if those came on, I guess. I've so. got to admit, I don't hate this. No. Like you say, no, it's, like, it's, fine. It's, it's, better, it's better than that movie deserves. You know, it really is. It's Absolutely. A, yeah. What they it, should it's have... Kind of, it kind of sounds like a Dawson, a good Dawson's Creek song, like a good teenagers falling oh, in love song. This, you know? this could have been on an episode of Dawson's Creek. Or like the like OC time. or something. Yeah, like imagine. That, yeah. I can imagine Joey Potter rowing across the, yeah. the, the, the creek to see like Dawson. High-end American TV yeah. pop. I think um, what you may recall, Tom, that um, Roxette, Swedish duo Roxette, we've talked about this before. They recorded the song um, uh, "Almost Unreal" for the for the Bette Midler vehicle or Hocus Pocus. I think that's come up uh, once or twice every yeah. episode since so, we started this, um, which is kind of weird. And it ended up in the Super Mario Brothers uh, soundtrack, even though um, so when they sing Hocus Pocus in the chorus, it makes no fucking sense. Well, but what they've done is there they've written they've written a, a song mm-hmm. for a film Hocus Pocus, and yep. then I think someone said that's a great song. That's not a very good film. Let's save that song for for a great film, being the Super Mario Brothers film, and you know, obviously sure. it went into that fantastic film that we know and love today. I don't know so, why they don't just do what they did in the eighties and just use it in both films. Yeah, well, that's because you, then true. you just get double the fucking exposure. Because that's know? what I think what should have happened here. Someone should have listened to this and went, "This song's way too good for Fifty Shades yeah. of Grey. Let's hold it back and use it oh. for, um, you know, if, if there's Fast and the Furious you know, Seven. You know what my favorite example. thing about Quentin Tarantino is 
is that he thinks along these same lines because he came up yeah. through the nerd thing, through the Kevin Smith, you know, talking shit about the, the pre-podcast podcast era. Yep. And he did that in fucking um, Inglorious Bastards. Okay. That amazing Bowie song oh, yep. that plays um, when, the, when they finally... Uh, you know, she's putting on her makeup and stuff, getting yeah. ready for the Nazis to arrive yes. at the cinema, and they've committed themselves to we're both probably going to die Boring now, is, but we yeah. have to go through this thing together. And it plays that amazing Bowie song that says, Putting out fires with gasoline. So that what, song yeah. was written for a film called um, Sleepwalkers. Oh. Which is about which is a kind of B grade Stephen King movie Sweet. about um hang on, was it Sleepwalkers? Fuck, now that's going to... It's about cat people. It's got Natasha Kinski in it. Hang on. <laughs> okay. What's it called? So, and what, what era is that from... What, what era is that? Was the song that's written That's the in 80s. Time? So the song was written it's, in the 80s. Yeah, it's Cat People. That was from yeah. 1982, and he wrote it specifically that film. It cat says about how your eyes are green, because she's got, like, green cat eyes and stuff. Yeah. So he's written a song about cat people, and Quentin Tarantino, who's seen every film in the world, has just gone, that song is way too good to just get lost back in 1982 as a movie song for this Thing. So, he so dug got, it out. I'm taking it. I'm using it in my World War II revisionist action movie, Fantastic. despite the fact that it has nothing to do it, and it fits perfectly in the right. film. But so yeah. He, so that's it. He's just made a little note in the back of his head. He said, yeah, "That's a great this song." This is too. This is wasted in this dumbass. And film. look, let's yeah. hope that there's some Hollywood directors out there today that watch. That go out. They watch Fifty Shades of Grey. They see Love Me Like You Do, and they just make a little note in the back of the head and say, "This song deserves <laughs> a lot better than this dog shit film." Mm. And, uh, you know, we'll see it in some, maybe Top Gun 3 or something, Tom, <laughs> sure. coming so, up soon. I was confusing cat people with sleepwalkers because they're both 80s films <coughs> about people that turn into cats uh, and yep. kill people. Good, that's good. That's Yeah, I mean, it's it's a genre of its own. Cat there, People's Tom. got Natasha Kinski in it, which is a plus, but Sleepwalkers does feature incest, so it depends oh, what you're yeah. into more there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Anyway, uh, what have we got? Um, so Speaking look, of incest. Ellie... <laughs> Ellie, um, she hasn't just lent her recording talents to Fifty Shades of Grey, sure. though, Tom. She's also had a song featured on the critically acclaimed <laughs> Teen Wolf television series. Sure. Um, have you seen that? Is that the one with Colin Farrell? Or is there another... Because there, there was a modern Teen Wolf remake. Was there? And then... Did they do a TV show as well? Did yeah, they? this is from the TV show. Oh, okay. I don't think I've seen the remake. Um, what's the better film in hindsight, Tom? Teen Wolf <laughs> or Teen Wolf 2? I've only seen Teen Wolf 1, but okay. I've heard that the remake with Colin Farrell is actually quite good. And is it? Colin Farrell plays a very good sleazy... Van- he plays the sleazy next-door neighbour... So he's not guy. the teen wolf. No, no. He doesn't become the, a wolf. He's the, the guy, the handsome next door neighbour guy who's the the wolf, yep. I guess. But I yeah, think, I yeah. like the original teen wolf. Yeah, it's definitely. Great. If you're, so you're playing basketball, Tom. You're out there with your mates playing basketball in a high school basketball <laughs> fixture. I've done it again. In the opposition. Yeah. And then you're playing that game. And then you look over and one of the guys that you're playing against, the point guard, he's just morphed into a werewolf. What, uh, yep. Do you just do you keep playing? Do you sort of just go? <laughs> Wait a minute here. This is what's going on. Well, I'd probably leave the court and just be like, I don't think this seems safe anymore. I'm not really sure it. whether I... you're sort of like playing against you know a dude that's a werewolf now. I don't know. My '80s brain is not working. I was confusing Teen Wolf with Fright Night. Sorry, oh, okay. Fright Night remake has 
Colin Farrell in it. Fucking hell. Yeah, I don't know whether they've. Re- I don't. I don't know whether Teen Wolf um, no. has been remade. Time. But it, well, it has. It's been made into a, a TV, TV show. series. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Teen Wolf, as you say, posits a world not just where a high schooler can turn into a werewolf. Yeah. Not just a world where becoming a wolf man makes you really good at basketball for mm-hmm. reasons not explained, but it also posits a world where uh, other human beings are aware that there's a werewolf just running around and they're just fairly cool with that. They're totally they're like, fine with it, yeah. Well, look, there's no rules that say that a werewolf can't play basketball. Well, exactly. So that's why, <laughs> I mean, in Teen Wolf 2, when it's it's into a boxing ring scenario. Oh, they um, switch it to boxing. Yeah, there's no, no Michael J. Fox in that one. Um, who's, so, the, who's the teenage wolf then? Um, the teenage wolf is um, played by... Um, who's... The guy from um, Arrested Development. Oh, um, Bateman. Yeah, Jason Bateman. Jason Bateman. So yeah. Jason Bateman, and in that one, when J- Jason Bateman's in the ring and he turns into wolf, no one even bats a fucking <laughs> eyelid. They're just like, well, they don't in the well, basketball well, thing yeah. either. It's just, but I, sh- I assume they've either seen the first team or film, <laughs> um, or it's the same high school because they're just like, going, oh, yeah, he's a wolf now. Let's see what's going it's the on with this. Universe, so it, all, it gets to the point, I think, where they're surprised when someone doesn't turn into a wolf. They're just like, why the fuck isn't the quarterback in this football game a werewolf? What's well, going you on? See, this is what we had instead of uh, Twilight and Fifty Shades of Grey. We had uh, teenagers turning into werewolves. Exactly, exactly. Now, um, the lyrics to this song. I assume they're very good for a start. <laughs> sure. Do they sort of try and borrow from some of the, the book's sort of themes? Does it sort of um, tackle that? Sort of. Yep. Uh, less obviously, unfortunately, or ah. it could have been more interesting. Uh, fading in, fading out, on the edge of a paradise, every inch of your skin is a holy grail I've got to find. Um just probably look at it, I would have thought. <laughs> yes. Only you can set my heart on fire, on fire, yeah. Great. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't hate this uh, one-time return trip to 1980s-style, movie-inspired, ridiculously over-the-top, irony-free love ballads yep. where the universe will implode if I'm prevented from fondling a dude's balls in a parked uh, car. Yeah, exactly you know? right. I'd certainly rather listen to this album than watch the film, which is a compliment I only pay to the highest-quality soundtrack such as Encino Man or Tales from the Crypt, <laughs> Cold exactly. and Demon Knight, starring <laughs> Dr. Billy Zane. For real, though, can't you imagine this one being underneath like a Swayze dance floor climax or like yeah. footage of Paulie Shaw making out with the guy who played Samwise Gamgee? You know? Yeah, yeah. Abs- Some real high-end I think so. Shit. Ellie Goulding, she deserved better, I think, but... <laughs> Yeah. That being said, um, she does have 30 million monthly listeners yeah. on Spotify. Well, she's so, obviously got a big UK following yeah. and some other hits I to should, fall yeah. back on. And so, this yeah. song probably put her in, maybe those people that are unaware of her work, yeah. you know, put her into a bit of a sort of Yeah, I'm glad it wasn't a case of a struggling artist who got a break and then it turned out to be one song in a shit The film. death of her, yeah, yeah, exactly right. So, um, And this will cost you... Uh, $18.50 on Discog, which is about what we expect these days, (laughs) except for Omi, which is three bucks because it sucks. Sure. Um, Anything else for this one? No, let's move on to something with a bit more quality. Great. Up next for two weeks, uh, Lunch Money Lewis with Bills. Wow. Now, this sucks straight (laughs) off the bat. I'm going to say this is fucking terrible. Now, remember when Destiny's Child had a song called Bills, Bills, Bills? I sure do. Released like 
15 years before this and it was fucking really good and it had those sort of like the, the drum programming had some like weird timing in it it was like a bit off kilter mm-hmm. and it was about telephone bill payment audio yeah. bill like fuck it was such a fucking banger um, that was about a thousand times better than this bullshit it and this sure is basically was. just this, like the same sort of like I got bills and I gotta yeah, pay the bills but it's that. minus the sort of feminist bent of that yeah exactly 15 yeah. years ago yeah look uh, lunch money one word Lewis yep. born Gamal Kosh Lewis yeah. got his start hanging around recording studios because his dad and uncle were both in inner circle fuck yeah writers of the worst <laughs> song of the 90s sweat bracket girl I'm gonna rape you thoroughly end bracket uh, some say you can't blame the child for the sins of their fathers but I need to see more fucking evidence in this case I'd say. Is yeah. this song less gross than Inner Circle? Oh, yes, but yeah. so is the average urethral cystoscopy video, which also has a better soundtrack, you yeah. know, if you leave the, the volume turned up. <laughs> Look, Look uh, yeah. by comparison, I describe this as harmlessly catchy. Yeah. Lewis can't really sing, and this isn't even really rap. No. Then again, he's really more of a songwriter-ish than a rapper and has contributed to songs for Jesse J and Nicki Minaj, although not that many other people, frankly, no. over his 20-year career. Look, um, uh, this, this is borderline novelty song for me, Tom. It's pretty fucking close, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. So, And look, I assume it appeals to 16-year-old girls who get their first Vodafone bill and it's $400 because they went over their data limits streaming this fucking song on repeat <laughs> on a tram and then like... Ah, yes, that, that Bill song speaks to me because I've got bills I've got to pay, you know. I can't imagine a 52-year-old father of six who has to start driving an Uber after finishing up at the Amazon distribution warehouse because two of his daughters require braces. You know, I can't imagine sort of him really up on the Lunch Money Lewis going, I can identify with this. So no. in terms of the bills that Lunch Money Lewis is referring to, I think it's children's bills that it's sort of like, mm. I don't know, no one, else, no one over the age of 16 is listening to this, yeah. surely. It's also slightly weird because... Because Americans, particularly <laughs> the sort of rappers, commonly refer to money as bills. Yeah. So, like, you know, it's... Yeah. I'm confused. <laughs> it's just... It's not super confusing. I just mean it's... It could go either way. Yeah. It's, it's weirdly one thing and the absence of the thing at the same time. It's yeah. kind of strange. <laughs> oh, exactly. As you said, Tom, like, Lunch Money Lewis, it's not his real name. It's, uh... Dinner money. <laughs> <laughs> but no. he, look, as you said, he's written for all those people. But look, you you found a few couple of people he's written for. He's written for Jesse J, Juicy J, Becky G, R City, R Kelly. A lot of fucking initials in there. R Kelly, probably the last one he wants to forget about. Pitbull, Jason Derulo as well mm. on his song Swallow, which is another blowjob anthem if you can believe it. Um, this time, Nicki Minaj features on that one as you yeah. mentioned before. So. Sounds like I think doing something on a Nicki Minaj song was how he got started but it's, it is worth noticing that most of those things were collaborations it's not like he was writing all of those songs for people I think a lot of them were like collaborations and stuff like yeah. that but yeah but look, I think this might be one of those cases where it's a singer-songwriter who normally does their own thing but they come up with something that's so catchy that they sort of think hey maybe I could do I this I can and, get in on it you know, yeah exactly yeah. and then they get one thing and then nothing else pans out yeah. so they go back to writing but yeah oh look I think the fact that he's dad did write the lyrics girl I'm gonna make you sweat sweat till you can't sweat no more and if you cry out I'm gonna push it push it some more mm. uh, it's not surprising that he you know lunch money co-authored a Jason Derulo blowjob anthem yeah the, reason, so. the surprising so, thing is that Robin Thicke hasn't covered that the, the, look the apple doesn't fall far from the tree Tom <laughs> is what I'm saying so yeah <laughs> look I could be wrong you've got the figures but I think this yep. might be our first number one artist 
who's never released any physical media himself. He's got one album, Bills, from 2015, which had this and another single. And then he got so bored in quarantine that he released another album, Songs in the Key of Quarantine, in 2020. But neither of them was released in a physical form, as far as I could actually tell, nor were the singles. Okay. And yeah, and, and and as I said, all of his other stuff's collaboration. So yeah, look, probably to me the most interesting thing about Lunch Money is that he sleeps standing up, as depicted <laughs> in the music video, which is a grimy slice of life featuring a lot of eight mile social realism, like you know slapstick comedy, dog poo, and hot chicks' asses. Yeah. Uh, it was directed by Emil Nava, who you might recognise from his work on Sing with Ed Sheeran and Pharrell Williams last year, or Say It by Booty Love. Great. You know, yeah, yeah. I think those are his two main hits. <laughs> Absolutely. So, what's yeah. he doing these days? Yeah, what is he doing these days? Oh, look, um, I think he, he drops the odd single, as you said, Tom, don't mm-hmm. really trouble the charts, but he's uh, doing some co-writing, some collabs. Uh, he actually co-wrote the Nicki Minaj track, <laughs> Super Freaky Girl, mm, uh, which sure. samples uh, Super Freak. I don't think that's ever been done before, no, to the not, best of my recollection. No, not doing Anaconda. Uh, yeah. Um, and that went to number one in 2022. So we will have to talk about that at some stage in the future. Uh, but yeah, Lunch Money is still producing the hits mm. to some degree by sampling Super Freak God. and then getting Nicki Minaj to, to rap on it, I guess. God Jeez. almighty, this yeah. kind of lazy, nepotistic shit makes me jealous, Ben. Why can't my dad have written a rape anthem in 1994 that I could just live off the oh, rest of no, my life? No, absolutely. Look, uh, Lewis discussed the song's conception. Ricky Reed played the beat and that just started the idea. I sang, I got bills and he just popped up off his chair. It was like a chain reaction. A fairly, mm. fairly short <laughs> chain reaction with two, two things in two it. Things are, yeah. uh, Ricky doesn't really get excited about much. I don't either because we write so much, so it's hard to gauge, but there was a good feeling. We were writing about things people can relate to, which is fun. It's all truthful. Yeah. Now, do you find this truthful, Ben? I mean, I certainly do got bills. Yeah. It's something that has happened to me as opposed to falling in love at the club or yeah. rocking the house or driving a gold-plated Lamborghini to the beach with Derulo to meet Pitbull's helicopter and fly to Prostitute Island. Yes. None of those true. things I've ever done no. despite the level of, you know, time, the number of times I've watched them happen. But, yeah. Uh, li- I mean, lyrically, you know, your mama got bills, your daddy got bills, your sister got bills, your auntie got bills, I got bills, your uncle got bills, everybody got bills, everybody got bills... Yeah, look... I mean, say what you like, but he's not wrong, Ben. He's not wrong, unless you're living (laughs) off-grid, and then you might not have any bills, Mm. but then you also don't have any electricity or or a phone or anything. I mean, some people might say that, you know, short of the Great Depression, he's never been more accurate, really. Yeah. But don't stress, because right now, eight white dudes in America have more money than half the Earth's population, which makes them really easy to locate, you know. So they've got bills. Yeah, think positive. And if you're struggling, probably reach out to those eight guys, I reckon. You know, they'd probably help you out. Oh, no doubt. I think that's that's what I've learned. If you uh, do have some problems paying your bills... Just send Elon a tweet. It'll mm. drop you some money. Yeah. Generally speaking, go. the more money people have, the more likely they are more to give it away. Yeah, yeah exactly, that's how exactly. it works. So, uh, so yeah. who's next? Um, just oh, quick, you want to check on one lunch mil, money? One million <laughs> listeners. Um, I imagine this song has made some sort of shitty fucking, you know, worst of the 90s. Or oh, well, that's prob- that'd be counting all the other shit he was, you know... 
listed. Yeah. Oh, but then he wouldn't be listed. And this, and you can that get you can get the CD for two dollars seventeen. So if there Spotify, you go. when it's counting these follows, yep, it's does, monthly unique listeners. Monthly unique listeners. Does that include songs that you wrote? No, it doesn't. Oh, I believe okay. it's just so performance. that's just for that. Just one, for performing. Right. So yeah, right. it's ended up on something. And this would cost you two dollars <laughs> fifteen. So there you go. Ah, it's okay. the fucking. It's cheap as shit because that's what it should be. So there you go. Okay. Um, all right. Up next is uh, I think is this just for one week? Sixth of April. Uh, yeah. Major Laser and DJ Snake featuring Mo Mo. It's either Mo or M zero. Yeah, I honestly Mo. don't know. It's a M and then an O with a with a line through it because yes. she's from Denmark. So yeah. Anyway, Major Laser, DJ Snake, Mo, Mo, <laughs> Lean On I'm is this one. Mo. Is this Look, one? Uh, Major Laser is an American electronic dance music DJ trio. Trio made up of producer Diplo and DJs Walshy Fire and Ape Drums. Cool. Uh, it originates from Kingston, Jamaica, and was founded in 2008 by Diplo and Switch, with Switch leaving after three years in 2011. He was then replaced by both Jillionaire and Walshy Fire. Jillionaire. And then Jillionaire was replaced by Ape Drums, which is starting to sound like that Monty Python sketch where Toad the Wet Sprocket got their name from. <laughs> Have you heard that one? <laughs> it's a good sketch if you haven't heard it. <laughs> It's off one of their records. It's just some guy with a monotonous voice reading out the music press of bands getting together and breaking apart and their names get stupider and stupider and it gets to Toad the Wet Sprocket, which is... Uh, yeah. Okay, but yeah, um, look. Uh, so yeah, DJ Snake. Um, oh, look, DJ Snake is one of the, the sickest DJ names around. It's pretty great, that isn't it? Saying, I, I mean, so. I think Major Laser's a pretty good name too. Oh, absolutely. But I yeah, think, DJ Snake, I mean, that's quality. I think that's, I mean, whenever I, it, it doesn't happen that often, but occasionally it will. You'll, um, you'll have a look in the liner notes of an album or something and you'll see that one of the guitarists is calling himself Snake. It doesn't matter how many times I read it, so that's fucking so sick. I think it's as good as it gets, so definitely. If you're yeah. calling yourself, what's your name? Snake. It's like, it's fucking I mean, gnarly. So, in yeah. terms of reptile-based DJ names, it's definitely better than DJ Komodo Dragon. Oh, or, absolutely. Know, DJ um, yeah. Giant Cricket that only grows on Lord Howe Island. Sure, that's that exactly, exactly. Way too hard to say. It is too hard. So look, DJ Snake, um, Major Laser, all over this. DJ Snake's um, other classic is... Uh, <laughs> Turned out for what? Yes. With Little John. Yeah, yes. Now, that's, I, that's fucking, that's another banger. So DJ Snake, is. He's, he's got two big hits. Uh, he's probably yeah. got others in his catalogue, but straight off the off the bat, there's two big ones. So. Yeah, look, uh, DJ Snake, as you say, was a man who saw the future of music. And that future was two words, Ben, dub and step. Fuck, yes. In 2013, he produced Turn Down for What, as you said. In 2014, he toured with Skrillex. And here he is jumping aboard the major laser hydro-powered spaceship and steering it straight into the dubstep wormhole. Uh, this song is still on the event horizon, I would oh, say. Yeah. The, the production reminds me a lot of some of the Sia and Derulo stuff that we covered in the last few years. Yep. But Major Laser certainly learned a lesson from DJ Snake and got more and more dubstepy as their next, you know, songs went on. What did you think? Did, did the art of seduction ever experiment with dubstep, a.k.a. as my friend Ben Reason once described it, the sound of Optimus Prime taking a shit? <laughs> yeah, look... I've I've never no certainly haven't experimented with um 
either producing or listening to, to dubstep. So I uh, can't say I know a great deal about it, but um, look, it's it, it's good to know that the kids are experimenting with um, I think, new forms of electronic music. That's I think for sure. maybe in 10 or 20 years, the kids who were listening to dubstep when they were teenagers are going to have a sort of nostalgic view of it the same way we feel about Eurodance yeah, these absolutely. days, in that it was just way too much fun but also kind of a bit silly <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's not serious like say you know yeah yeah here's johnny or something like that but yeah mm. um look what i will say is diplo from major laser wins the bullshit quote of the year award on this one so <laughs> sure. um and that's only and look to diplo's defense it's, high bar. it's only because there's no um black eyed p songs this year or they have been for a while fucking fortunately because <laughs> usually it's will i am coming out and saying some <laughs> yes. total horse shit sure. about some fucking garbage but not this year so diplo um he told the time that uh he initially sent the song to both rihanna and Nicki Minaj's camp as a slower reggae track. Ah, okay. So he sent the song to those guys as a reggae track. The rejection, he said, was a blessing in disguise. Mo sounds better than anybody was going to sound on this record. All we wanted to do was make the record that feels like a classic, even though they're feeling progressive and strange to a normal ear. Now, uh, he went on to say, I think what made Lean On special was that it was raw, uncut, and it just took patience to get the sound right. But the first idea never changed. Mm. Now, <laughs> Diplo, the original idea was a slow reggae track. <laughs> and nobody, and I mean nobody, wanted fucking anything to do with it. So then you change it into this by speeding it up, not making it a reggae track. The first <laughs> idea, this sound, this song is nothing like the first idea. You got major, you got Snake, DJ Snake involved, you got Mo on it. You've got all those guys involved. You've made it into this sort of dancing type thing. So straight off the bat, the first idea never changed. You're full of shit. And second of all, Mo sounds better than anyone was going to sound on that record. Why in the living shit did you send it to Rihanna and Nicki Minaj in the first place? It's yes, like, this true. Mo chick, she's going to be the very best of this, but I better see what Rihanna has to say just in case. Yeah. So Diplo, you're full of shit. Fuck off. You might also ask, if you spent a year on it and the first idea never changed, then what the fuck were you doing for a year exactly oh everyone let's do this reggae thing no no one wants to do it yeah I've got to admit uh, speaking of Major Lazer I've got to admit that I like I'd heard of Major Lazer we used to listen to them back you know like you know earlier than this even because they were sort of a clubbing kind of a thing yep uh and I've got to admit that I thought Walshy Fire was actually just a guy called Major Laser, possibly armed forces personnel. And yeah. I had no idea that Diplo or Ape Drums or Jillionaire were involved. <laughs> yeah. uh, Walshy certainly seems to be the mascot for the group, yeah. frequently appearing as a cartoon character version of himself in the videos, including in an animated TV show named after the band. Really? Have you seen it? It's, I haven't, no. It's actually pretty rad. I'm not sure if I'd actually call it good per se, <laughs> but it's probably my favourite short-form animated <coughs> TV series based on the anthropomorphised mascot of an EDM trio who lives in a neon sci-fi future Ibiza with a schoolgirl yeah. and fights primarily dub-based 
dubstep-based crime starring J.K. Simmons and Andy Samberg. Oh, J.K. Simmons one. on that, is he? Yeah, no, oh, it's, cool. it's, it's okay. You can watch them all on YouTube. They're only like 10-minute long episodes. Yeah. And I recommend having a look, especially if you thought the main problem with Captain Planet was the lack of dank buds and bass yeah, drops. definitely. <laughs> Those two things. So what I'm taking away from that, Tom, is you're effectively saying that Major Laser is MC Scat Cat and the Stray Mob. <laughs> is that what's going on? They're just an animated group. I'm saying they're more like a sort of... Uh, Heavily stoned gorillas, okay, which is pretty heavily stoned given that gorillas are already working with Sean Ryder. On. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. By comparison to that, this video is pretty light, pretty tame. The song, uh, their song Titans, has a much better one, and plenty of their other videos are fucking bonkers as well. Yeah, this is sort of a lot of animated typography and questionable Swedish Bollywood dancing. <laughs> this, yeah, Although it's a lot, lot less boring than some of the shit this year. I mean, it's way more interesting to watch than fucking Rihanna, Paul McCartney and Kanye West standing around in their jeans, you know? Yeah. I think this is another one where um, maybe uh, Diplo or one of the other major lasers, um, I think, just went to India for a holiday or something and was like, oh, I like, you know, I just got a bit of a feel for it, so I wanted to incorporate that into a music video. Yeah. Well, what was interesting about major laser was that they were sort of trippy and inventive and a sort of weirdly effective mishmash of European EDM, hip-hop, bass-heavy, reggae house, and sort of hippie-ish, world-travelery Jamaican musical styles that I'm too white to know about in detail. Plus, he's got a cyber arm that shoots lasers. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, but, but I mean, that's what this sort of video gets. It's got that kind of, we just got back from... Guam, you know, yep. on holidays and, you know. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So there's three, There's so there's the three guys in Major Laser at this point in time. Guam, it's okay. I'm thinking of Guam. What's, the, what's on the coast of India? Um, Sri Lanka. Yeah, the holiday place where all the hippies go. It starts with G, it's got four letters. Fuck it, I can't, my brain's not working tonight. <laughs> it's where all the Israelis go on holiday. It's their Thailand. It's, yeah, it's not Guam. Anyway, but it's right. Yeah, no, that's what the video looks like. It's sort of hippie stoner thing, you know. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you made it now, you'd probably get in trouble for a bit of cultural appropriation, but at the time... Oh, it's, it's, it's okay. It's fine. No, it's fine. Um, it's just a bit tacky. So there's a, th- there's a couple of dudes from Major Laser at the time, and then DJ Snake pops into the studio... So this isn't a case of uh, too many DJs spoil the broth, Tom. This is no. a, this is a this is a case <laughs> of um, many hands make light work, I believe, Tom, uh, because sure. it sounds like Major Laser by themselves they're doing pretty good. You get DJ Snake oh, yeah. in the mix, you get Mo into the mix, and then boom, you get this hit. So it's yeah. okay. Um, Diplo first met Mo, Tom, in Amsterdam. Of course he did. When the uh, the Danish singer rented out an Airbnb in order to meet him. Now, I tried to drill down on the details of this. Um, I didn't really know, like, d- does Diplo run a... Is, is he, like, he has an Airbnb in... And is this what he does? So he's, he's in Major Laser, mm-hmm. but that's sort of like a part-time thing. He also has a few Airbnbs in Amsterdam and rents them out. Sure. Mo got onto this and went, oh, he, I want to meet that Diplo guy. Mm. Oh, well, he, he has a few Amsterdam Airbnbs. So sure. rent one of his Airbnbs and then you drop in and then, you know, when you get to Amsterdam, you go around to the place and you got to get the keys off Diplo. So, you know, he's like, oh, I've got the keys for you. And then you get to meet him and Mo's like, I'm a singer as well. And she sings a few stuff. And then, like, I don't know, like the whole sort of her first meeting him through an Airbnb in Amsterdam, I don't really know. 
I, I want to know more about that story. So <laughs> it does seem a bit weird, yeah. seeing as that neither of them are from Amsterdam and uh, exactly. Major Laser are not you're located in there. So yeah. no idea, but that's where they met. You apparently. know what they do have in Amsterdam, no Ben. What's that? Lots of drugs. They, they do absolutely. <laughs> and lots of drugs is really, uh, I think, what appears in Wikipedia when you type in Major Laser. Yeah. <laughs> Top line. Lots of drugs. Lots so maybe of... that's it. But yeah. Anyway. Uh, as a teenager, Mo became interested in punk music. Um, Andy fascist movement she listened to Black Flag Nirvana The Smashing Pumpkins Yeah Yeah Yeahs Sonic Youth saying that she looked up to Kim Gordon as a big hero and role model did the punk vibe come through on this? Well I'd say it came through as much if not more than the supposed punk vibe on Happy by (laughs) Pharrell Exactly that was punk and heavy metal I believe (laughs) in those two (laughs) Yeah it's about as punk as the guy from wall street but yeah, yeah definitely but when i listen to this i could i you know if you listen carefully i could hear uh henry Rollins. i could hear uh billy corgan i could hear those the inner vocals she was like yeah Aah. yeah she's not just no. your standard kind of bland edm vocal person like you know neon what's her face from last week where they just hire someone who can just do the lyrics she does she is bringing something to it like, like in the video too her dancing is like it or not it's a big chunk of the video it's not like yeah and she's not in this band either no, so she's this not. Is, that's her she's bringing something to the party which is so kind of cool I, I don't know whether mo is, is collaborated with kim gordon the yeah 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 smashing pumpkins nirvana black flag not sure whether she's done any collabs with those guys, but um, look, it's good to know that um, she's got some influences yeah. that, that aren't just general sure. garbage. So, good stuff. Um, Spotify announced in November 2015 that this had overtaken Ed Sheeran's Thinking Out Loud, Tom, yeah. to become the most streamed song of all time with 500 million players worldwide at that time. Yeah. So, end of 2015, this was the most streamed song. Well, it deserves credit for knocking Ed Sheeran off the top of the Absolutely. Obviously, now that's been overtaken by an array of songs, but at the time, yeah. I think I'd heard this, but, like, I didn't realise it was that big. I don't like this as much of a lot of their sort of weirder, dancier stuff, but you can't argue with the results. This sold 13.1 million downloads and was, as you say, for a time, the biggest song on YouTube and on Spotify. There you go. Which is not bad for four people you probably haven't heard of, plus Diplo. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Indeed, indeed. (laughs) Um, Lyrics, any highlights? Lyrics are credited to Junior Blender, DJ Snake, Mo and Diplo. Uh, Like a lot of dance music, this is really a vehicle to get to the repeating chorus, which is blow a kiss, fire a gun, we need someone to lean on. Yep. Uh, according to Mo, there were more words in the original along those lines until DJ Snake sped the song up, so they had to like crush the lyrics down. Good on him. Uh, the message is that we all need love, even if you're a killer, Rastafarian, cyborg, superhero, pothead from the future. Uh, sometimes you just have to read between the lines. You do, I absolutely. Yeah. What I like about DJ Snake is he probably like, Fucking hell, these lyrics are woeful. I'm going to speed the song up, and that way they can only fit two-thirds of them in. We'll have to cut some. Yeah. Fucking yeah. credit with it. I love this guy more and more. Um, yeah, totally. Now, I mean, what makes Major Laser fun is their fucking energy. Oh, of course, And if yeah. you... The slower something is, the less energy it has often. So no no one's listening fucking... to Major Laser for some sort of deep lyric no, inside. No, exactly. You, they you want to save that for Taylor Swift, obviously. They're high as fuck, and they want to dance. Yeah, exactly so, yeah. right, exactly. Um, so, DJ Snake, he has... Tw- 
27 and a half million Fucking monthly hell. listeners. So I wonder how much of that is turned down for podcasts. Oh, I, I listen to that every <laughs> day. Be 10 so million, I, I reckon. <laughs> I listen to that five, ten times today. So, yeah. Um, Major Laser, 19 million. So, yep. there you go. Uh, and Mo, she's got 6 million. Yeah, so I think she's got a big European following, like a bunch of people who recur yep. this, like Tovalo, and um, there's another one coming up that we talk about later. Who's yeah. So it's not Major Laser, DJ Snake, and Mo. It's not quite Kanye, Rihanna, <laughs> and Paul McCartney, but you know it's getting up there, so that's pretty good. Yeah, and it's now, a better song. It's a way more interesting song. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, interestingly though, Tom, um, if you jump on Discogs. This thing's going to cost you um, $47. <laughs> Fuck. That's the cheapest one I wow. can find, $47. That, that's a CD single? That's a CD it? single, yeah, yeah, absolutely right. Um, there is a dude on... on <laughs> yeah, I don't know whether this is extremely optimistic or what, but he's trying to sell one for 100 euros, so, um, which is $155. So good luck with that. Um, Wesley Snipes once said, Ben... Some motherfucker is always, always trying, trying to ice skate people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Look, uh, all right. What do we got next then? Oh, well, Tom, up next is... Um, for 13th of April? Yeah, for six weeks, I believe. Is that correct? Yep. Uh, Wiz Khalifa featuring Charlie Puth. See you again, Tom. Mm. Now, is there a song <laughs> in the history of recorded music more emotional than this tribute to Fallen Fast and the Furious star... Paul Walker. Well, look, we know you love a piss weak piano ballad. Oh, ben. don't I? Uh, let me ask you this: Could one be improved by a bunch of shithouse auto-tuned raps about a movie star who was not very good at acting, spent a decade encouraging young men to drive dangerously fast, then died by smashing his own car into a lamppost doing double the speed limit down a suburban street, yep. and was romantically involved with two different 16-year-old girls when he was in his 30s? I think is, so. Is that a plus or minus to your interest level on a piano ballad, would you say? Uh, makes it more interesting. Yeah, definitely. I'd um, say so much like Daryl Summers wearing a pair of arseless seal skin chaps, yeah. it's more interesting but less ethically sustainable. I, think. Oh, I completely agree, Tom. I can, but yeah, look, it, it does make it the the song. It does make the song more interesting, but it makes the surrounding circumstances of the yeah. song more interesting. For so sure, context goes a yeah. long way. Now, yeah. the message of this song, um, it's it's a rather emotional message. As I said, it's a mm. rather emotional song. Is that Paul, as you said, Tom Paul Walker um, tragically passed away in a car accident. He's dead, mm-hmm. um, and he may have been taken from us, you know, from from the earth too soon, yep. from us too soon. But we will, and and all of us, if mm-hmm. you believe in love enough, mm-hmm. and you believe in life enough, and if you have <laughs> enough faith, Tom, the message of this song is that we all will get to see Paul Walker again. On the 5th of April 2015 when Furious 7 hits the screens. <laughs> yes. That's the message of this mm. song. So just if you believe enough, <laughs> you'll be able to see him at the cinema because yeah. he, he'd film most of that film um, when he died. So they're still going to release that stuff. Yeah. They had to have a body double, I think, in a, in a, like like Brendan, Brand, Brandon, uh, Brandon Lee and the Crow. Yeah. Yeah. So well, I think they got Paul Walker's brother to do the body doubles. Oh, okay. And some uh, other bullshit. Jesus, anyway. That's grim. Yeah. Um, yeah. This song, as you say, it was commissioned. It's the only acting credit. <laughs> you, <laughs> your brother's dead. You're in. Great. Oh, my God. And he showed up for it. Yep. Fucking hell. Yes, this song was commissioned for the film Furious 7, as you say. I think that's the one where they get shrunk down and have to drive up 
the president's colon to perform emergency prostate surgery as while far as I'm aware. Vin Diesel shoots cancer cells with a rocket launcher? Yeah, and then they get caught in the small intestine and it's like, mm. ah, how are we going to get out of this one? Yeah, they're going to use the parachutes and stuff. Either way, the film clearly needed what Mariah Carey would call a thugged-out ballad, yeah, which is uh, what we've got here. This, yeah, I mean, yes... Uh, this probably classifies as a thugged out ballad, I guess. <laughs> well, as you say, it really is kind of a love song to a dead guy. It is, With yep. some suspiciously not very good raps in it. Yeah, look, I think if they were to remake Ghost, you could probably use this in that as well. <laughs> oh so I wouldn't be it surprised. It fucking would be. If you yeah. made, it would be, wouldn't it? If they yeah. did Ghost now, it'd be fucking hip-hop, wouldn't it? Absolutely. Now, look, Tom, I don't claim to know Paul Walker personally. I don't claim mm. to know that much about him, but I can imagine that he went out the way he wanted to, crashing into a pole at 150 kilometres an hour. Mm. Or maybe mm. not. Maybe he was nothing... <clears throat> sorry, Tom. Maybe nothing like the character he played, as you said, for over a decade in several films, with a penchant for speeding cars. You know, we don't know. Maybe, <clears throat> just maybe in real life, he was more like his character in the Freddie Prince Jr. vehicle, She's All That. <laughs> maybe he was more like that in real life. Maybe his ideal way to go out was picking the rankest chick at school and daring his friend to finger blast her at prom and then when she took off her glasses and brushed her hair and turned out to actually be hot as fuck, he had a heart attack and died. Mm. Maybe that's the way he wanted to go out. But I guess we'll never know. Um, if I wanted to go out, you know, crashing into a wall at 150Ks or having a heart attack because he wanted to bang a hot 16-year-old girl, we will never, ever know. Mm. But Tom, based on your research... Probably the latter. Yeah. I think. So yes. Might be that. Well, it wasn't just high school age girls hoping to get a taste of last taste of Paul Walker that <laughs> bought the song, because "See You Again" became both Khalifa's and Puth's biggest single to date. Oh yeah. It spent twelve non-consecutive weeks atop the Billboard Hot 100, tying Eminem's "Lose Yourself" for the second longest-running rap number one single in the country, behind Little Nas X "Old Town Road." Mm. Uh, does this prove that if you want to make it to the top of hip hop, you need to get a white person involved? Oh. I mean, I know you're often complaining about the lack of white representation in hip hop. I, I so, am very know. much complaining about that, but. Um, let me think about this. Is Pitbull a rapper? Does he count? You get Pitbull it's in. It's a question that none of his songs have successfully managed to answer. So. Yeah, I don't know. You don't. I don't think you always. You don't always need a white guy in there. I mean, look, Flo Rida teams up often with with some other people. Mm. Oh, but he gets Kesha in, doesn't he, from time to time? Well, this song so maybe you're right. Doesn't really feature white people musically, but it is a love song about a white guy. So, it is, yeah. Know. Um, do we know much about was was Wiz was he friends with uh Paul? You know, do we know how these people got roped in to sort of? I've got no idea. I'm afraid. To yeah, say. I sh- maybe they were, maybe they were just fans of his work. I mean, who isn't really? Who isn't a fan of? <laughs> The Fast and the Furious, um, whatever film they're Americans up to now. Americans so. and the Chinese market, by extension, seem to absolutely fucking love these oh, films. They they seem, to me, they seem only slightly less stupid than the Transformers movies, which is fucking saying something, but hey. Yeah, look, um, power to fucking um, Vin Diesel, though, because <laughs> I think he gets like $20 million for each of these. So yeah. he shows up, crashes a few cars, says stuff like, I live my life. A quarter mile at a time. Mm. And then he just, you know, fucks off home for two years. That's right. 20 million checks in the mail. 
comes back two years later and does another one and that's I think that's all he does these that's days right. he doesn't have to make any other films I don't so. even think he spends time in makeup and wardrobe he just shows up wearing a white tank top and a pair of tracky dacks and they put him in a car I think he does I think he just wears his act, just his street <laughs> clothes and he's good to go now um, look interestingly though Paul Walker's daughter sued Porsche and they oh, wow. settled out of court, which seems wild when you think about it. You know, I'll never really understand the American court system. I'm mm. sort of like thinking, if you're driving a car at 150 k's an hour in a 70 zone and you crash into a pole and die, I assume that's probably your fault and yeah. may not have anything to do with the person that constructed the vehicle. <laughs> but Porsche decided to settle out of court, so look, there you go, all good. Moving on, though. Wiz Khalifa is Wiz Khalifa. It's not his real name, Tom. It's uh, Cameron Thomas. It's, okay. That's his actual real name. <laughs> sure. There's no jokes there. Um, is Wiz a reference to the Michael Jackson as the Scarecrow film, The Wiz, do you think? Oh, I hope so. Um, is it wizards in general? Uh, or is it the fact that he's like a Wiz kid? <laughs> or him? Take, he loves to just take Wizzes all over the place? <laughs> That's strange, isn't it? And yep. I mean, the Khalifa, is that a reference to the Burj Khalifa? Yeah. Is he saying that he's pissed off the world's tallest skyscraper? I don't know. Uh, I'm not really sure. Look, uh, Khalifa, the Arab, uh, it's an Arabic word meaning successor um, and wisdom. And apparently <laughs> his name uh, was, so wisdom was shortened to Wiz okay. and then Khalifa. So basically what happened was um, he was called Young Wiz because, quote, I was good at everything I did. <laughs> so they just called him Wiz and his granddad called him Khalifa, so that's where the name stuck. He was so committed to that stage name, Tom, of Wiz Khalifa, mm-hmm. uh, that he got a tattoo on his 17th birthday. Wiz Khalifa tat, so he was committed to that. Um, he was committed to the name, which I do like. Do you think Lenny Kravitz has a Romeo Blue tattoo somewhere on his body? <laughs> And when people ask him what he's like, it's what the, what it's all about. He's like, ah, oh, Shakespeare, still <laughs> like Shakespeare. Because uh, I don't know, you know, that first stage name, some people it's going to come back to bite them. Was that it? Lenny Kravitz' first stage name? It fucking it was. Yeah, he performed under the name Romeo Blue for several years and people went, that's fucking woeful. Why don't you just use your actual name? So he did that. Um, but Wiz Khalifa is running with that. So that answers the question that I posed. So um, I'm 100% down with the Wiz because his first single um, Say Yeah I don't know if you know that one Tom I don't um, but it samples a seminal Dutch Euro dance group Alice DJ single Better Off Alone oh okay um, which is <laughs> one of the fucking best songs of its era so <laughs> he's, he's out of the gate Wiz with mm. a with a with a, it's, ba- it's just a Euro dance track it's just a 90s Euro dance track with him rapping over the top of it so that's where he starts and then a year or so after that he follows it up with the track Black and Yellow you know how it is when I do it up. Everything I do, I do it big, black and yellow. Do you know that one? It's <laughs> no, another sorry. fucking banger. So it's an ode to the band yeah. Striper. Uh, only reached well, no, the he's yellow from, and black. He's from Pittsburgh, I oh, believe, and okay. I think Pittsburgh loves a bit of yellow and black. You might have um, liked Striper. Then. Only reached the top thirty in Australia, but I was living in, in Europe at the time. The black and yellow <laughs> dropped, um, and it was fucking all over the place. So I was like, yeah, that's great. So um, everything I do, I do it big, Tom, and. Um, I'm going to bring this guy up for the second time of the podcast. I remember reading that Chet Hanks did a cover of that song um, for like his high school or something and changed black and yellow to whatever the fucking name of his high school was, So, which is fantastic. So 
That's all I know about the Wiz. Where he got his name from. Mm. He had a couple of songs. What about you, Tom? Any any Wiz? No, no. What what's the person? I mean, I've heard of Wiz Khalifa. The person I haven't heard of is Charlie Puth or Puff Puth. I'm guessing it's Puth. Yeah. What's the Charlie Puth story? Well, the thing is, I don't really know that much about the Charlie Puth. Um, look. It's, it's hard to really say um, anything about him rather than just, well, uh, what happened was... Um, oh, Charlie Puth is white. There's your call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> just yeah. double-checking. I thought that was him in the video, but I wasn't quite sure because it's mostly clips from Furious 7. as you Oh, the video clip is mostly clips from Furious 7. You're absolutely right. Did you like the video? Did you think there were enough shots of Paul Walker giving Vin Diesel fuck-me eyes? Oh, yeah. I think it, it could have used weird. another 17 or 18 slow shots of that. I could have, yeah. Look, in front no, of a sunset. Like, it was good because what what it what it said was, I don't actually have to see um, the Fast and the Furious <laughs> film now because I think everything I need to know is contained within sort of that. So, mm. not sure they're about, about family. I'm not quite sure how that works. It's all about the family. Yeah, absolutely right. So, um, yeah. So, I don't know about... Do you know anything about Seth? About Puth? Yeah, about Puth, sorry. I don't, know. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't bother looking into that guy either. So. <laughs> nah, he's nah. the least interesting part of this. <laughs> no, look... Not um, the fucking movie. Uh, so, look, yeah, what I can say is that um, it, this is pretty boring, his part, like, sort sure. of, so... I mean, as you said, it is a piano ballad, um, so, yeah, Wiz does the pretty tepid raps, let's face it, but then um, yeah. Charlie Puth, he shits all over it with his sort of falsetto annoying... I don't know when I see you yeah. again. So I personally would have preferred, um, I think, if they'd just let Wiz rap the whole way yeah, through. Exactly. Don't even Wiz could have even just said that I don't know when I see you again. It would have been yeah. fine. Um, and maybe probably sampled like as we learned with Wiz's first song, he sampled obviously. Yeah. Um, Alice DJ probably should have just sampled more of that for this song. Yeah. Like replaced replaced Seth's shitty sorry Charlie's shitty piano with um, Alice DJ or maybe Alex Party something mm. like that just had Wiz doing the never see you again part yeah. and it would have been a way 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 better song well so. I mean Eminem is one of the most highly acclaimed rappers in human history and even he struggles repeatedly to mash rapping with ballads together like they don't I mean he's had chart success doing that but musically speaking it's still a t- bit touch and go whether it actually works or not yeah. So, you know, this like this sort of piss weak piano ballad with weird raps crowbarred into it about a guy who's not in it. I mean, it's just odd. Yeah, look, I don't know. <laughs> just I, weird. I didn't bother doing any more research to find it's out. It's not whether... offensively bad, it's just really yeah, doesn't, pretty shit. Yeah, yeah it's just kind of yeah, awkward. The crowbarring in of the chorus is no good, but yeah, I think you're and right. Kitschy. People, it's kind of yeah, kitschy too. People heard the Eminem and Rihanna thing and just went, we can do that again, but let's get Charlie Puth in. <laughs> no, he's no fucking Rihanna, I'll tell you that. Um, but yeah, look, I don't, I don't know whether this dude had any more hits. This is all I could find about this guy. I didn't really do a lot of research because no. I was just super bored with this song, but for me, it is two strikes for me Tom for <laughs> Seth uh, sorry for Charlie Booth so don't worry, I keep going him Seth um, for Charlie and, and the reason is that it's two like obviously we've got this song he shits up this song it would be a lot better without him as I said um, on his debut single uh, as a solo artist Tom he teams up with fucking Megan Trainer on a song called Marvin Gaye. Mm. Now have you heard this song? Do you know no, of this song? No I haven't. It's, it's fucking garbage <laughs> 
Um, for a start, it sounds like it came out in 1955, mm. which is, you know, um, sort of, I guess, basically, for Megan Trainor, that's just, you know, yeah. par for the course, that's really. That's exactly style. what she does. That's a degree song. That sounds like it came out 60 years ago. And the chorus in the song is uh, basically Charlie Puth just going, let's Marvin Gaye and get it on. In his mm. wacky falsetto songs. Let's Marvin Gaye and get it on. And then... Megan Trainor does the same. <laughs> now, Marvin Gaye is not and never will be a verb Tom. No. So it's the fact not. that he's tried to somehow turn Marvin Gaye into a verb, mm. not down with it, Seth, so Charlie. That's also, <laughs> as we've discussed many, many times before, it's always a risky move name dropping a song in your song which is a thousand times better than oh, the song exactly. because really it just serves to remind people they could be watching a better yeah. thing in yeah. the same way that movie writers will try and lampshade the fact that they've ripped off the plot of an earlier better film by going hey this is like that film you know when really you just think mm, I could be watching Tremors instead of this Tremors knockoff <laughs> I could be watching Tremors Paul Walker from the Fast oh, and the Furious he, movie I'm, Paul Walker's probably been in the Tremors knockoff I mean, if, we, if we look at <laughs> he it he probably closely. would have been so he might have now. been in Tremors 4 or something like that I'm not quite <laughs> sure, sure. Um, but look Puth described this song as quite soulful pop with a little bit of hip hop undertone um <laughs> That's what he. That's how he described the Marvin Gaye song. Oh, so okay. Without you hearing it, you probably can't comment. But let's just say <laughs> I assume he's never heard hip hop based on mm, that comment. So. Well, he certainly never heard of thugged out ballads. Oh, that's he, for sure. he certainly hasn't exactly. Now, um, the lyrics. I don't. I don't want to. Are you going to be okay to talk about this, Tom? I don't want to strike a nerve because I know it is very emotional. The lyrics are emotional. You're mm. a big Paul Walker fan, so mm. if it's too too hard to talk about. <laughs> Don't feel like you have to, sure. but Tom, if you if you could please put those emotions aside to let me know about the lyrical content of this number. Well, look, I just want to say, you know, I just want to apologise to any of our listeners who are Fast and the Furious fans. You know, I like plenty of daggy films as well. I like plenty of dodgy stuff. Uh, I just think the love for Paul Walker is probably isolated to the Fast and the Furious community yeah. and the 16-year-old girl community and less to the outside movie-going public. But, yeah... Look, lyrics-wise, um, as we've discussed with Taylor Swift, sometimes a lyricist can write a song that's both specific and yet universal. Yeah. And that's what I like about the lyrics that Wiz has come up with here. For instance, these lyrics can apply equally to the specific instance, for instance, honouring the memory of a wealthy deceased pedophile who starred in a series of movies <laughs> written by six-year-olds going broom-broom with matchbox cars, and yet be multicultural, indeed, you know, sort of international in its appeal. Yep. For instance, it could equally be sung by, I don't know, say, one of the 9-11 hijackers for his fallen comrades, you know. <laughs> Dang, who knew? All the planes we flew, good things we've been through, that I'll be standing right here talking to you about another path. Something told me that it wouldn't last. Had to switch it up. Look at things different. See the bigger picture. Those were the days. Hard work forever pays. Now I see you in a better place. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Surrounded by virgins, obviously. You know, see what I mean? It's got crossover appeal. It does have crossover appeal. Um, do we know, are there any links between Wiz Khalifa and Al-Qaeda? Do we know? 
Well, we all know. I will say is that Fast and the Furious movies and 9-11 featured a lot of explosions. They certainly did. And, and vehicles entering buildings at unusual angles. <laughs> yeah. And look, I don't want to draw attention to his name, but it is Wiz Khalifa. So, mm. I don't know, draw your own conclusion mm. from that. Jet but... fuel can't melt steel beams, Ben. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Ask Wiz about it on his website. Absolutely. I certainly All right. will. We've just spent about 45 minutes talking about that one um, fucking song, so let's move on. Yeah, so Charlie Puth is got 42 million monthly listeners on, on Spotify so I don't fucking know what's going on with that but um, he's, he's got way more clearly got a non-Australian way, audience yeah he must be doing some horse shit somewhere because if it's anything hell. like this it's fucking terrible Wiz Khalifa 26.7 mil good on Wiz yeah. um, just want to point this out Tom he has a, a Halloween pumpkin tattooed on his cheek <laughs> So let's hope this hip hop thing works mm. out because um, if it doesn't work <laughs> out, he, he might struggle to get gainful employment yeah. in the outside world. But no, look, he's, he's probably Halloween made enough money off this, so that's okay. Um, unfortunately, there's no copies for this for sale on Discogs at the moment. Ah, so if you want a copy, you're out of luck. The last copy sold in 2020 for $12.50. Or you could just buy the Furious 7 soundtrack. Buy the Furious 7 soundtrack. And this will be included as well as <laughs> some other sort of um, tracks on there. So half-assed raps. Yeah, yeah, I assume so. I don't really know. Um, yeah, I haven't looked up the Furious Seven soundtrack, Tom. But um, yeah, I don't know. Furious Seven, a mo- uh, original motion picture score. If you buy the score, you're gonna get. <laughs> if you buy the score, I, I don't know oh, whether you you're gonna get. If you, didn't. you might not get this Wiz Khalifa song on there, so don't worry, I won't bother. Is that Hans Zimmer? Do you yeah, <laughs> I assume it is. <laughs> okay. okay, so up next, 25th of May. Uh, 25th of May for is this just for one week too? It sure uh, is. This is Grace featuring G Easy. Uh, you don't own me. Tom. Looks like you got your wish, Ben. Here are some sick white wraps at the top of the chart. Absolutely right. <laughs> G-Eazy is the new snow. I'm calling it now, which <laughs> sure is good. Is. Now, Tom, uh, here's a question for you. Mm. Does this fit into your quote, we need a new Amy Winehouse category? Well, it could do. Almost. I mean, they've been trying to do that with a young, you know, soul-ish sounding ingenue since then. Uh, yep. We have one every couple of years. Yeah, I mean, this is more uh, blue-eyed soul. Is that, is that yeah, what you'd say? I'd fit into that category, yeah. kind of. Um, but unlike Charlie Puth, this does have a hip-hop element, namely G-Eazy, whoever the fuck that is, doing a rap part. Um, <laughs> I mean G-Eazy's contribution um, and the contemporary choppy production. Yeah. It sort of chops a bit like... Sort of uh, makes this different to the original. Um and as we know, the cover is always better than the original, so I guess I have to give GZ credit for that, as he's the one that's taken the original and he's pushed it in an exciting new direction by yeah. chopping up the production, adding a rap in there. So, Well, actually, I would give the credit... Well, yes. Yeah. I mean, Australian singer Grace Sewell teamed up with legendary producer Quincy Jones. Yeah. Uh, she's only 18, yep. and Quincy Jones is God knows how old, uh, to remake Leslie Gore's... 1963 single You Don't Own Me as her first single uh, with the help of rapper G-Eazy and rap producer Parker Eagley yep uh, Quincy Jones recorded the original the oh. 1963 original so, and, and, he's, and he's popped back up to do this uh, yes um Grace released You Don't Own Me in March 2015 as a tribute to the original singer Leslie Gore who had recently died at the time 
Quincy Jones returned to co-produce the track, so saying he teamed up with a 17-year-old from Brisbane is a nice way of saying that Quincy Jones, who recorded the original 52 years earlier, Mm. wanted to re-record the track in honour of the singer's passing and asked the teenager if she'd be up for it after he met her at a charity dinner and told her about the song, which she hadn't heard at that point. Ah. Which is fair enough, she's fucking 17. Yeah. So, yeah... Um, Yeah, Grace has only had one full album to date, but she is still putting out music. Uh, In 29, she started calling herself Say Grace One Word and put out an EP named The Defining Moments of Say Grace, Colden, Girlhood, Fuckboys and Situationships, which is the kind of thing that happens when you let 21-year-olds come up with album titles, Ben. (laughs) Absolutely right. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah, look, did you have anything to say about uh, Grace or Say Grace? Oh, so much, Tom, so much. Look, um, yeah, look, she's done sweet fuck all since this, I guess, have you said, you know, apart from the name change, um, as, as you said, she's gone the rebrand, a Mastin Beta style rebrand. Sure. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, Say Grace is fucking worse than Grace. Yeah, Do you it think? is. It's, it's it, way worse. It's slightly more memorable, but it's still dumb as fuck yeah. I mean it doesn't even have there's no Christian component to her music no it's, it's pushing it at the say best grace terrible yep great no um, I'd, I would have changed it to grease or uh, greased up something like that so sure. that's more memorable what's your name greased up fuck okay I remember that mm. say grace I've forgotten it already Tom so look um, can't really tell you a fucking thing about g Easy either um, I don't really know uh, on September 13 2021 he was arrested and charged with assault in New York City. It was reported that he assaulted two men at the Boom Boom Room, Tom. Wow. Now, that raises one question for me. Is the Boom Boom Room named in honour of Paul Carcass or the Venga Boys? <laughs> Do we know which room? So, geez, he's assaulted someone. Mm. He's probably, you know, he's gone to the Boom Boom Room. Uh, Paula Carcass is playing in there boom 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 let's go back to my room he's got a bit excited <laughs> and he's gone outside and he's punched someone in the face so we've all gotten that excited yeah. listening to the Carcass sound but absolutely yeah. look he's released 73 singles wow um, that's a lot so he's nothing if not prolific I don't know if he's teamed up with Flow Rider though which is why I don't know much about him if sure. he'd done a duo with Flow Rider I'd be all over the g Easy. but yeah so uh, him and Grace teamed up on this. As you said, you know, that sort of um, song is... What did you say? Fifty Was it 55 years after the original? Uh, 52. 52, so yeah. yeah. So, Quincy Jones has had an amazing career. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, G-Eazy, one other thing I found out about him is he had a problem with his ex-girlfriend, Halsey. Oh, dating, dating the old Halsey. Yeah, she was another white... Yep. Now, he's a Golden State Warrior fan, Tom, in, mm-hmm. in the NBA. And she's a Cleveland Cavs fan. So they support different teams when they were dating. Yeah. So, and they, these two teams came up against each other um, in the NBA finals a couple of years ago. And she tweeted this. If the Cavs win, g Easy breaking up so he doesn't have to hear me run my mouth. And if the Warriors win, I'm breaking up with him so I don't have to listen, see his smug face. Fuck you. So... <laughs> Nice. I like that. I like these sort of, you know, it just shows that these people, they're just like you and me, Tom. 
Geezy and Halsey, they're just like they're they're mm. together. They support different sporting teams, and if one of their teams beats the other one, they're going to break up and go their separate ways. You know, a bit of Twitter heat, fuck off, etc. Yeah. So that's, I like that's that nice. day she needed to share that with yep. the entire um, world as well. That's great. And Tom, interestingly. <laughs> They broke up, ultimately, so that's good to know. <laughs> Happy big, ending to that story. Sure. So, yeah. yeah, oh, and if you're wondering why he's called G-Easy, it's because his real name is Gerald Earl Gillum. Ah, mm. that makes sense. Which I think was the original name of that little pasty white guy from The Lord of the Rings before he <sighs> fell down a mineshaft and uh, turned into a monster. Um, look, the original song by Leslie Gore, um, You Don't Own Me, yeah. was... Considered a second wave feminist anthem, being one of the first major pop songs to assert female independence and denounce male possessiveness, which is a big deal in 1963. Yeah. Gore was also 17 at the time. Ah. Like, um, like Grace. Grace. And her version was a far bigger hit, getting to number two in America for three weeks and was only kept off the top spot by I Wanna Hold Your Hand by the Beatles. Oh, so, fucking, yeah. That fucking Paul McCartney. <laughs> but guy. I mean, that's if, if you're just under the Beatles, that's pretty good. Her yeah. other big hit was It's My Party. Oh. And I'll cry if I want to, etc. That's, that's another big hit. There, Grace man. said, uh, when I heard it for the first time, I thought... It had an important humanist quality. As I got older, feminism became more a part of my life and more a part of our whole awareness, and I could see why people would use it as a feminist anthem. It's difficult to be a woman in this industry. I'm around men all day, but I know who I am and what I want to do, and this song speaks to that. Mm. It's so important to go after what you want to be strong. Leslie's generation paved the way, so I felt like this was a way to say thank you and to keep that momentum going. Um... I'm guessing she won't be covering Leslie Gore's next single, That's The Way Boys Are, which was about how if your emotionally stunted partner gives you a black eye, you should forgive and forget because, you know, boys will be boys. But it was 1964. What are you going to do? Yeah, that's very... That's true. Anyway. (laughs) Look, um, what I know is that, as you mentioned, you know, she's sort of... She's had this big hit, Grace, Mm -hmm. when she's 17. She's had the name change to Say Grace. Um, I haven't heard a lot from her as say grace yep. or even much more from her as grace but um i think she should be proud of this song because as you said sort of you know it had a really really uh, i think good message and she's able to take that original and sort of probably yep. put it back in the spotlight a lot of people may have missed it the first time around it is a very good song i think so she's done that and um, oh it's a great song yeah absolutely really so she's brought that back into sort of you know the public eye which is fantastic and um, it featured also what, what she should also be very very proud of is that it featured in a uh, 2017 Toyota Corolla commercial, um, a bit with her vocals removed. So she so not be, leaving a lot of her contribution. Well, you? none of her contribution. But I think she should be proud that she can she can watch that Toyota Corolla ad. She's sitting at home. She's watching TV with her family. The Toyota Corolla ad comes on. The song's playing. She can say to her family, "This is this is me." Mm. Well, not technically. It's not because I didn't write the song or produce it, but I'm singing on this. Although they've taken my vocals off because yeah. they, they weren't suitable. And I think that's that, that's a moment to be proud of. I think, Tom. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Look, Ben. I assumed uh, prior to doing this uh, list that. Much like our most of our audience, you know this song better from featuring in the much-loved first Suicide Squad film soundtrack oh, yeah. uh, as Harley Quinn's theme song and also in the trailer. Uh, that's still better than being Jared Leto's Joker theme song, uh, <laughs> I've Become So Numb by Linkin Park. <laughs> Just kidding, that would be far too subtle a music cue for Zack Snyder to put into a film. 
That said, Ben, this is our third music song of the year. Wow. You know, we haven't seen this much Aria movie action since Brian Adams was steaming up the charts yeah, with absolutely. his panty-dropping cinematic sex jams like Run To You, Summer of Sanchez, and Everything I Do, I Do It On Your Coffee Table. You know, those were the days. And we really haven't been back to that era since, you know, the mid-90s. We haven't, no. Three no. movie hits per, you know, in a year, like specifically written for films. It's pretty cool. Absolutely, yeah. Look, credit... Credit to the artist. I mean, this wasn't this specifically back. written for films, but you know what I'm talking. I, about. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, look, let's let's jump into these sure, lyrics. Sure. Yeah. Look, are written by David White and John Madara. Between them, responsible for such edgy up to the minute hits as G Wiz, At the Hop, and Sadie Brackett, The Cleaning Lady. End bracket. Wow. Mm, remember, this is 1963. We're talking about. Uh, so, what does G Easy bring to the party? And he'll cry if he wants to. Uh, the sick feminist raps the original was sadly lacking, such oh, as good. I get bored of basic bitches, she's the baddest, straight up vicious, texting her and asking her if she's alone and if she'd send some pictures. She said no, well goddamn, she said come over and see it for yourself. Uh-huh. I like that Gerald's idea of a feminist is a chick who won't SMS you vag pics, but does insist that you take the bus all over the way over the house to look at it in person. Absolutely. You know, she's putting her foot down there, she's drawing a line and saying, you know... And that's why Kesha couldn't do this no, song because you'd no. do the rap and then it just... <laughs> She'd and, be straight out to the public toilet. Well, yeah. When she yeah. says no, you go, well, I don't believe that. You know, Kesha's <laughs> got a fucking massive file on a computer that's just public toilet snapshots. But there mm. you go. Um, yeah, anything else to say about no, this one? No, no. So this will cost you uh, $9 to buy. There's only one for sale that I okay. can find. Um, so there you go from Grace. Um, Grace herself, I couldn't find her on the Spotify, probably due to the name change. Well, she doesn't have much, as stated. She's only got two EPs and one actual album. But say, say Grace, after the name change, uh, she's got uh, 2.5 mil on the Spotify. she's still working. She must have something going on. And she's only like fucking what? If she was 17 back then, she's like 24 now or something like that. So she's got years ahead of her. So definitely... Uh, Gz has fourteen point six mil what listeners the on Spotify, so oh, but he, he has must be all doing, those singles. Yeah, he's got, he's got seventy three singles, so he's a quantity over quality man, Tom, <laughs> and that's what I like about Spotify. It, sure it doesn't reward quality; it just rewards the fact that you've got nine thousand songs on there, and hopefully <laughs> someone will listen to enough of them that you get that many listeners. So good stuff. <laughs> sure. um, next one. Ah, uh, yes. Cool. Okay, this is one, two, three weeks. Three I think, weeks. This yeah. next one, Tom. Taylor Swift is back. Mm. So the Swifties who are, I know listen to this podcast, they'll be happy. This one's featuring Kendrick Lamar, and this is Bad Blood. Mm. This is when Kendrick Lamar was just lighting the fuse on the rocket ship as well. He's about to fucking blow well, up. Absolutely. Well, absolutely. Well, she prob- he probably already has in hip-hop terms, but like he's about to hit the mainstream crazy time. Co- correct, Tom. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, another number one from Taylor. She was on fire in this period, oh, as we know. Just every song wrong. she released went yep. straight to number one. I hadn't heard this since 2015, I don't think. It's been a while since I've heard this one. I remember the chorus, very, very catchy chorus. So I'd sort of forgotten Kendrick was even on this yeah, song. Yeah, me too. I couldn't I, remember it. I then I watched the video clip and went, oh, he is on there. Although he's only on the remix, which is the the, the single version, which is yep. in the video clip. Um, the album version is just Taylor. So oh, look, okay. she's fe- featured on this one. So uh, there we go. Um, look, as you said, I think Kendrick at this stage, well known in hip hop circles. I think, uh, don't know what era mm. this is. Good Kid, Mad City. 
uh, maybe around that time. Um, to pimp a butterfly, can't I can't remember. Oh, I can't. But anyway, remember. anyway, Sorry. anyway. But uh, <laughs> the point is that I, he hadn't had his his breakthrough pop no, hits yet. So no. quite, I think, yeah, still well known in hip hop circles. Um, but yeah, so I think yeah, when he released Humble, whenever that came out, like a couple of years ago, I think that's when it, I think that was in the pop charts, and then became a bit more of a sort of sure. well known name. But um, he's not afraid of collaborating. With all the top hip hop hip-hop artists, Tom, though, that's the thing with, with uh, Kendrick. He's always collaborating. All the finest hip-hop artists that you can think of. Um, Taylor on this track. <laughs> Imagine Dragons he's teamed up with. Mm. U2. Maroon 5. All the big hip-hop names, Tom. All the big hip-hop <laughs> names he teams up with all of them. So uh, he's got 30... I'm going to spoil this for you, though. He's got 37 million Spotify listeners. So mm-hmm. he's not quite in the Eminem territory, but he's not that far behind. No, no. So I think certainly um, not for someone who has legit hip hop credibility, and he's not sort of a flash in the pan. Absolutely. Maybe. So he's certainly um, one of the biggest names in hip hop these days, uh, and he has beef with Drake, which uh, makes me respect him more because <laughs> Drake's pretty garbage. To yeah, he's fucking dog right. shit. Every song of his I've heard is terrible. As you said, this is actually a remix. Technically, uh, her original song "Bad Blood." is widely recognised as a public note about her falling out with Katy Perry. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, in that context, Kendrick's verses could be seen as a take on his thoughts concerning his own de-haters. Oh, yeah. Uh, and a, a popular Kendrick fan theory concerns his alleged beef with Drake that you mentioned, for instance. And Drake seems like an absolute douchebag, so who could blame him? As you say, I, I couldn't agree more. Oh, he just sucks seems shit. like a massive cocknob. Yep. He's also got a suspicious interest in young girls, but, you know, who <laughs> certainly knows? does. Nothing's been... Proven, and all so. of his songs are terrible, so <laughs> that's another thing. He does feature in a lot of dank memes, though, Ben. Oh, so, he you does, know. definitely. Uh, look, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, in grand urban tailor mode, uh, the Joseph Calm video for this is very expensive looking, tries way too hard, and was weirdly dated even in 2015. It looks exactly like one of those millennium era rap videos where every person alive wanted to do a five minute Matrix fan fiction <laughs> starring true. them in a vinyl trench case, stroke coat doing shithouse kung fu. It also features Lena Dunham smoking a cigar for no obvious reason. <laughs> yes. like some of these Rihanna, Gaga, Taylor videos are like those international Coke or McDonald's campaigns yeah. where the inescapable first thought is you had unlimited funds and creative talent access and this cringe inducing bullshit is the best you ended up with but obviously the problem is a combination of too many corporate cooks and too much seasoning of the brand the brand in this case is a nominal human being called taylor swift yeah like for instance you could make this video twice as good on the same budget simply by pulling the camera back and letting the rad sets and stunts and effects that they could afford do the work yeah except the label would never let you because we need at least 50 percent of the video to be mid to close shots on taylor's face preferably front on just in case the 12 year olds make up the bulk of the audience glance down at their phones forget who they're watching and click next on youtube music <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, what do you think? I much prefer Taylor when she embraces her sort of amdram dorkiness, yeah. like in blank space, as opposed to when she tries to sound cool. 
You know, I mean, you can't do a fucking diss track if the worst thing you're going to say is we got problems and yeah. then refuse to say who the song's about. Yeah, you know, exactly. that's, that's not a diss track's asshole, Ben. I want to hear, hear Axl Rose with a shopping list of grievances going yeah. down every person who's pissed him off that week and talking about how he's going to physically assault them the next time they see each other, you know? Yeah, like um, Biggie doing a who shot you <laughs> like two weeks That's after right. fucking, you know. <laughs> Legitimate threats of violence that name people specifically. Yeah, exactly right. So, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a sort of diss track, isn't it, where you sort of like um, someone's got shot, Tupac, and then you're writing a song about mm. who shot you, <laughs> you know, because you're a dickhead or Did something. Did he really do that? I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. There's there's well, yeah, two, so Tupac got shot. In a recording I studio outside the recording. This is not when he died, though. No. This is before that. And then I think, like, um, Biggie released a song, like, real <laughs> soon after called Who Shot You. Wow. Um, and then didn't say who it was about, but it's implied. So there you go. Um, <laughs> so like that's Chicago you know, right now. Actually. Yeah, exactly. So I do I do like that sort of diss track where it's like a direct sort of thing. But um, yeah, this is this as a diss track, this is weak as fuck. So. Yeah. Or is, is Taylor playing it safe because she knows that Katy Perry is friends with Snoop and Snoop <laughs> has been charged with uh, murder before. Mm, he didn't, he true. was, he, you know, he was not convicted, but maybe... You know, Ooh. she's like, if I diss Katie... She's still got those gang-banging trophies up on the wall. You know, yeah. yeah, you know, Katie, she is a, quote, California girl, as we know, <laughs> so she's in tight with all those hip-hoppers. The West remember Side. She, yeah, yeah, remember she Googled hip-hop and uh, West Side, mm. you know, West Coast hip-hop? She Googled that and found out about <laughs> Snoop Dogg, so she's friends with all those guys, so sure. yeah, she might be might be a bit afraid. But yeah, look, anyway, as you said, Tom, this breaks with the tradition of Taylor's songs being about betrayal from a love interest, which mm. is what all of her other songs are Pretty much all of them, yeah. This, this song's about betrayal from a fellow entertainer. So <laughs> she's expanded her subject matter from one topic into, well, two, be it strongly related topics, mm. but she does have mm. two distinct things she's talking about. Now, as you said, the rumours are Katy Perry, but it's never been confirmed. So mm. I, for one, actually think that it uh, might be Lou Bega. Ooh, uh, yes. I'm throwing that into the I ring. I mean, he's about the same level fame-wise. Exactly. So, so easily could be. They used to be friends, and they had a bit of a falling out. <laughs> so... Um, because uh, when he did that song about I've got a girl in Spain and a girl in what Rome or whatever, mm. he didn't specifically mention like Nashville or something, and Taylor got all pissed uh, about it. Yes. So that's what I saw. But as you said, like the video clip, it it does have that action blockbuster sort of vibe. They yeah. seem to have spent way too much money on it for the oh, poor fuck. result that came out of it. Yeah, um, no some good. of the shit happening in the background behind Taylor's head is really cool. There's yeah. some awesome fucking fighting and stuff. It's um, just... Tom, is this the all females Expendables though? <laughs> Is this how you'd, you'd sort of describe it? It's, it's, amazing. A, it's a veritable who's who. People must have pitched that. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's all female, expendables. <laughs> who are you going to get in there? Well, so there's some models in here that I don't really know. Martha Hunt, Lily Aldridge, uh, Gigi Hadid, I know her. Um, Carly Kloss, um, Cindy Crawford. She pops up in this. Does she? Yeah, she's in this for her. a bit. Yeah. Um, singers, Selena Gomez. Hayley Williams, uh, Ellie Goulding's in this. Oh, okay. Didn't yep. notice who. Um, and Zendaya. Don't know who the fuck Zendaya that is. is um, and then Jessica Alba. She's oh, in this. okay. Yep. Uh, Lena Dunham, as you said. <laughs> uh, Ellen Pompeo and uh, Mariska Hargitay. Namaste. So there you go. <laughs> 
So that's the one funny joke in the. That's the one funny joke in the uh, Mike Myers film, um, The Love Guru. One. He, instead of Namaste, he says Mariska Hagate every time. It's a cheek off like Law and Order or yeah. something. But good that he's hilarious. Got, got one joke in there, uh, which is sure. fantastic. Yeah, no, look, that's all I had to, about to say about this. But um, yeah, it's not. It's not one of my favourites. No, it's it, it's like not I one said, of I prefer me. her in kind of dorky fun mode yep. as opposed to or thinking. She's in Romeo and Juliet mode away. Exactly. Yeah. All right, what do you got for me? Uh, lyrics credited to Kendrick Lamar and the now familiar trio of Taylor, Max Martin, and Heroes in a Half Shield back. Oh, these guys are back fucking oh, every time. Uh, like the rest of the song, the chorus doesn't have the bite to match the bark. Because, baby, now we've got bad blood. You know, it used to be mad love. So take a look what you've done. Like, even if you strip out the white girl rap phrasing, it doesn't just scan the second line needs an extra syllable the third line needs two and none of it has any punch if the worst language you're going to use in the song is the word blood then you want the word blood to hit on the end of the last line yeah you know not get lost in the first one they realize this so they bring it back several times in each chorus except the repetition diminishes the impact yeah. plus it still doesn't scan so they have to add hay after each blood which diminishes it even more and sounds even less threatening if you just yell yeah. hay on top of each thread on top of that, every chorus contains the rhyme. Now we've got problems, yeah. and I don't think we can solve um. As a general rule, if you're trying to evoke cold steel, avoid using tepid, rubbery balls, I would yeah. say. Just, oh. you know, you've got to work harder than that to do a diss track. Oh, definitely. I mean, there's no mention of a claw hammer or some, no. any sort of implement. She's Kendrick's like, a you know. legit hip-hop guy. You'd think he could teach you how to do a diss track. Well, he's from, he's from Compton. I'm sure he, <laughs> he sure he knows how to sort of do a, a proper diss track. And by, but he knows how to do a diss track, but also without getting shocked. He knows, you know, uh, he knows there's a line, yes, I think, because you don't, cross. you don't want you don't want to diss people too hard and end up dead. So Maybe you don't get as just... many you don't get as many hip hop shootings these days. Like Kendrick's, <laughs> no, he, that's true. He's in a good era. That's I think true. back in the day, a lot more people yeah. were getting shot. So maybe he was just intimidated by Taylor's super authentic black Twitter phrasing that she yeah, just no doubt. dropping half the time. Exactly. Sure. Um, so this will cost you twenty bucks. Okay. <laughs> Probably a bit too much to pay for that. Um, that's for that's for the remix version yep. with with Kendrick. I'm not sure there might be another one of just the original one, but um, uh, who who the fuck wants that? Probably no one. Um, Taylor Swift has 58 million listeners per mm, month on Spotify. Wow. We know that she's got an absolute fuck ton. And as I mentioned, Kendrick's got 37 mil. So there yeah, you go. Million. I reckon that's, that's the lot. second highest we've had after fucking Ed Sheeran. Yeah, Ed, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a horrible thought. It is a horrible short thought, but he's got he's got way too many. It's crazy talk. All right, who have we got next? Um, up next is uh, Conrad Sewell with Start Again. Yes. For uh, one week, I think. Now, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> Turns out his sister is Grace from two songs ago. I know. Yes. The weird thing about this, other than people buying lots of copies of it, yeah. as you say, is that Conrad Saul is Grace Saul's brother, making them the very first Australian siblings to hit number one as separate acts. Now, really? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's never happened. I mean, I think there have been... Brothers and sisters in bands before oh, that have had okay. more than one song. But, uh, yeah, and the fact that it happens, like, a few months apart, how weird is that? Yeah. From, from, um, and, like, new artists, too. Like, not yeah. established artists. It's really strange. I know, look, I know you love a piano ballad, Ben. We've established oh. that several times this year alone. 
Uh, this style of thing is what we get instead of power ballads for the last decades. Your passengers, your fun, your fucking Mumfords and Sons. You know, well, this is the low end of the spectrum, but, you know, look, I don't know. The best thing I could say about this for me was that I thought the production was pretty good. They've managed to multi-track background vocals in order to give the chorus a lot of weight mm. and disguise his sort of vocal shortcomings, which without resorting to obvious auto-tune. And then you take that, plus a bit of organ, gives the chorus a sort of choral, gospel-y weight that it doesn't really deserve. But it does make me wonder why they don't do that more often, really, like in, say, that Veronica song from last year that just sounded boring as hell. Oh, Jesus. You know, why don't you just... You're in the studio already, you've got fuck all, why not just say, hey, look, can you punch up the chorus as much as yeah, we can get? absolutely. You know, because I sound like a second-string X Factor finalist, you know, so, yeah. Indeed. Um, yeah, look, in 2004, Tom, uh, Conrad auditioned for, for season two of uh, Australian Idol, but he wasn't... Yeah, he, well, well, I was going to ask you a question, Tom. Um, but he didn't pass the initial audition stage, so he wasn't, wasn't oh. good enough to get past that. So he had to fly to a different state <laughs> because they do the auditions in each state. Mm. So he flew to a different state, tried again... Um, and and he snuck into the top 100, Tom. But that's it. So do you still get an Axel, give me some reggae, if you weren't actually good enough to make it through to the finals? I think you get a, an honorary for spending at least three separate plane fares yep. failing to get into it on two separate occasions, I reckon. Yeah, like that's sort of like a like what you, you show up to your hometown, mm. you do the song, they're like, Nah, mate, that's not good enough. So then you fly to another state and do it again. And they're like, oh, did yeah, he have a like fake mustache? Assume he did. Yeah, <laughs> call himself I don't know Pablo like, Sewell. Didn't haven't we seen you before? It's like, <laughs> yes, I auditioned in a different state, but I was. You guys thought I was dog shit, but I'm back now, and I've practiced, and it's all great. So yeah, excellent stuff. So, um, so that's what happened with him there. Look, so. This hit number one. Sure did. And like his sister, he's done sweet fuck all since. Yeah. Now, he's also fairly young, although I think he's older than her. Yeah. But yeah. So I don't know whether he's... Um, he, to the best of my knowledge, he hasn't had a sea change, like a name change. He's not known as no. like great say Conrad or some <laughs> bullshit like that. He's okay. But um, he has done some good stuff though, Tom. Um, Coca-Cola released a song and video for their new campaign, Taste the Feeling. Oh, which great. Conrad was involved with, <laughs> which is fantastic. So I don't know how one tastes a feeling, but mm. I mean, is it, is ta- you know, taste, that's not a feeling per se, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, features sells vo- his vocals and production from Avicii on that mm. Coca-Cola ad. So it's mm. Avicii, who we had a few weeks ago, RIP, um, plus Conrad doing Taste the Feeling, it's all good. Um <laughs> Taste the feeling in the wrong hands could, you know, say Flow Rider's hands, for example, mm. probably could come across as a bit of a blowjob anthem, Taste the Feeling. Yeah. But Conrad handles this track with poise and respect, and we end up with one of the best tracks written to sell a product that hastens diabetes since Michael Jackson teamed up with Pepsi, I think. So good <laughs> sure. on Conrad for that. Credit where credit's due. It's definitely my favourite use of an Australian pop hit to sell Coca-Cola to people with onset diabetes. Yeah. Uh, since Ben Lee's song, um, We're All In This Together, was used for a Coke ad that featured a whole bunch of people swimming around inside a giant 
amorphous blob of Coca-Cola on a beach. Oh, yeah. Mm, which was just nauseating for about 17 different reasons simultaneously. <laughs> Absolutely. And, yeah. So, look, I don't know what else to say. Like Conrad is still working a little Good. bit. Uh, this year he released a new single called God Save the Queen, which was disappointingly neither a Sex Pistols cover nor a gay club anthem, yeah. but rather the answer to the oft-asked question, what if the Jackson 5 only had one member and he was a failed idol contestant? <laughs> yeah, you know, so absolutely. if you've wandered that, like so many of us have at 3am, unable to return to restful slumber, then you know, get online and figure it out. That's yeah. what I say. Now, Tom, interestingly, the song that he released, God Save the Queen, he released that the day after the Queen died. Mm. Now let's think about that for a second. Scratch his chin thoughtfully. Conrad has a track called God Save the Queen, written and recorded and ready to go. Okay, we know that. He's got that in the bank. Okay, he's ready. The best way to promote that single, I would assume, is if something happens to the Queen. You know, there's lots of news about her death, obviously. It's been, you know, publicised 24 hours a day. Coverage on every channel all over the place. And Conrad, you know... He can say, oh, I'm so sad that the Queen's died. Isn't it really emotional? Look at this new track I've just dropped. So he can sort of talk about the brand new track that he's released and he can get some free publicity for the song off the back of the Queen's (laughs) passing. Seems a bit too much of a coincidence to me. He's released Start Again back in 2015. Since then, he's done Sweet Fuck All. How can he get back into the public eye with a... Very well timed, God Save the Queen. Yeah, so he had it ready to go. Yeah. In so, the chamber, you yeah, might ex- say. Exactly right. Now, has anyone looked into where Conrad was at the time of the Queen's death? <laughs> I'm not saying he killed her, but, you know, he's got the most to gain, I would have thought, from the Queen's death. Mm. Maybe excluding, you know, Prince Charles, who's now the king. But, look, I think <laughs> the Queen dies... He gets all the publicity in the world for free. Maybe he's even asked to perform at the funeral. You know, gets his sort of shit career, the kickstart that it needs. Now, I'm not definitely not saying that he killed the Queen, but he definitely did. So, as far as I'm aware, you know, I don't think... The police have no suspects at this point, Tom. I've been watching the news. It's been on 24 hours a day. They've talked about the Queen's death. No one's in custody. They've got no suspects. They've got no leads on her death. Here's this guy who's released God Save the Queen the day she dies. I think, I don't know, I just think it warrants some (laughs) level of police investigation. At least a cursory glance as to if he was in the UK at the time. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, no, it's only logical to me. So... Look, I'm going to move on from that because I don't want to get any of the royal (laughs) listeners out there upset, start thinking about the Queen's murder again. I don't want anyone to sort of, you know, have a restless night because of that. Exactly. Exactly right. Because that's how things work these days. People come up with crazy (laughs) ideas, and and the next thing you know, someone's driving Mm. to a pizza place in Washington, D.C., looking for the basement. But uh, the lyrics did Conrad write these himself? Uh, written by Conrad and producer Jamie Hartman. Good. Uh, released on iTunes initially. Yeah. Uh, home time, I'm getting ready for a long night. They say you never miss it till it's gone. Well, you're gone and I wish I'd done it better. Mostly I miss having you close to me. The only one who really ever knows me and I'm sorry, I promise I'll do it better. So, you know, straight bat. It's hard to criticise, just a bit sort of dull and mopey. Yep. The whole thing really hangs on the choral swell and that part again, start again rhyme from the chorus. If anyone listening has forgotten this one, it's the one where the chorus goes, there's a hole in the middle of my heart again. 
and is just begging to have the word ass plugged into it if you have the emotional maturity of a grade nine like I do. Yeah. So yeah, that's about the most amusement I could get from this song is walking around the house, making a cup of tea, singing there's a hole in the middle of my ass again. Yeah, absolutely right. Which I is think, undeniably accurate. I think, yeah. every, I think everyone has done that. <laughs> so that's that's what this song will be known for. Sure. Um, 3.7 million listeners on Spotify. What the fuck? That's significantly more than I could have this ever imagined. This was obviously an so. overseas hit yeah because yeah. I mean like that's three million more than someone like the Veronicas for instance yep. who've had a long career and yep. not just you know a pop up um, look he's been able to sell enough records to be able to afford like a tiger print jacket <laughs> I think um, which is his Spotify he's wisely thing, decided to have exactly the same haircut as his sister which is great because yes. they're both a similar age and have the same complexion and face shape so he looks a lot like just his sister's identical twin and you can get this for a dollar fifty six that's mm. the cheapest one we've had so yeah, far yeah that's about what it's worth I'd say absolutely <laughs> indeed uh, anything more to say about Conrad a dollar fifty six in CD form yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. I thought yeah. this might not even be on CD, but yeah. No. Fuck no. All yeah, right. Who's no. next? Um. Up next is Megan Trainer. Uh Four weeks featuring John Legend. Um. Like I'm gonna lose you now. Could have anticipated this would be fucking boring. Before <laughs> You're not a big fan a... of either of these artists. No, they both, they're, they're boring, terrible. <laughs> so, um. Look, Megan and John continuing to mine the past I think quite yeah, heavily they both typically do it in different ways yeah, yeah look I'm not sure what it was with the sort of 2014-15 period we had a bit last year and some this year as well but uh, the you know the Australian public had a massive fucking boner for songs that sound like they were recorded in the 60s even mm. the Madden Brothers from punk band Good Charlotte got in on the act yeah, last week with their yeah. sort of blast from the past action so what did you make right. of this one? Oh look for all the people who heard the Piss Week pop gospel last week uh, from Megan Trainer, and thought this is unfair. Now, how come we can't have some piss week do wop soul instead? Uh, then your ship came in this month. Yeah. Not to be confused with when my ship comes in by Jill Sabuel, which is better than both of these craft cheese sandwiches, and made me long for the days when singers were permitted to have shit hair and hit wrong notes if they also did something unexpected occasionally. Sorry, what was I talking about? I got distracted. That's <laughs> <laughs> um, Look. I don't know, Tom, but I, I have the feeling that this is a song written exclusively uh, for the wedding receptions of cunts. Yeah, I think that was originally Wind Beneath My Wings, but yep. clearly the M train saw an opportunity to update that song for the Times. Yeah, and by like, Times, I mean the wedding receptions of cunts. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I so, there's, a big, there's a big cunt component of society, <laughs> and a lot of them are getting married, and they need a song yeah. to have at their wedding reception. John Legend is out, clearly so. already working that market, and then yeah. Megan Train has come along and said, what if I drag it back from, you know... An yep. undisclosed period in the past to a specific period in the past. And, yeah. yeah. So look, anyway, Megan had this to say about the song, quote, it's about when you have those nightmares where your loved one passes away and you wake up sweating and crying. Mm. You check on them and they're still there and you realise that you've not, you, you know, you're not promised tomorrow. So you're going to love them like you're losing them. Yeah. You know, Tom, you know those dreams you have where a loved one's dying? You know those <laughs> dreams? Do you have those dreams? You know those ones? Where <laughs> I, your loved ones are all dying and they're all dead and you wake up and go, ah, oh, thank God they're still... You know those dreams, Tommy? I have those had ones? those dreams, but none of them have inspired me to write a Piss Week pop soul ballad featuring the guy who's married to Chrissy Teigen. So. Oh, maybe if the M train was around at your house, you <laughs> sure. might be like, hey, M train, let's write that. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't quite... 
get that from this song, but mate, I don't know. Mate, yeah. I can't, I, I don't want to, like, that is what she's saying her inspiration was. She woke up from a dream or sweating and crying because her loved ones are dead, so yeah. she penned it. Penned it doesn't track. really have the emotional intensity that that summary promises. Yep. It doesn't. But look, Tom, we almost didn't have this. We almost didn't have the pleasure oh. of listening to this song. It almost didn't happen. That would have been a shame. Tom. Um, this is what Megan had to say. I wrote this song like years ago and it wasn't going to make my album. But my uncle, uh, Burton Tony, the man, my Trinidadian uncle, uh, he met my manager and forced them to listen. Um, at gunpoint, we don't know. I'm not quite sure. She didn't get into that, but possibly. He said, you need to hear this song. She didn't show you this song. My manager listened to it and started crying. And she's like, you know you've got to cut this, right? I'll cut it as in make it. Make it. You know you've got to make this. You, make, yep. you know you've got to record this, right? So do you think a person working within the music industry who hears literally thousands of songs a year, hmm. uh, is there any song that they could hear that would make them start crying? And if that's the case, would it be this song that would make them start crying? <laughs> well, it's quite possible that the manager had been up all night um, with Shaggy's manager snorting a mixture of um, crystallised MMA and high-grade cocaine. Possibly. And hadn't got any sleep and was in a very emotionally fragile state. And no then doubt. listened to this song and started crying. You know, it's happened to me watching, you know, ShamWow commercials at 4am. <laughs> so, you know, we've all been there. But yeah, I don't it, believe it that doesn't, story It doesn't real. seem. I, I think adding the crying bit is a bit like, uh, you know, when people who own dogs say that my dog was crying, what they really mean is my dog was making some dog-like noises yeah. that I'm interpreting as crying because I have to personify my animals. Absolutely you know, right. Look, nothing I, I against don't... dogs. I'm just saying, like, crying means different things to different people, and it sounds better in an anecdote than saying she quite liked the song. I think. Yeah, I don't believe the story at all. Um, I think it's all. I don't know if the uncle's real. I don't know if anything about it's real. I, I, I can't really say. But look, let's just we'll, we'll give Megan the benefit of the doubt and just assume that the song wasn't wasn't going to get recorded. But her uncle <laughs> yeah. made someone listen to it at all. I mean, it down. has happened before. We, even with you know dodgy songs, you know, we were talking about. Um, yeah, I think it was Ed Sheeran a few weeks ago. And he, oh yeah. yeah. It's all, it's all, it's not good enough to go on the album and then someone will say, oh, I like it and they'll go to bat for it and then it turns out to be Next thing you know, it's the biggest thing Mm. in the world, yeah. Um, Lyrics. Lyrics. Uh, I found myself dreaming in silver and gold, like a scene from a movie that every broken heart knows. We were walking on moonlight and you pulled me close, split second and you disappeared and then I was all alone. I woke up in tears with you by my side, a breath of relief, and I realised, no, we're not promised tomorrow. Mm. See, this is where my playing the straight bat argument for lyrics comes in, Ben. She said in an interview that this was about one of those dreams where a loved one dies and you wake up and realise it didn't happen and you promise you'll appreciate them. This has happened to a lot of people, so it's not a bad place to start. And we're not promised tomorrow isn't a terrible line, but otherwise the poetic license just sort of gets in the way of the truth of the moment that she's trying to convey. Like, I found myself dreaming in silver and gold, like a scene from a movie that every broken heart knows. Like, which movie? What sort of movie are you talking about? 
Look like, who's talking does, to, I <laughs> what, believe. What the hell does silver and gold have to do with look who's talking to, you know? Oh, I don't know. Or if you're going to go for poetry, then go nuts. Like, split second and you disappeared and then I was all alone is feeble and anticlimactic by anyone's standard. You wasted your boyfriend's fantasy death scene so you could spend two lines telling me you were dreaming in metallic colours like a scene from a movie that you can't think of right this second. You know, I woke up in tears. Did you? Did you really? That's a coincidence because this morning I woke up swathed in blue light, drenched in sweat. I sat bolt upright in bed and went arg straight into the camera. Then yeah. I realised I was still asleep, but I was dreaming I was in a Michael Bay film from 1994. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. Look, I'm not saying it's the worst thing ever, but you know, I think she could have given it a few more passes. That's all. oh, no doubt. Yeah, exactly. So I think. Um... I think she was right. The uncle was wrong. She was, she was like, this is trash. I don't want to record it. So yeah. I blame the fucking... I blame a fictional uncle who's probably not real because the story's made up. But look... So look, how's the M train doing? Um, oh, look, for John Legend, he's got 22 mil on yep. the old Spotify, um, which is a lot... Uh, Megan Tran has got 16 mil on the Spotify. Mm. She's got a lot. I mean, she's had more hits than I remember. Well, I yeah. only remembered that one and a half that we talked about, yeah. but she pop, keeps popping up. She does keep popping year. up. Yeah. Um, and look, got some bad news um, for physical media fans. This is going to cost you $26.80. So. <laughs> Maybe spend wow. that money on Just, something I'm better. I'm going broke buying oh, all these songs. I know. Tell me about it. Hopefully a cheap one will pop up soon, Tom. Mm. Um, should we hit, hit to the next one? Yeah, please. All right. Up next is uh, Lost Frequencies. Are you with me? Two weeks from 27th of July. Now, I, I don't think I'd heard this song before. Much like Omi, I'd no, yeah. I've got no fucking idea who yeah, Lost Frequencies are. I think I heard it in the background in a shop while I was buying pants. Yep. This is a worthy successor to Avicii's melancholy guitar-led European folk techno movement that the public was apparently clamouring for. Oh, I'd say so. Look, this this is very much Eurodance light. It is a bit, isn't and it? And by light, I yeah. mean very, or very light. light. sort of post-post Eurodance, yeah. Yeah. Um, someone needs... You know, remember uh, previously how um, we we saw that Omi uh, was originally 100 BPMs mm. and then the DJ, Felix, he got hold of it and cranked it to 118. Yeah, not nearly And enough. that made all the difference, but not <laughs> exactly not enough. So someone needs to crank this up by at least yeah. 40 more beats per minute, I think. So... Um, and there's a guitar part in it as he says it's that sort of Avicii fucking whatever the hell he was mm, going for on that shit but that song was way better than this that Avicii one yeah. um, and it wasn't that was because I felt that was a spiritual successor to Cotton Eye Joe <laughs> um, sure. so in that yeah. in that sort it of also world. had lyrics which were actually written specifically for the song to mean something whereas yeah. this is mostly just nicked from another song it's yeah exactly so are you with me are you with me so, so yeah you need to crank this up 30 BPMs there's a guitar part in this. You need to play that on a synthesizer, I think. Mm. And you need to get somebody, and by someone I mean fucking anybody else, to do the vocals, and then maybe we'll have something as uh, the vocals on this suck shit. Yeah, they're but not the, But one of the reasons, I think, for that is I think they've been sped up a bit. I think that's the thing. Yeah. Because they sounded fucking annoying, and I went, that's fucking annoying yeah. as hell. They and sound I- vaguely artificial, but not in a sort of fun way. They just kind of sound thin and a bit floaty and fake it's kind of hard to explain yeah look exactly right um so lost frequencies i don't know much about him but uh he's from belgium Mm -hmm. so yeah he's taken this so this song was it was apparently a 2012 country song yeah um sped it up a bit but as we said fucking not nearly enough 
And uh, some label guy heard it on SoundCloud. I don't think it was the same guy from Ultra Music, obviously. <laughs> but um, yeah, someone else heard this on SoundCloud, sped up and went, we fucking must release this. And I can't imagine anyone listening to this on SoundCloud and saying, we got to get this out on the label. But someone <laughs> did do that. And this is what happened. So has Lost Frequencies done anything else? Um, he's had five number one hits in Belgium. Oh, okay. And he had another top 10 hit in Australia in 2021, but I didn't bother listening to it because this one was so bad. So I, I didn't have five minutes free to, to check it out. But well, um, if Belgian DJ sounds ridiculous, it is worth remembering that Soul Wax come from Belgium and they're two of the best DJs the world's ever seen. So, you know. And you've got to remember that... Um, some of the guys from Two Unlimited also come from, <laughs> came from Belgium. So. That's right. Look, I don't think I could summarise this song any better than the top two YouTube comments. Alesto <laughs> uh, writes, A message to the future generations. All caps. Don't let this song die. It's fair enough. To which Tatty Maniel, overcome with bittersweet nostalgia, can only reply, I remember listening to this in year four. Now I'm in year eight. It brings back so many memories <laughs> with my dad. Bracket, he's still alive. In bracket, <laughs> I've got to admit that I was really, I was relieved, Ben, and it was uh, at this point I realised there was more genuine emotion in that YouTube comment than in this than entire actual. actual song, which is so lightweight it would float away on an angel's guff. Definitely, I I do like that that someone who's in year eight, so what they're like thirteen or something, can remember back mm. when they were nine. Nostalgia. Oh, remember from, back when I was nine. Remember when I was nine and used to listen to this song my dad yeah. um, usually those comments are like oh my dad's passed away now something but the fact that it's like <laughs> he's, he's not dead it's just sort of I'm, I like that he was next to me on the couch yeah I like that that uh, that 13 year old was self aware enough to realise while he's writing a comment oh this sounds like one of those ones that people write on YouTube where the dad's dead so I'll just make sure people know he's not dead just in case anyone feels bad yeah it starts saying oh, <laughs> don't want to fuck up the mood no, of this nice song exactly right exactly so yeah, I think that kid's going to be alright oh definitely Look, but that's a nice change though because usually <laughs> the top YouTube comments just who's still listening to this in 2022? And I'm like, who the fuck <laughs> is writing that? It's really contributing to the sort of conversation sure. about this song, isn't it? So, um, you have anything else to say? Um, look, lyrics. Uh, I don't want to dance by water neath the Mexican sky. Oh, yeah. Drink some margaritas by a string of blue lights. Yep. I mean, if you're listening to this song thinking, gee, this Belgian DJ really likes Mexican restaurants a lot. That's because, as you say, this is a cover of Are You With Me by Easton Corbin, mm. which is a basic country twang fest full of the usual local references Americans unabashedly fill their pop culture with, despite the rest of the world having no idea what the fuck they're talking yeah. about. I want to fall like the Carolina rain on your skin. Yeah. How is the Carolina rain different to any other kind of rain, Ben? Does it involve listening to Shaggy? I guess the only people who can tell us are from Carolina, wherever the fuck that is. Strangely, the song was actually covered by the Tasmanian band Junk Mail, uh, who oh, tweaked good. the lyrics slightly. Uh, I want to dance by the water neath the Olveston sky, drink some fruity Lexias under Deloraine chip shop lights, listen to the reboard Tiranas cruising at midnight. Are you with me? Are you with me? Hey, look, someone crashed into the war memorial again. Now he's attacking a cop. Oh, it's Simon Hipworth. I didn't know he was out of jail yet. 
<laughs> you know, it's the detail that makes a song great, Ben, don't you <laughs> Absolutely. I think, yeah, I, I do like that, our American, sort of Americana stuff is just like, let's do some real just regional... unashamed. They just, shit, do, so. they just think they're at the top of the world and everyone else cares and knows about all the shit they say. Yeah. And it kind of works, sort of, you know, it sort of half works, you know? Yep. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. to I, the point where, as I've said before, a Chevy sounds more romantic somehow in a pop song than a Toyota, yeah. you know, even though uh, most countries don't have Chevys, whereas everywhere in the world has Toyotas. Yeah, I do like it. Yeah, you're right. They mentioned they have, they have these very specific references and then you find out that it's like, oh, you're in this town. You got it. This is this pie. It's the local specialty. It's a local <laughs> special pie. It's this amazing pie. And then it's just like a fucking canned whipped cream on like a biscuit or something it's like going oh, it's fucking not a pie it's always some dog shit that everyone's like oh it's a special mm. local delicacy you set always expectations high terrible. don't yeah. you when you start writing love songs about your pie and stuff yeah. Yeah. anyway what have we got 19 wise? mil for lost frequencies fucking hell it's I that dance music thing again he's killing I'm it in Belgium you. exactly exactly I think um if I had my time again, Tom, I'd be a tepid fucking dance oh, DJ in, in Belgium or something Best job as well. in the world. Because uh, it turns out, like, David Guetta um, is still churning out pure trash. And no one knows what you look like. No, so you exactly. get all the benefits of being a rock star, except yeah. people don't even fucking mob yeah. you in the street. What could be um, And this would cost you $16. That's the cheapest one. So you yeah, yeah. probably, probably avoid that. Um Cool. All right, who have we got next? Oh, fuck, about time, Tom. One Direction, Drag Me Down. Sure, yes. So, look, first time for One Direction to top the charts in Australia. And, mm-hmm. Tom, you might have noticed from the music video. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you... Did you watch the I music video? I watched it video? very closely, multiple times. Yeah. You might have... No, uh, so, in the music video, One Direction are training in a NASA facility. Um, hopefully because they're manning a satellite that NASA plans to smash into an asteroid (laughs) to monitor if the impact of shit music can change the orbit of said asteroid. Um, But what you will notice, Tom, is that it's a pared down one direction. Mm. Zane, he's already left the group at this stage. Yeah, he was the first off the boat. He's gone. So in this one, it's just the four of them, Harry, Niall, Liam and Lewis. So Mm. we never got uh, a, a, a number one from One Direction the full One Direction. Uh, We're only getting yes. this four-fifths sort of One yeah. Direction. Um, you know, One Direction Mark Two, as they say. <laughs> but, you know, obviously they've trimmed the fat and they've got straight mm. to number one. So, yeah. yeah. Well, Liam had this to say. Yeah. Uh, when we first were about to hear the song with James, I don't think he explained it in the best way. That's James, the producer. Oh, yeah. But he said, it's a mixture of Teo Cruz and Maroon 5. <laughs> and we were like, what? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. You know, accurate. Uh, going into that room, that sounded far away from the direction we were trying to take the album, One Direction, I guess. The way it was produced at the time made it too different for us, and we were a bit scared of it. But the song quite grows on you. After we sang on it and made it our own, it was the exact right way to go. So would you rather this version, after the four man-children have made it their own, or would you rather the Tayu Cruise slash Maroon 5 original? Oh, damn. I mean... <laughs> Fucking oath, that's that's um, a weird way of describing this song. <laughs> uh, Teo Cruz, look, I, I think, you know, we're, I'm a huge fan of Teo Cruz, mm. as you know. Um, I mentioned previously that some of his uh, earlier singles that we discussed are some of the finest music of, of this millennium thus far. So 
but and I know you like Maroon 5 as well. <laughs> I do. You're so. always standing on the corner uh, in the pouring rain. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think that I would prefer to hear Teo and Maroon 5 team up, I think, personally. I yeah. would have liked to have seen what they could have done with this. Um, so I don't know. It sounds a bit less polished than this, yeah. which is, yeah. Absolutely. Look, One Direction, as we know, often abbreviated to 1D, which is coincidentally <laughs> the same number of dimensions as their music. Um, is that two comments about an artist being one dimension in the same podcast, Tom? I think sure. you did it earlier yeah. as well. This is so. for people who found uh, Ellie Goulding's music a bit too deep <laughs> and meaningful. Yeah. Uh, look, everyone probably knows that the boring story of One Direction, they went on the X Factor. <laughs> They did. Mm-hmm. And they came third. They yeah. didn't win. They weren't good enough to win. <laughs> they were fucking terrible. But Simon Cow, who always... He seeks out those diamonds in the rough, doesn't he, Tom? Yeah. That's what he He's does. He's got a lot of children he keeps his yeah. eye on. He does. He keeps his eye on a lot of kids. Diamonds in the rough. He recorded them to his record label. Uh, I think it's called Psycho, his record label. Mm. And they've sold like a trillion records since then. Um, but here's one thing you might not have known, Tom. Yeah. Did you know that uh, they they obviously signed signed <laughs> up with Simon, released that album back in, in 2010 or whatever it was, but they also signed a book deal and released One Direction Forever Young, Tom, in 2011, <laughs> um, a full 12 months after they met... Um, you know, and sign this deal when they were still children. I wonder what nuggets of wisdom that tome contains. I really want to hear the struggle, you know, hear about those years where they had to fight, really fight to make it from the ages of 14 to 16 when they just never thought that they were 14, they thought we're never going to make it, but then by the time they were 16, they'd made it, So, which is really good. Yeah. Look, as someone who's written several books and has resigned themselves to the fact that I will almost certainly die without any of them being published, yeah. it's always nice to hear how any dickhead who's done two weeks on Ready Steady Cook or released a number 14 piss week single on the UK pop charts can instantly get a book published oh, you yeah. know, without... Even if it's ten pages long and features mostly pictures which they didn't draw. Yep. But yeah, it's it's good that that happens. Absolutely, yeah, I completely agree. Because as you say, you know what what the world needs is another story about how a pop group got made famous by some impresario who owns a sex blimp and <laughs> spends all his money, all his time fer- ferrying money out to his offshore tax haven in the fucking. Cocos Islands or whatever. Oh, look, it is about that sort of grassroots... I might be slightly bitter, Ben. Sorry, that might not have come through in the answer to that. No, it's, a, it's just about sort of organically finding your way mm. as a musician through a highly publicised television quiz, a sort of <laughs> game show, not quiz show, game show. Yeah. yeah. So, look, it's all good. Look, I'm happy that they did make it, though, Tom, because yes. the thing is that they, they almost didn't make it. But if, you know, they didn't make it, then as a society, we would never have had such great product tie-ins as the One Direction uh, face of Pokemon Black. We wouldn't have had that. Mm. We wouldn't have had One Direction launching the Nokia C3 and Nokia C202 phones. We wouldn't have had them do that. that's a shame. Um, You know, to promote the launch of Nokia, they made a series of photos of the band members using the phones to take photos of themselves. That's that's how they sort of promoted it Mm. by doing that. So it was very clever of them. Um, We would never have had, you know, the Colgate One Direction Colgate Max Fresh Power Toothbrush. We Mm. wouldn't have had that. The One Direction Colgate Max Fresh Manual Toothbrush or the One Direction Colgate Max Fresh Toothpaste. We wouldn't have had that. 
We wouldn't have had uh, their Pepsi tie-in that they did in 2012. We wouldn't have had them teaming up with Shazam, Tom. We wouldn't have had that. Mm. Um, We wouldn't have had the One Direction dolls that that they released. We wouldn't have had that. Um, We wouldn't have had their fashion line from Filipino clothing brand Pen Shop. Your household name. Mm. I love that. Those One Direction Pen Shop clothes. Um, We wouldn't have had the pop-ups in Brisbane, Toronto, Chicago, New York, Tokyo, Stockholm. Selling exclusive merch. We wouldn't have had One Direction as the new faces of the Toyota Vios. We wouldn't have had that. We wouldn't have had their debut fragrance, Our Moment. We wouldn't have had that I'm one. Wearing it right now. Best fra- yeah, best-selling fragrance, uh, Christmas 2013. Tom, you <laughs> want to know that? We wouldn't have had their, their follow-up fragrance, uh, That Moment. Uh, we wouldn't have had their shower gel of the same name. <laughs> we wouldn't have had their third fragrance, You and I, named after their 2014 song of the name. We wouldn't have heard any of that stuff. So I just think that, you know, fortunately, <laughs> they were able to get through that hardship when they were 14, make it through and mm. get all that stuff. Mm. Um, they also had a teamed up with Coca-Cola in Mexico um, and all kinds of bullshit, but I, I won't keep going. So there's, there's too much. So oh, I was go. getting into it. Um, it's a pity... I mean, it really says a lot about their music that none of those things have anything to do with music whatsoever. <laughs> no, no, no. Absolutely <laughs> They're not right. even like TV commercials featuring the band's music. It's just uh, their heads. Yeah. yeah. I mean, speaking of, did you like the video, you know? Um, oh, I mean, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I, admit, I, I was hoping at the end, because it's sort of, as you say, a lot of it is filmed around NASA headquarters. <laughs> And it sort of builds up to them getting onto a rocket, but then it just kind of ends. You yeah. Know? I, I was hoping at the end they would maybe get to that Martian colony where Britney Spears hung out with all those chicks oh. in red latex. Yeah, that would have been from, cool. Oops, I did it again. Yeah, exactly. You're right. We sort of, we were promised so much with them travelling out to space. Yeah, it and then builds up. The whole so thing's a build up, and then it just it just ends. Yeah, definitely for sure. Unlike the uh, the the. Their appearance in a Honda Civic ad, Tom, which um, mm-hmm. showed them testing out the car's stereo, um, yeah. and then you know, the, and the trunk space <laughs> that sort of showed all the bits sure. of the car. Yeah. So they did did all all the stuff there. So that was pretty good. But yeah, you're you're right. The video clip um, started off with so much promise and delivered so little. Much like the group themselves. So, um, look, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Drag Me Down, though. It's an aptly named song term. As it certainly mm. dragged me down into an abyss where I had to come to terms with the fact that this, yes, this is the highest paid musical group in the world at a period in time. Wow. So, yes, um, pretty, pretty good. They're good, though. They're very good. <laughs> very, very good. Um, look, I don't know. They're probably one of the few bands that I do want to get back together, though. Um, and I mean that wholeheartedly in all seriousness because now that they've separated, there's a very real chance that all five of them can have a single in the charts at the same time. Mm. Whereas uh, in a group format, the quantity of the output is limited. Um, I mean, can you imagine there being five Ed Sheerans? Yeah. It's been wall-to-wall That's fucking That's true, true. Not only but five Ed Sheerans, but five Ed Sheerans who could also simultaneously be... Uh, collaborating with five other Red Sheerans. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's a terrifying Oh, prospect. exactly. But look, um, I guess that was my idea that I don't want them to be separated because of the potential of yeah. too many songs. But in reality, um, Harry Styles is sort of the only one that's really been able to maintain any sort of career uh, at this point after the demise of One Direction, probably because um, he's subversive, Tom. Harry Styles <laughs> sure. is subversive. Uh, this one time he was wearing a dress. 
Oh, so that's he's right. very subversive. Sure, because um, he, he had a dress on once. So Maybe, no one, no, no male pop star <laughs> has ever worn a dress I before. Heard so. He might possibly have gobbed onto Chris Pine or maybe not really? I mean that's crazy oh, talk knows? I mean Johnny Rotten he'd throw up if he saw that yeah he? absolutely he'd throw right up he'd be sick right on his own safety pin <laughs> Blur. that's what he'd say I can't handle this edgy future pop music <laughs> I just don't understand how to you know process it Look, I mean, One Direction, let's be real. One Direction are just a Gen Y boy band. Oh, yeah. They're a constructed pop entity of four young lads with a higher level of facial symmetry than musical background. And I found myself trying to imagine this song being performed by the Backstreet Boys 15 mm-hmm. years early, you know, or NSYNC, that sort of thing. Apart from the improved production and vague nods towards, like, dubstep and live instrumentation, it is pretty easy to imagine NSYNC doing this, I reckon. Even the vid- video reminded me to ask a question I've been thinking since 1999. Why do boy bands love standing around in light aircraft hangars? so much in casual you know gesturing to a camera that's sitting on the ground on a skateboard it's experts have never figured it out you know is it because the width of the aircraft hangar lends itself to five people standing in a row do you think I think so yeah there's a lot of space there so you can (laughs) sort of get some really great wide angle shots Mm. I think and sort of I'm looking forward to the Justice Cruise next video being filmed in an aircraft hangar I assume it will be definitely (laughs) I are they on hiatus at the moment, Tom? I hope that they they take themselves oh, out of that hiatus. Sure. I hope they don't get too much success too early. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, lyrics. Uh, this was written by producers John Ryan and Julian Bonetta. And Jamie Scott, who has written heaps of stuff for One Direction, plus Enrique Iglesias, Five Seconds of Summer, Little Mix, and Ed Sheeran. Ooh. Despite the fact that none of the remaining four band members actually wrote it, Drag Me Down is supposedly an ode to their mothers. Oh, good. All my life you stood by me when no one else was ever behind me. All these lights, they can't line me. With your love, nobody can drag me down. A little bit tough on their dads, possibly, but sure, if your audience are mostly pubescent girls, you can't go wrong reminding them how much you love your mum, pony rides, sunset walks along the beach, baskets of puppies, casual knitwear, non-threatening homoeroticism, etc. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, nobody went broke off that. No. Um, yeah, look, I don't... How are the lads doing? They've still got 31 million listeners on Spotify. Despite the fact they haven't been a going concern for a few years. So. Nah, I wonder how Zane's doing the first guy to go solo Zane. in his huge career that everyone was Zane, sure Zane was going to spe- take off. Zane, is, uh, Zane currently has 19 mil, so he's doing okay. Fucking hell, that's disturbing. He's doing all right. He's also got a skull tattoo, so, <laughs> you know, take, Well, he was that. the bad boy. He of was the, the bad boy, absolutely, <laughs> for sure. Um, you can pick this up for, uh, not too bad, actually, $8.50. Um, but that's a CDR, so I'm not sure whether some dude's just uh, like copied that. So for for an actual CD that's not a CDR, I think the cheapest one is seventeen dollars. So not not too bad, I guess. So. All right, who's up next? All right, um, off with One Direction. Up next is ah oh, fuck me, it's boring Delta Goodrum with wings. For two weeks, yes, Jesus with a soft Christ. spongy interior. 
Delta's always been good at absorbing blue liquid, but it's good to know that she finally comes with wings, Ben. Absolutely. I completely agree. I think Look, she also got an adhesive outer flap now, too. That's she does. Okay. That's very good to know. <laughs> very, very good to know. So how would you describe this song, then? Well, interestingly, Tom... Um, <laughs> Well, or or not so interestingly, some may say, Delta she she's back. She's doing some erotic piano. What in the video clip? She's playing the piano erotically, mm. but she's finally included uh, what we said on the podcast. We said she should have done about ten years earlier, mm. and that was added some beats to her otherwise extremely repetitive piano pop songs. Mm. I believe early in the piece we said. This needs some beats, yeah. some Euro beats, some other beats, anything to not just be a bland... Because every fucking song was just a bland piano yeah. ballad. So uh, she's done that. She's done that on this one. It's not, not fast enough for my liking. <laughs> no. It needs to be more BPMs. But she's added some beats in there. And isn't it great that she's channeling what everyone was doing in 2008... Now in 2015, because it seems like she's sort of taken that thing that Rihanna was doing about five years ago, and um, she's finally doing it now. So she was seven years behind seven years ago, so now she's still seven years behind, but seven years ahead, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly right, exactly. So look... um, She's holding a guitar in the video clip as well, but I don't. I've, I've listened to this twice no. just to make sure there's no fucking guitar in this song whatsoever. Yeah. So not sure why she's doing that, but look, um, yeah. what did you make of it, Tom? Well, look, it's always good to see Delta back again, throwing oh, down no a doubt. new video featuring her in a series of white outfits against a blank white background using a white instrument to bang out the whitest music humanly possible. Yeah. Now, the Kraft Mayonnaise production board would turn this down for a lack of visual diversity, I think, but that's Delta for you, you know? No doubt. She can't walk past a white piano in a white singlet without banging out some white pop tunes, you know? For sure. It's not It's not possible for, for sure. But look, I'm glad she's sticking with the erotic piano approach in the video <laughs> clips. It's sort of like playing it like... Ooh, it's a bit mm, sort of sassy Occasionally stuff. standing up, sure. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Look, uh, so the song song's titled Wings, as we know. It's Bad called Wings. Title. Um, it's off a Wings of the Wild album. Terrible which title. Which continue, <laughs> continue, continues the Delta tradition of total dog shit album yeah. titles. So um, they're on the improve, though. I think if we have a look, uh, <laughs> you know... I think. Can you agree with that? Or, or can sort well, of maybe she's come from innocent eyes. To yeah. This, so yeah. I guess. Oh, actually, no. She released an album last year called "Bridge Over Troubled Dreams." <laughs> so maybe this was the high watermark. Wings of the Wild is as good as it gets. Um, yeah. And what did she do in 2020? Oh, only Santa knows. Oh, so. Fucking hell. Um, the long-awaited Christmas album, Tom. So oh, I don't really know yeah. what to say about that. Look, uh, production is another DNA songs masterpiece. Oh fuck, is it? Uh, ensuring that if there was anything not immediately forgettable in the original song, it certainly didn't make it into the final mix by those fucking X Factor slash Australian Idol turd polishes. Yeah. So yeah, look. I mean, fucking good God, this is fucking vanilla, this song. You could play her last five hits in a medley and tell me it was one 15-minute long song and I'd believe you, although by that point you'd need to hit me with a Pulp Fiction-style chest hypodermic to wake me back up again, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Look, did you have anything else to say about this? (laughs) Um, Or Delta's current whereabouts? Oh, look, Delta, I think... 
She spent a long time, probably in this period, um, as a judge on one of those shows. I don't oh, know. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I didn't. I don't know which one. I don't. Don't watch any of them. But one, the one where the chair spins around, maybe is it that one? I'm not sure. But anyway, she does. Oh that. yeah, yeah. So she's been doing that. And look, here's one thing though. Um, as someone that's had a lot of hits, she's on that TV show. She's the judge. She's yep. in the public eye a lot, and that garners a lot of attention. Some wanted, some unwanted, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, so in 2020, a man by the name of Joseph um, Lafferty pleaded guilty um, to stalking and intimidating Goodrum. So no, that's not good. So it isn't good having a stalker. She had to live through that, which is not good. He wrote her over 300 poems and Instagram messages along with visiting Goodrum's apartment on Valentine's Day and the following day. Now, this raises a few questions. One... Do we know if Delta borrowed any of the lyrics from those 300 poems and put them into her own songs? Do we know that? Well, it is a lot of free material, isn't it? Yeah. And I mean, in court, you know. Absolutely. Who's going who's gonna to believe you? Yeah, for sure, for sure. So has she used some of that stalking for good, for her own, her own career? What if we found out that all of Delta's lyrics ever were all mm. taken from the content of these stalker letters. I think that's something that worth sure. worth exploring. But also what does this say about you as a person? As a stalker I mean, <laughs> I think we need to look at that and say, this is this is one of the worst things that you can do. As a person, what does it say about you as a person to stalk someone? But not only that, the person that you choose to stalk is Delta Goodrum. I mean... <laughs> You're saying you should have raised his standards. <laughs> yeah, that's what I am saying. Look, unless he thought, I'll take one from the team and perhaps my stalking will encourage you to stop working as a recording artist and do the world a bit of a favour, perhaps. I don't know. But maybe stalk someone more interesting. Mm, I don't know. I, well, I don't know what goes on in the mind of a stalker, but yeah. According to Clive James, who sort of had minor celebrity in the UK and Australia... Uh, most male celebrities, to some degree or other, and pretty much every female celebrity of any of any degree, from weather girl up, has a creepy, potentially dangerous fan. It's just that most of them don't talk about it because it is considered psychologically bad to encourage them by giving them any oxygen. Yeah. So usually the only time you hear about it is when the tabloids get hold of it or it goes to court. Yeah. You know. So I'm saying I'm saying there's probably plenty of prop pop stars who don't even who haven't even achieved Delta's level oh, of fandom no who have stalkers, you know. Yeah, which is so look, highly you know, disturbing. In a way it's kind of romantic, you know. Out there there's a stalker for all of us, ben, <laughs> you know, just absolutely. waiting on the horizon with a pair of high powered binoculars yeah. looking into your bedroom window. You know? And if you're lucky, if you're very lucky, they'll give you enough material for you to use <laughs> in your albums. So three hundred three poems, poems, sure. Exactly. No one's written any poems about me at all, so you no. know. Now, I will say this, Tom, uh, this is her last number one. So we won't Are we going to get in trouble for we making have... fun of stalkers? We shouldn't. I mean, I was oh, making jokes about I'm making jokes about, about the stalkers. I'm <laughs> sure. not I'm saying it's about the stalkers. So <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted clearly, you. What, what clearly, you um, this is a, we don't have to talk about Delta anymore. This is her last number one. So <laughs> oh, I'm, crikey. I, I look forward in the years, but... Fuck, I mean, who? I say that, but then who knows whether only Santa knows whether one of those oh, whether one of those songs from twenty twenty is going to yeah, pop up. She might hook up with another ex member of fucking Westlife or something like that. Exactly. Jesus. Now here's the interesting thing, Tom. We're, we're getting to the Spotify numbers um, and the Discord. Sure. This is going to cost you twenty bucks, which mm. is a, a bad investment in these recessionary times. Don't don't do that. That's not a no good no. That's but here's what I find much. super interesting. Delta has 700,000 monthly listeners. Fucking hell. Which is 
fucking nothing when you think about the fact that that Conrad Seal has no. like three million. His fucking sister That's had true. like three million. These are people that have one yeah. hit single and then they yeah. do nothing. It's so, because Delta never made it outside of Australia. She just yeah. didn't. She had one half hit in the UK 10 years ago, and that's it. If you don't get outside of Australia, you just struggle to hit a million. But is it also because the general public at large have realised that all these songs are fucking <laughs> terrible and no one listens to them now? Well, that may be true, but, I mean, she did have the biggest album of the decade. Yeah, she did. You know, like, it. Yeah, it's just... I know what you mean. It just didn't sort of translate into any kind of lasting appeal. She keeps popping up on the fucking pop charts. Yeah. Although, the, albeit briefly, this is only two weeks, but yeah. Yeah. I just... When I'm in the in the supermarket, I just drop the bath. When this comes on, I just drop the basket <laughs> to the ground and just leave. Yeah. And then just say to my wife, oh, they didn't have any of the stuff hmm. in stock that we needed. I'll go back later. Yeah. So, if you so, want to hear Delta at so the supermarket, out. you just yep. press your ear up against a copy of New Idea and rustle it. Exactly. <laughs> Up next, 31st oh, of August. Oh, sorry. Got oh, some, so no, no lyrics, please. Oh, please, please, look, please. this is barely even worth it. Why am I talking about Deltas? Uh, uh, written by Delta, David Musumishi and Anthony Igzai, who also wrote for Jessica Mauboy and penned You Ruin Me for the Veronicas, which we covered last year, a song title that says as much about their contributions to Delta's career as any easy joke that I could make. Uh, but don't worry, because they're already delivering the goods in verse one. A beating drum, it's in my lungs. I breathe it in, it takes my breath away. I don't look back, it's just a trap. We are all one, but we're not the same. That's an impressive shit metaphor to line ratio of seven to four, Ben. Oh, yeah. Although I suppose that if you did literally force a beating drum down the songwriter's throats, that it would take their breath away. Oh, no uh, doubt. We're all one, but we're not the same. Is not only a ridiculous statement, but it's also a direct steal from the U2 song, One. So it's probably a good thing nobody outside Australia will ever hear this. So they won't get right. troubled by U2's lawyers who've probably got better things to do these days. Oh, I'm sure they yeah. do. Other Definitely. than that, I've got nothing to say. Quickly, let's move on. Oh, Absolutely. you want to say? No, no, nothing. I've already done the, the you have. discord right. and what shit. What have we got so, then? Up next, uh, Calvin Harris and Disciples. How deep is your love? One week. How deep is your love, Vimp? It's, it's pretty deep. Is that I a think... dick metaphor? Yeah, I think so. I think it definitely <laughs> in, is. In the bridge, someone doing a shit daft punk impression does ask, how deep is your love? Can it go deeper? Yeah. So I'm saying that maybe, yes, it is a dick metaphor, although slightly less than in the song, Gonna Give You My Love by Led Zeppelin, where you can just substitute love for norm. For, for nuts. And have the same yeah, exactly. <laughs> for sure. Look, um, how deep is my love? Uh, I could answer that, but I think um, Taylor <laughs> Swift could probably answer that question mm. better because Taylor Swift and Calvin Harris uh, did date for a period of time. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So um, you probably ask... Yeah, Taylor might be able to answer how deep is uh, Calvin Harris's love. Calvin um, and Harris had been all over the alternative charts and the dance charts yep. for in the preceding five years, but... He didn't trouble, I guess, the top of the Ari as much until this. Uh, no, yeah. no, no. So but yeah, and this is only one week. But he he had better songs than this. I'm not saying he was great, but this is not a particularly good example of his songs. I don't think. Oh look, is this a club banger? Probably not. It it's depends not on what club you're at. Probably yeah. if you're at a shit club, maybe this is like. I a, believe a club this is house or deep house. 
which yep. is a pretty piss weak form of dance music unless you're a time traveller from 1992. Yeah. And even by 92 standards, this is missing a good breakdown or a decent bass line. Yeah. The vocals are an uncredited contribution from Ina Roldson, who's a Norwegian songwriter who's written for Shakira, Sean Paul, Guetta, Britney Spears, and One Tiny Erection. Uh, Harris previewed the song on June 21st, 2015, during the Electric Daisy Carnival in Las Vegas, a few weeks before its eventual release as a standalone single. When asked why the song wasn't part of a larger project, like an album, Harris mm. told Kiss FM he wanted to have a song out in the summer. Right. <laughs> Fascinating. Yeah. So consequently, this isn't on any albums, but does appear on Radio 538-HitZone75, oh, a double CD set featuring a bunch of people who aren't as good as Melody MC. Oh, fuck. That said, How Deep was a massive international hit, charting top 10 in over <coughs> 20 countries and reaching number one in 10 countries. Wowzers. How? This is why these fucking dance guys have such massive numbers on Spotify. Yeah. The surreal, dreamlike music video, directed by Emil Nava, features model Gigi Hadid, whose career to date seems to exist largely on the basis of her being friends with the sister of a chick whose mum sold a sex tape of her daughter banging a basketball player on the internet, yep. because that's where we're at in 2022. This is the second video that she's been yep. in though, this year, <laughs> so she know, knows what's up. Mm. <laughs> um, I mean, she's got tits yeah, as well she, that's always a plus, plastic yeah. surgery and so forth sure <laughs> look what did you think of this song ben? I was pretty bored to be honest yeah uh, I didn't think it was great um, and also as I said he, he did date Taylor for a bit so he's given her material for eight more albums probably yeah, by a, their relationship. It's a shame he's not following suit and maybe using some of that material to make this a bit more interesting. Yeah, yeah. Look, <laughs> I, I don't know, um, apart, yeah, I don't know a lot about Calvin Harris, to be honest. I do know that um, he's one of the world's highest paid DJs. Yeah. From what I know. So he obviously... He's um, like Guetta and stuff. Makes EB Cash doing these sorts of songs. Yeah, lots of, of collaborations garbage. and so forth. Um, so look, I'm sure he doesn't give a flying fuck that <laughs> we don't think that his dance track is dancey enough. No. So it's okay. Well, then I'll feel safe in saying that this is somehow less interesting than a simple EDM version of the BG song of the same name <laughs> would be. And any track of theirs off Saturday Night Fever would be more fun to dance to than this room temperature ball sack. But I mean, <laughs> don't, don't, be careful what you wish for, because remember, uh, Entrance did yeah, the, yep. the BG's cover, which was yeah. fucking woeful. No, so. notice I said any track of theirs, not any remix of okay. any track. You could save this song with a half-decent hook or one good sample, but clearly that was too much work, so, yeah. you know. You just needed the song out for the summertime, and the seasons don't wait. <laughs> you know, if, no. it's, if, it's, if it's two weeks until summer starts, you've got to get something out there. You don't have time. Don't you think it's always a good song when an artist doesn't like their own song enough to put it on their own fucking album? Yeah, not good enough to go on the album, and also I was under the time constraints that I set myself to have a song out by the summer, which means nothing. And again, their song gets to number one in 10 countries anyway yep. so fucking it alright lyrics uh, this was written by Gavin Coolmon, Luke McDermott Nathan Duvall Ina Roldson and Calvin Harris 
Uh, clearly not a lot of those people spoke English as a native language. How deep is your love? Is it like the ocean? What devotion are you? How deep is your love? Is it like Nirvana? Hit me harder again. Right. So incitements to domestic violence aside, this song doesn't seem to understand the definition <laughs> of the words devotion, Nirvana, or possibly love. If she's or actually deep, talking honest, about so. banging, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or deep, or ocean yeah. particularly, but yeah. Look, there really is hard to find anything interesting to say about that song. Absolutely. Um, Discogs, cheapest one, $26. So probably, yeah, once again, save your money on that. Um, This features Disciples. Calvin Harrison disciples. No it says idea on my thing. Who they were? I mean, yeah. I mean, they're probably the other people named in that, but I don't know if yeah. they're a band or what they can. They've got disciples. One point four million. Whoever the fuck they are didn't bother. Cal Howell, He's got fifty million. Fucking! I tell you, it's that dance Cal music Howell. thing. Yep, I'm calling that <laughs> Cal Hal. Um, fifty. He's got fifty million. So there you go, which is good. Uh, fantastic. So all right, moving on. Yes. Up next, oh, thank fuck, about time again. Justin Bieber, what do you mean? Four weeks. Wowzers. Finally some Bieber. Uh, (laughs) This must, Tom, I think this must be the start of the Bieber renaissance. Mm. So Mm. um, if we think about the Bieber career, he was doing... You know that kids shit for a while when he yep. was, he was he was like twelve himself or yeah, something. Yeah, Carter type yep, stuff. doing some kids <laughs> bullshit, and then you know pop music for fourteen year old girls basically for a while, <laughs> and then I think he sort of um, fell off. Like I don't think he was as popular. Fell off the wayside for a bit, mm. but then there was the uh, the Bieber beginning re reemergence, yeah. a re a renaissance, a more mature sound. Much and like think, Christina Aguilera, he wanted to get dirty. Exactly. So, so this is this is um, this is the more mature sound that, yeah. that Bieber's brought out. Um, As that Tom. would suggest, this was his first number one hit in the US ah. and Australia. Great. Uh, it debuted at number one in the charts after he drip fed the lyrics out on Twitter in the most 2015 way possible. Oh, great! Via his celebrity friends, just sort of dropped dropped the lyrics on Twitter. Yeah. Hashtag Belieber, etc. You oh, know. Okay. Yep. Just so yeah, look. But it is good because you know you think about his like uh, his early work is yeah. kid, kids music. Yeah. Kids. So what what super what, kids? In what way does this represent maturity for well, well, Tom, as I mentioned, it is it is a, it's a, a much more mature sound <laughs> for for my mind. Very very mature sound, Tom. This sort of new Bieber, getting rid of the kid stuff, doing the mature sound. And mm. what's more mature about it, Tom? Clocks. <laughs> it's got clocks in it, Tom. Okay. If you listen to the song throughout the whole song. It's just a fuck. It's a ticking clock <laughs> from the start of the song to the end. It's just tick tock, tick tock. There's a clock in there all the way through. New mature sound from Bieber. It's got clocks in it. So it sure that shows does. he's more mature. He's taking risks with his music. It's got the clocks in it. I assume <laughs> the clock represents the passing of time, knowing that, you know, we're all a little bit older after listening to the mm. song because. Mm. Time has gone on. I often forget that time is a continuous motion that doesn't stop. But Bieber is able to remind me in this song by having a ticking clock throughout. And, you know, while you can't stop time, Tom, you cannot. But you can stop this song and put something better on if you so choose. (laughs) So, Bieber, your mission's failed because the ticking clock doesn't, you know, I I didn't get to the end. Because the clock was too fucking annoying. Also, I didn't even notice it was in there. But yeah. Oh, Jesus. I mean, speaking of, when asked about the song's meaning, uh, Justin referred to the indecision and veiled sentiments he often heard when talking to women. Quote, Girls are often flip-floppy, 
They say something and then they mean something else. What do you mean? I don't really know. That's why I'm asking. Now, I've read that sentence far more times than it deserves, and I can tell you that no matter where you put the quotation marks, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It would have been much easier to say, I have zero emotional intelligence because I'm a spoiled, delusional man-child and, coincidentally, also a born-again Christian. <laughs> that would have said a lot more than, in fact, the entire song really says. You know? what, what, what he's saying, Tommy, is that all females on the planet, every single one of them, they don't know what the fuck they're saying. That's what B, that's what Bieber's saying. He's saying that, that girls will say something, but then they'll mean something else, and he has to ask them what they mean. So, <laughs> oh, in my geez. experience, um, generally most people just say things, and I understand yeah. what they're talking about. But maybe not for Bieber. Look, men are like this, but chicks are like yeah, this. yeah, oh, exactly. Uh, so that's what Bieber's saying. So he doesn't mm. understand women basically, because uh, yeah. But look, look fortunately. You know, the Jesus would point him in the right direction, I think. Yeah. If that's anything I've learned about Bieber, you know, he's on the right <laughs> path, so it's okay. Um, Bieber had a bad boy period, remember that, Tom? I sure do. Um, so there was a period... He pissed of, in a bucket? He did, yeah, he did. So um, he, was, he was the number one bad boy on the scene for a while there, Tom, <laughs> mm, um, mm. during which, if you can believe this, and I, I don't really know whether people will be able to believe this, but during the Bieber bad boy phase, when he was the number one bad boy on the scene and everyone said what a bad boy the Bieber was, mm. during this bad boy phase, Tom, um, he egged his neighbour's house. Oh, my God. If and you can, pissed in a if bucket. you believe that, Fucking so hell. he his neighbour. If you can believe this, <laughs> he was driving crazy. He was doing burnouts or some bullshit in his hotted up car. Because of course he's a fuckwit and doesn't care about neighbours mm. and, and things like that. I reckon he lives at the end of a cul-de-sac <laughs> or in one of those gated communities Almost or some bullshit. Certainly. So he was doing. He was driving erratically around, and his neighbour said, "Oh mate, you know you're driving a bit." crazy in the street or a bit too fast you know there's there's young mm-hmm. children my kids etc so just appreciate it you know if you could sort of um you know tone that that driving down we don't want another paul walker on our hands i think no. is what is what he said no. directly something like that um and of course because bieber you know is 12 or at least <laughs> to act like he's 12 he just went the only way to deal with this is eggy's house mm. so he went and egg, egg mm. the guy's house so seems just, like the smart thing to do just be careful. Just remember that if you're running Justin Bieber and you're critical of anything, just you know, <laughs> just realize your, your house might get covered in eggs. So um, yeah. he also hit a paparazzi with his car once. Oh, look! He out. did that um, and punched another paparazzi as well at another mm. stage. But look, to be fair, if I had Bieber level of fame and there were paparazzi following my every move and taking photos about ten centimeters from my face, year on. Yeah. year on after that you'd probably get a little bit frustrated and maybe you'd punch that paparazzi in the throat as well but mm. of course that's exactly what they want is then they get the photo of, yeah. of you getting punched you're like ah and then because it's America you know they'll sue you for 19.7 million dollars and mm. they'll inevitably win so um, but look the guy that got punched by Bieber, if he, he's had, he would have had the most minor injuries you can imagine. I mean, have you seen Bieber? He looks like he's got pretty fucking weak arms. I don't think he'd really land that much of a punch. I think any sort of punch to the head from Bieber it wouldn't leave any substantial damage. It's, you know, not like he's fighting a serious boxer like Jake Paul or something like that. You know, it'd just sort of be whatever punch no, in the head no. from Bieber. I reckon you'd sustain more damage copying and copying an egg to your conservatory. I, so. I reckon some toilet Absolutely paper so. in the roof. Yeah, look, um, but Justin, no stranger to controversy, as we've <laughs> no, just said. No. Egged a house. Pissed in a bucket. Pissed in a bucket. Uh, punched a paparazzi. Mm-hmm. And when he went to the Anne Frank house, Tom, 
in in Amsterdam. I don't know whether Mo is that one of the one that di- does Diplo own that now and rents out the Anne Frank <laughs> sure. house. I hope not. He probably might do. Who knows what fuck it? It's where Mo stayed, I think probably, but not sure. So when he was in the Anne Frank house, I uh, went there visited visited obviously, and then he paid his respects by saying, "Truly inspired to be able to come here. Anne was a great girl. Hopefully, she would have been a believer." Mm. Mm. Now. Uh, Obviously, as you meant, you mentioned believers before, Tom. That's what Justin Bieber fans are called, which um, doesn't have a weird religious undertone to it at all, and <laughs> makes it completely bizarre. Of course, because when people say that they're a believer, yep. it usually means a believer in Christ. So, a believer there's some sort of—it's a cult, yes. basically. It also, it's, yeah, it implies a religious connotation. Exactly. Look, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, look. It has a cult sort of element to it. I, can, I don't know if Justin's banged any underage girls or used his status for financial gain. I doubt he's done any of those things. Um, but look, I guess the question is, if his fans are called believers, is Justin Bieber the new Jesus? Um, well, John Lennon once famously said that the Beatles were bigger than Jesus. Yeah. So for Jason Bieber to be bigger than Jesus, he'd have to be bigger than the Beatles as well, I suppose. Yeah. I suppose, or in between the two. I don't think I don't think bigger than Jesus. I think is he just the new Jesus? Oh, is he a, okay. Sort of either a resurrection of Christ, or is he just sort of like taken on a, a, a Jesus-like figure? Mm. So Jesus mm. was was pretty handy in rap battles as well, I think, and I'm sure Justin can lay down some well, pretty good raps. Well, certainly to. seems to like Jesus a lot. So, yeah. you know, I'm not sure if that's the same thing. Yeah, look, I don't know. But I guess it does raise a few questions. If Anne Frank was alive today, would she be a believer? I guess that's what Justin, he was trying to say. Mm. Or does it sort of mean that if Justin was alive, in in the 1940s would Anne Frank have sort of enjoyed his music either way I doubt Anne Frank would have been blasting Bieber I mean she's from the Netherlands so probably more uh, his Johnny probably more Hocus Pocus I would have think something like that so more local artists I think she would have probably been into who who the fuck is Alice uh, I don't know. I think they she were like from that. the Netherlands, yeah. Oh, she no would have doubt. been into some Gabba, I reckon. It would definitely be big on the Gabba, I think. So, yeah. So, I think for, for Justin to suggest that yeah. Anne Frank would have it's enjoyed his it's, it's presumptuous. They had better things to do very with presumptuous. listen to this art. Exactly right. Exactly. Uh, the uh, video features John Leguizamo in his oh. best role since Fish and Chips, the movie. <laughs> Uh, and a white hot girl on girl sex scene. Oh wait, sorry, that's Justin Bieber in full middle aged lesbian aunt mood. Uh, the production is fucking annoying too for this song. I thought it's as thin as the line between Justin Bieber and Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs> Features buckets of ten year old auto tune on a person who can actually fucking sing, which is even more annoying than using it on somebody who can't. And the whole thing is covered in perhaps the dorkiest musical instrument ever invented by humanity, Ben, the electric pan flute. Yeah. I mean, who the fuck signed off on that? A grade six kid playing the live recorder would sound less shitty and artificial. Yeah. It's just really weird. It's basically the electric pan flute and the fucking clocks that drove me nuts you didn't even yeah. notice. It's like they're trying and... to tap into a sound from like two or three years yeah. ago and not even achieving that. And then like... him just going, What do you mean? Yeah. What do you mean? Fucking pan flute. Mature. It's very mature though, Tom. So it's his new mature sound. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Sounds like one of those South American buskers in the mall wearing a fucking poncho. 
<laughs> with a clock behind him and yeah. some teenager singing through a vocoder doing La Bamba or something <laughs> on the pan flute <laughs> so right. exactly no agreed look uh, lyrics yeah uh, this was written by Bieber producer MDL and Pooh Bear you might oh. know Pooh from his work on Bitch Bad by Lupe Fiasco Don't Check On Me by Chris Brown or Big Sean's Jump Out The Window oh, yeah. three songs that sound like a suspect confessing to the police if you sit them next to each other uh, you're so indecisive of what I'm saying Trying to catch the beat, make up your heart Don't know if you're happy you're complaining Don't want for us to win, where do I start? Mm. I think the obvious problem is that the chicken question is speaking in English Whereas Justin only speaks Gen Y dumbass yeah, that's, that's So she right. probably can't understand what the fuck he's even asking her in the first place why do chicks take so long getting ready in the bathroom, Ben? I don't if know. only there was some way to find out. Yeah, no idea. No idea. Look, can we please move on? We can. Um, <laughs> he's got 69 million oh, Spotify listeners. Fuck, he's, that's... he's getting close to, to Ed. What was Ed? Um, I, let me just look that up real quick, Tom. I can do that for you. 69 brackets, nice million is a lot. 78 from Ed Sheeran. So, so oh, Bieber's God. just below Ed. God, don't um, make me decide between those yeah, two. Yeah, I, I cannot choose. And this will cost <laughs> you $12.50. So, sure. that's okay. There is a dude trying to sell one for 100 bucks. So, <laughs> good luck to that guy. It's probably the same guy. It's like the cunt... <coughs> If anything on eBay, there's always one guy down the bottom who's charging 2,000% just hoping that someone who doesn't know how computers work will click on yeah. the first thing. I, I'm just like, is it someone... Does that from, work? Is it, is it someone from overseas who's <laughs> like put the decimal... Pl- you know, like yeah. it's sort of... You know, like a thousand yen Japanese is like like ten dollars. Yeah. So they, they, they're using they the wrong accidentally, yeah. by So it's just like going, why is this nine hundred dollars and everyone else is charging like fifty <laughs> bucks for this? This makes no sense. So all right, who all have right. we got next? Oh Jesus Christ! It's it's Macklemore and Ryan Lewis. They're back. Yep, featuring Eric Nally, Melly Mel, Kumo D, and Grandmaster Kaz. So he's got some old school mm, old school rappers has. on this one. Four so. weeks from the fifth of um, October, and this is downtown now. He's got some old school rappers on there. Good yeah. on him for doing that, trying to draw attention to some of the, some of the old school. But this is this is whack. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, this is a second single from This Unruly Mess I've Made, which was the follow-up to The Heist, which was their 2012 uh, yep. breakout album. Uh, did What did Macklemore say about the origin of the song? Oh, Macklemore told MTV News the story of the song. This is what he had to yep. say, Tom. He said, I was listening to Backspin on X, uh, XM Radio. And hearing these older rappers, cadences and vocal tones, and I was like, this is so dope. No one's doing this anymore. True. And then Ryan was like, yo, you got to flip something like that for the new album. People aren't doing these old school type cadences. And so I messed around with that for a little bit. We were listening to a lot of Queen and a lot of music from the 70s. And it was, how could we kind of merge those two worlds? They're two very different worlds in a way that seamlessly worked. They were obviously different, but could live on the same record, Macklemore added. Like, is that even possible? <laughs> well, I, I was under the impression that old school cadences was pretty much all Macklemore had in his fucking toolbox. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. that said, like, I mean, Macklemore was rapping, he's dodgy at best. Oh, it's fucking dicey I, as hell. Musically speaking, I do kind of like this song. To oh, me- musically, it's it's... Yeah. It's fine. It really does kind of sound like someone trying to do some Queen Wings band on the run 
ship, yeah. where a song could have a whole bunch of different modes and tempos without getting boring or clashing with itself. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess that's Ryan Lewis, again, saving Macklemore's ass. And, yeah. I mean, as Chris Walken once demanded, this has a lot of cowbell, plus a whole bunch of creative, real instrumentation all the way through it. It's got sort of retro throwback bits all over the shop without just nicking one sound, like mm-hmm. Bruno Mars style. Plus, it has heaps of other good singers to make up for Macklemore, including, as you said, Cool Moe D, Eric Nelly, Grandmaster Kaz, Grandmaster Mel Mel. And it's only five minutes long. So we're not getting into full sort of 70s stairway to heaven, scaramouche, scaramouche territory, you know. You don't get, it doesn't get long enough to be grating, I don't think. And even like Macklemore's rapping, even if you don't like that, that only makes up a fairly small chunk of the actual song. Yeah. yeah, no, agreed. Um, I th- but hey, look, we're allowed to, you know, you don't have to agree all the time, but yeah. Oh, no, no, look, I, I think what I will say is that, um, do, you th- do you actually think Ryan Lewis said, yo, you got to flip something like that for the new album? <laughs> I don't believe that No, for a no, I think Macklemore may have imagined that that So happened. he's listening to the, uh, Ryan Lewis has just went, yo, we got to use those old school type cadences. I don't think Ryan Lewis said that. And as no. you said, I think Macklemore's f- like flow is pretty bad. Like I think for sort of um yeah, Ryan Lewis to be like, "Oh yeah, just do what those <laughs> other dudes are doing." Like you were already doing on yeah. the last three songs. Anyway. Um and also sort of uh mixing Queen and music from the 70s. How can we merge these two worlds? Well, Queen are from the 70s. I don't know. Like, is, Does he mean that or does he mean merging think, Queen with the rappers? I think that, yeah. yeah. But I know what you mean. To me, like the the structure of the song is 70s, but it sounds much more 80s. It sounds much more sort of early 80s beatbox, you know, sort of Grandmaster Flash era, which Look, I guess is yeah. where the rappers Look, there's definitely stuff. some cool horns and stuff in there. And I think, yeah, they've sort of, as you said, yeah, the, the production's like um, pretty good. But... Um, yeah, to me it sounds like the same old Macklemore shit rapping. Doesn't sound like he's changed up the case. No, no, at he all. he sounds just um, the same. He's just singing. The only the thing. only one of the problems I do have with this is that it does sound there is um, the the downtown chorus, which sounds like it's a little bit sort of uh, crowbarred in a little bit. Like I sort of felt yeah. like there was a l- kind of a bit of like this is three songs in one almost. And that works how it goes through the different sort of yeah. parts of the song. But um, I sort of, I, I thought, oh, it doesn't all gel as well. No. As, um, but but that's sort of been some of their other songs as well. Macklemore and, you know, Ryan Lewis have always had that sort of mm. Macklemore going, yo, I'm up in the game. And then someone will come in and do the chorus bit. Yeah. And sometimes it fits in well, other times, no, it's not I as reckon well, so. it works better than... The one we were talking about earlier, which is like, you know, a ballad with rapping in it. Oh, yeah. That's I think that's sort of, I know what you mean. That's sort of, that kind of, that's the most 70s ish part of the song is that sort of downtown kind of rock chorus yeah. bit. And yeah, and it's a bit awkward with the 80s kind of rap stuff. And also the other, the other rappers make up for Macklemore's deficiencies, but they also sort of highlight his deficiencies as yeah, well. Yeah. Like maybe if you're going to copy one style of <clears> rapping <throat> and you're not as good at the people who originally didn't did it, don't get four of them in the same fucking song. Oh, exactly. You know, or if you're going to, then don't you appear on it? Just have other people yep. doing it, and just tell Ryan Lewis to give you some cash. But, yeah. Now this song's apparently about mopeds. 
Uh, quote, uh, Ryan made a beat on the road called Moping Around. Oh. I got the beat. I thought it said Moped. Coincidentally, we had both purchased mopeds for being on the road so we could go around, leave the venues that we were performing at, and I wrote a song about mopeds, which now a year and a half later is out in the world. Great. So, That's great. <laughs> every bit as interesting as I know you were hoping. <laughs> Dan- yeah, cool. I thought it was about going downtown. I thought it was. I thought this was the antithesis of the sort of Bruno Mars's uptown funk. I thought this was his response track. I did find myself wondering if that was the same thing, particularly as... Bruno Mars and Mark Ronson do seem to be playing a very similar game to Macklemore and Raya Lewis. Oh, absolutely. E.g., where you've got to got a every a sort of half decent rapper being buoyed up by someone who's very good at production but isn't very cool and you know looking in videos. Yeah. Exactly right. Exactly. So I mean, um, the video does feature a lot of mopeds. You can't argue with yeah. quantity. Well, they're dropping cash on these videos. Oh, like, this looks yeah. like another one where they've shut down an entire fucking yeah, city man. or something to make this. It's one. It's like a fucking street. Parade. Yep. Uh, it was shot in Spokane, Washington, uh, directed by Ryan Lewis again, plus Jason Koenig and Ben Haggerty. Macklemore's still shopping at St. Vincent de Paul because he looks ridiculous, but there's definitely some quality scooter, bike, moped action and some quality afros. There just aren't enough afros in music no, these days, man. Yeah, uh, lyrics um, written by Josh Rawlings, Ryan Lewis, Darian Ashland, Tim Haggerty, Evan Flory Barnes, Jay Dutton, Budo, Eric Nelly, and Macklemore. Uh, with pedigree like that, you're guaranteed this level of quality. I'm so low that my scrotum's almost dragging up on the concrete. My seat's leather, all right, I'm lying, it's pleather. But girl, we could still ride together. You don't need an Uber, you don't need a cab. Fuck a bus pass, you got a moped, man. She got 1990, She got 1988 Mariah Carey hair, very rare mum jeans on her derriere. Great. Uh, to be fair to Macklemore, in 1988, Mac- Mariah Carey was a crimp-haired teenage sex bomb hooking up with the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. So I can't really blame Macklemore for that one. Yeah. And she was still older than your average Paul Walker date. So, you know. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Absolutely right. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's because what I grew up, but I do have a thing for that kind of centre-parted mushroom-shaped crimp hair thing. It, yeah, just does oh, something for yeah, me. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, you were, in 90210, you were always more of an Andrea Zuckerman <laughs> man, I know, yes, than a Tory spelling man. definitely. So. Uh, Why definitely. the long face, Tori? That's what the bartender <laughs> said to her when she came in the bar. Uh, all right, <laughs> let's move on. Um, they've got 16 million people oh, listening shit, yeah. to Macklemore and Ryan Lewis. Remember, oh, yeah. Macklemore and Ryan Lewis are separate entities as well on Spotify. But when they team up, they get 16 million <laughs> listeners. This will cost you $17.80. Um, oh, okay. And, it look, and it's got a, it's, that one's got a generic cover so I think the dude's lost the cover it's just the disc so <laughs> if you want fucking to say, CD, so, so if you want a cover you got to pay $46.70 so that seems that's wild to me there's a guy insane. out there on Discog who's invented yeah. he's got a he's got a stockpile of CD burners and he's yeah. like I'm going to hold out I'm going to be the last guy with a CD burner that's working yeah. and these cunts are going to pay all this back yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's gonna if you want to cover, it's gonna f- cost you forty bucks. Interesting though, Macklemore released this on Casingle as well, which is pretty rad. Oh so wow, get a Casingle of this. <laughs> That's authentic throwback. Um, yeah, so the last yeah, which cost you twenty six dollars. Um, so <laughs> sure. it's cheaper than the CD. So good stuff. Um, Who's all right. up next? Up next, it is Adele. She's back. Oh, six weeks. It's another boring piano ballad. (laughs) 
I'm sorry, Adele. It's but, Hello. Um, yeah, this is ha- this one's called Hello, which is yeah. which is a huge. I remember this not that many years ago now, but this seemed to be all over the fucking it place. It was everywhere, wasn't it? Yep. So, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Look, uh, I guess this song there was a little bit of. Um, you know, who's Adele saying hello to? Mm. Like, sort of, I know that her, we talked about her last album. I think she had some hits off that, Rolling in the Deep. That was sort of like a whole album about, I think, a relationship breakdown. Yeah. Um, where I think someone had broken up with her. I think on, on this time, it was sort of like maybe a different type of... Was this was this when she was getting divorced? I can't even remember. Or maybe that's... I'm not sure. Yeah. But, but I think it was sort of like, so... You know the songs about saying hello. Is it is it to you know her ex lover or or ex lovers? You know yep. is it to just to friends, family members? Um, who is it that she's sort of reaching out to in this? And um, my research um, showed that it was Lou Bega again. So um, once again, <laughs> well, look, same, it's so. either the Hat Man or the Scat well, Man. Yeah, I'd it say. is so, probably the Scat Man because he's less annoying, even though he's technically dead so Adele's shouting out to Lou um, and he's got a beef with fucking Taylor as well <laughs> yep. so a, bit, a lot going on in Lou Bag as well sure. so, but yeah no actually Adele had to say this it's kind of a hello to all my old friends all the relationships I've had all my old teachers a little me when I was 7 or 8 and also a little bit of hello to my fans because I've been gone for so long so that's great yeah, just a she, general shout out to, to fucking anybody well she said it. it was sort of to do with uh, feeling sad when she's on tour because she misses being back home and yeah. so it's kind of like a hello but but also yeah. sort of talking to a younger version of herself when she was there yeah. and stuff like that yeah. which is pretty generic but then as Taylor demonstrates sometimes generic can make a lot of money oh generic uh, obviously yeah. works now I mean this is nearly as long as downtown but it contains only one voice and one instrument yeah. uh, I mean this is about I know I say this sometimes but this is about the closest to a power ballad I can hope for in the charts these days yeah. e.g. a not shit song sung by someone with a rad voice some real instruments and a big sort of power chorus yep. and then again I do have a thing <coughs> for women with cleft chins so maybe I'm biased yep. if you had a woman with a cleft chin and Mariah 1988 hair I'd be in real trouble oh yeah. Definitely, yeah, I know. Um, yeah. I mean, it was a huge hit. In the US, Hello debuted at number one on the Hot 100 without fucking nine weeks of Justin Bieber tweeting about it. It sold a whopping 1,112,000 downloads in its first week. Fucking Almost up. doubling Flo Rida's previous sales record of 636 thousand for right round his blowjob anthem yeah, was the highest was selling the down wow there well, you go. fastest fastest, fastest yeah. selling yeah, yeah. Uh, the track significantly broke various streaming records after being replayed 61 million times in its first week Jeez. so yeah so I don't know how long it held on for but it was a big you know spike first week spike absolutely wow yeah. Huge song, man. Massive. Man. Oh, yeah. Like you say, it was everywhere. I was getting to the point where I was starting to think, is this from a film that I haven't seen? Because it does sound like, you know, I don't want to, you know, she did the James Bond theme, but it yeah. does have a kind of James Bondy theme yeah. quality to I it. I can see it why was, they um, went after her for the Bond theme. Yeah. Um, I think it was from the Teen Wolf reboot, Tom, <laughs> that we sort of talked about. So, T- or Teen Wolf 3. Teen Wolf 3. He's, he's playing baseball in this one. Is Colin Farrell rebooting Fright Night again? <laughs> yeah. I can't <laughs> believe I confused Fright Night with Teen Wolf. Well, I can't believe they stopped at Teen Wolf 2 because they could have just done it with different sports. So he's on the tennis, he's on the tennis court. Ah, he's a wolf now. He's fucked. <laughs> sure. He's playing hockey. He's, ah, he's a wolf. So he's at the Olympics. He's doing the high 
jump. Oh, he's a wolf. They could have had 20 of those things. I don't know why they stopped. Maybe that's what happens in the TV show. Yeah. I'll have to check it out. Um, did you watch the music video? Um, I did, yes. Yes, in uh, black and white? Yeah. yeah. So, Tom, yeah. this is what the director had to say about the music video. Quote, it's highly unoriginal, end quote. <laughs> um, yeah, no, sure, fucking, no, no shit. fucking shit. So, yeah, that's what he had to say. It reminded but, me of those early 90s videos where they thought black and white was super classy. Oh, uh, yeah, you know? definitely. Um, <laughs> like Guns N' Roses, uh, I think they do. Yeah, like they do Chris like Isaac five. and stuff. And, yeah. I think Guns N' Roses have like five Just, music videos. If you can get slow motion and black and white, yeah. oh, now we're talking, oh, someone dropping a vase on the ground in yeah. slow motion. What could it mean? Exactly. Oh, Shattering just like this relationship. <laughs> Indeed. So the clip shows Adele using an old-fashioned flip phone. Oh, okay. So it's 2000, oh, 2015. So mm. she could have had an iPhone, whatever they're oh, up made to, a right three, razor, four, but she's thought. using them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, using an old-fashioned flip phone. So it left fans wondering why the star doesn't have a smartphone. <laughs> this is the sort of shit that happened back then. So, and this is what the director had to say. It drives me crazy. I can see the gifts on on Twitter. I'm like, guys, get over it. It doesn't matter. Um, but the real explanation is that I never like filming modern phones or cars, Tom. Mm. They're so implanted in our lives that when you see them in movies, you're reminded you're in reality. If you see an iPhone or a Toyota in a movie, they're anti-narrative. They take you out of the story. If I put an iPhone or a modern car in a movie, it feels like I'm making a commercial. Now... When you see a modern car or a phone in a film, does it take you out of the narrative, Tom? Do you just go, oh, I've forgotten I've watched a film. I'm in real life. On the one level, he's right, because we have actually talked about that multiple times before, where there'll be some weird bit of product placement in a film for a thing that was like some, you know, faddish thing at the time, like some weird Bluetooth headset or something. <laughs> yeah. And it really does make you think, oh, that's right, those things were you know, a big thing in 1997 or something like that. Yeah. But on the other hand, a fucking flip phone is also a piece of technology and yeah. it just makes the video seem, you know, and likewise using an old car just means I'm trying to make this look like a period film from 1963. Oh, exactly. You know, and I've given her a Bridget Bardo hair thing and an Alice band made in black and she's driving a 60s, you know, fucking Jaguar F-Type, you know, it's... Yeah, it's you're still making an artificial construct. It's just an older one, you know. Yeah. If it's got fucking brand names in it, sure. But you know, I don't. If see she's why. just holding a phone up to her no. ear, it could be any fucking no, that, phone. I understand what he means by the product placement, and and as you see, you know, there was a period of time where every single video clip had to have at least four or five oh. shots of a close-up of someone wearing Beats headphones yeah. or drinking Hennessy or some bullshit. Also, just because something's lasting doesn't make it interesting as yeah. fucking Rihanna, Kanye West and Paul McCartney demonstrated. The black and white film clip where you're all wearing fucking double denim. Yeah. Just because people still wear double denim now from 50 years ago doesn't make it an interesting video. Yeah. And it's imagine... boring as fuck. And also you show up on set to make this video and then it's just like, okay, so in the music video, it's, it's called Hello, so we'll make sure you're like doing some phone shit. You're on sure. the phone. And it's just like, okay, well, so we've got the setup. That's fantastic. All right, Adele, you're going to be on the phone. And she's like, okay, great. I'll just use my phone. And the director's like, no. And then the person in charge of the props has to fucking go down to like an op shop or they got to source like an eight-year-old phone because the director doesn't want a modern phone in there. And it's just like, oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. You know, just, just use the regular phone. Yeah, look, the video, despite all that, broke the Vivo record for the most views in 24 hours. 
Yeah. 27.7 million total. Taylor Swift previously held the record with her video for Bad Blood earlier this year, which oh, yeah. had 20.1 million views in a single day. Hello was directed by Xavier Dolan and was also the first music video to be shot by IMAX cameras. Wow. Once again, the sage words of the guy from Oasis come back to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Every director thinks they're making fucking apocalypse now. Absolutely. Whereas I know this is supposed to look like five minutes of some classy French film from 1965, but in fact it looks like a fucking chocolate commercial that got carried away with yeah. itself. Or one of those perfume commercials where Scarlett Johansson and a hot guy with beard stubble just look into the camera and say things like, indescribable or some shit like that and then Paris is in the background and you're like this doesn't mean fucking jack shit and how much did this cost for Christ's sake yeah anyway absolutely right um look so Adele opened the Grammy Awards in 2017 so not not this year two years later she opened uh with a performance of this song because mm-hmm. this one I think this one had a bit of a long tail I think it seemed to be around yeah so even sure two years was. later people were like oh yeah, yeah that song so she opened up the Grammy Awards, sung this song. Everyone was like, oh, that's fantastic. And then she came back later in the episode uh, on the Grammys to perform uh, George Michael's Fast Love <laughs> in a tribute to the singer who died on Christmas Day 2016. Now, is Fast Love the George Michael song you want to be paying tribute to the singer with? Well, we actually discussed this way back in 1996 when Fast Love was a number <laughs> one on the ARIA charts. Yeah. I think my theory was that the wedding was the wedding gift registry idea where Adele signed on to the tribute concert oh, song yeah. list too late and ended up with the musical equivalent of buying the happy couple a new Bosch dishwasher, <laughs> or in this case, a song about banging dudes in the back of your car yeah. and or a public toilet facility. So, yeah. Gotta get up to get down. It's like... I mean, it's not a terrible song. Oh, it's it's a just great, a, a it's, weird tribute song. It's a great song, yeah. <laughs> baby, baby. I think, like, I think like Jesus to a child had already been taken. That was the number one of the <laughs> Yeah, exactly. The last Christmas I gave you my heart. And been yeah, taken. for sure. Um, I do believe we're practicing the same religion, Tom. <laughs> so I'm glad that it, oh, I'm sure, I'm sure she did it, you know, a, a fitting tribute to George. So it's pretty good. So that's good. I'd have to know what it sounds like to judge and I just can't be asked listening that's to the it. One, I'd listen that's to the, the one where, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, same because of course whenever I think of the song I think of the music video where it's George Michael sitting in that chair yeah. made out of speakers and like I think he's like <laughs> try, isn't he like trying to he's watching like a porno on a fax machine or something like that <laughs> yeah so. I'd rather remember him like that not through a sort of funeral dirge Grammy <laughs> oh, version exactly. of his oh but Dale's fucking ruining it yeah Look, I don't hate this song, no. but, but you know, look, it's I understand if it's not your kind of music, it's not going to do much for you. Uh, lyrics, uh, this was written by Adele and producer Greg Kirsten. Uh, Hello from the outside, at least I can say that I've tried to tell you I'm sorry for breaking your heart, but it don't matter, it clearly doesn't tear you apart anymore. Now, if she's talking about herself in the past, then that all makes sense. Yep. But if she's talking about relationships... Then she starts to sound like one of those annoying people who are usually dudes that'll dump someone and then keep sending them little messages when they feel lonely to get validation from the pain they caused somebody else. Yeah. Those people suck, so I hope she's talking about herself. 
And I think this song should be used in a new post-Jared range of Subway commercials, featuring the new <laughs> Thin Adele saying hello from the other side to an unflattering tabloid photo of herself while holding uh, up a yeah. pair of pants you could fit around a smart car. That's good And idea. preferably not molesting children yes. on the side. Yeah, probably that also be a plus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she could do it. She, could she do it. I reckon she could do it. Absolutely. Oh, she looks great. She lost like fifty kilos in two years. Yeah. Um anything else to say about this one? No, no. So Adele's got forty two point seven million listeners. That's wow, a fuck that's load. a lot. Yeah. Um sort of anticipated that would be the case. And uh this is gonna cost you thirty one dollars. $31. 80. Wow, okay. Can't knock a single for that it's one, unfortunately. It's an old-fashioned CD price. It is, it is. Absolutely, album. yeah. Yeah, album price, but you just get the, the single, so... All right, um, final song of the year, Tom. Good heavens, what a massive year. Absolutely. Um, Justin Bieber is back. He is. With his mature Again. sound. Um, <laughs> love yourself for three weeks, Tom. Yeah, it's actually seven weeks. It's three weeks this year, oh, then sorry. four weeks next year. Four That's more weeks going next over the year. Line. Jesus yeah. H. Christ. So, yeah. more mature sound, Tom. How mm. do we know it's a more mature sound? How do we know? Mm. What do we know about this time? It's um, about masturbation. <laughs> it's about loving yourself. So, this is how we know it's a more mature Possibly. sound. Sure. song about loving yourself. Um, mm. The only difference is Bieber hasn't found a bold corporate sponsor <laughs> partner to partner with such as say I don't know vodka cruises to help spread the, the masturbation message well but, vodka yeah. cruises are more about femme fun <laughs> they've deeply embedded themselves into feminine fun and yeah, yeah definitely um, what were the what were the songs on that single Can you uh, they were seeing stars and my favourite cruising on my own <laughs> cruising on my own I mean Justin right. Bieber's metaphorically cruising on his own for yeah, sure yeah, absolutely um, Look, this song was originally written by Ed Rangers with Attitude Sheeran for oh. his latest gangster rap LP, Divide, uh, but failed to pass his high bar for quality control. Really? Quote, it just wouldn't have made it, and then Justin took it and did his thing on it and made it what it is, going from a song that never would have, would have been released to the biggest song of last year, Billboard number one of 2016 for the whole year and be nominated for Song of the Year at the Grammys. It just shows you that you shouldn't always write stuff off. Fantastic. I mean, that has happened three times this year, in fact, that same thing. But yeah. is that the lesson you took from this, Ben? That Ed's standards are too high and he should exercise less quality control on his white rap homeless guy with a cardboard sign and a three-string guitar train station jams? Look, I think he... Um I think what he does is he actually exercises the perfect amount of quality control because <laughs> um, maybe I would have preferred this to be in the trash can. So, mm, mm. But the problem is, I guess, that, you know, <laughs> Justin just does took mean, it and did his own thing with it. Does it mean that Justin has lower standards than Ed Sheeran? Oh, That's that, a terrifying that, thought. That goes without saying, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Well, look, um, using, like, you know, looking at it scientifically, using... Tom's independent three-way artistic nominative classification, or yep. titwank, we can see that this falls into category B, yep. specifically an I'm sick of boning you song. Uh, that led some to speculate that it was about Bieber's, Bieber's chipmunky ex-partner Selena Gomez, mm. but he insisted that it wasn't because that would be too interesting, which led Pop Sleuth back to the song's original author, Ed, That's How We Do It in the Motherfucking Projects, Sheeran, after he broke up with former pussycat doll Nicole Scherzinger. 
Was that cheering together? Yeah, apparently so. And I mean, when you think about it, that sounds more plausible because she is a human-sized red flag in thigh boots. (laughs) Absolutely right. You know, if anything is going to make you write a song like this. Yeah, lyrics, for instance. My mama don't like you and she likes everyone. And I never like to admit that I was wrong. And I've been so caught up in my job, didn't see what's going on. But now I know I'm better sleeping on my own. Because if you like the way you look that much, baby, you should go and love yourself. Ah, there you go. Is Justin Bieber telling us to fuck off, Ben? Are we going to take that from the world's youngest middle-aged lesbian wearing a sideways microwave Beatles wig? Yeah, I Because I'm not. Uh, I, I don't want to, but <laughs> I don't want to start beef because I know that he'll probably eat my house. So. That's true. He might yeah. piss in a bucket near your house and, and then, then throw in at it. Yeah, exactly. Look, yeah, I hate to say it, but I do, actually don't hate the line, my mama don't like you and she likes everyone. Yeah. That's not a terrible line. Probably about yeah. Nicole Swerzinger then. But yeah, it just it sounds like I'm going out with a bitch and you cheated on me and now I'm, you know, vaguely cranky about it, so yeah. fuck off. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's fair, fair enough. enough Absolutely it? right. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's it. That's cool. it for the year. I mean, unless you want to uh, read that essay that you're writing for the New York Times about Beyonce's new album being the start of a Euro dance renaissance. Not this week, Tom. Not this I'm, week. I'm working okay. on it. I'm, but, um, I'll keep an ear out. Yeah, absolutely. I will certainly work on that. <laughs> Um, what was it? Oh, yeah. We'd said 69 million before for Bieber, so I already knew that. Yeah. Um, Fuck, that's a lot. No copies for sale of Love Yourself, unfortunately. <laughs> They've all been snapped up all by been 14 year old girls. Um, the last copy that sold were sold for $46.70. <laughs> Fucking so hell, that's a lot of if money. You, if you're down at the old uh, op shop or something and or you see a, see a copy of that sure. for a dollar, pick it up because someone will give you. 50 right. bucks for it. Or if you, you can... own one of the last three computers that still has a CD burner in it, then get out there and make yourself some cash. So. Exactly right, exactly. So, Fuck, what a massive year. Good yeah. Lord. So that's that's the end of uh, 2015. Um, were there any... I, I'm not sure if, if you looked at any sort of uh, songs that, that didn't, didn't sort of uh, make the cut for... For number ones, but were were classics. No, no, nah. I didn't get that far. I'm afraid. No, nah, that's okay. That's it was. Okay. It, I, I mean, compared to a lot of other years, there really weren't like that was a seven week song, and that's about as big as we got this year. It was. A, there were a lot of short songs and stuff like that. Yeah. But I mean, there were also a lot of kind of you know, like well, new artists like Bieber, and also just little weird one hit. You know, things like pop-up things like Calvin Harris and OMI and stuff like that. You know, it's nice to see something on the charts that's not purely, you know, oh, One Direction, their first hit, you know. Was exactly it? right. Yeah. Exactly. And who could forget Lost Frequencies? For know? sure. Oh, Anyone who's just heard it five minutes later, I think. <laughs> Forgot it existed. <laughs> so we'll be back uh, next time with 2016. Wow, so we're cool. creeping up towards the We're present. getting close to current day. I don't know what the song's going to be next week, but um, there can't be more than this because there are a lot Surely this week. Surely not. So. All right. Okay. Thank you. See ya.